Coming to you from the X-Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. The movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! This is Real Nerds Podcast, voted as Denver Westward's top 10 nerdtastic podcast. And this is our annual film explosion episode of 2019, where we each reveal our favorite films from 2019. And mine will be right, everybody else's will be wrong. With me is the whole fucking crew. Hi, Ryan. James is here. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> We thought he was dead. I haven't seen you in a long time. I know. It's we, been we sad. We did that whole memorial yeah. episode, Here, hold too. my hand. I know. Hold we did. Hand. And oh. we did have it in memoriam. <laughs> and James was left off, so he, he's he's come back from the dead to write us. It was a beautiful memorial, though. All the Muppets came out and sang, If Just One Person Believes in You. And no, it was, I, was, I, was, I think, I was, I think Ryan Johnson even gave you a watching. eulogy. It was really great. Yeah. Oh, he's such a sweet yeah. guy. You know, he made the best Star Wars movie ever made. I know we were talking great. about it. Man. And if you're like, hey, what was that at the beginning of the episode? We actually had a custom-made song Man. from um, our friends who we met at the first Comic-Con. Was that the first time we met them? The very first Denver Comic-Con, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, Brad Plugum. Yeah, that was a uh, – you may have heard our, our new branded theme song for Film Explosions, uh, and that was uh, by Bolonium. They recently released an album, Snacktacular. You can buy it uh, from Needle Juice You can also Records. get a cassette of that. Yep. What? CD and cassette is pretty cool, and you can see them uh, do live shows around town periodically. So. They're fun. They're like uh, they remind me of like a Weird Al, yeah, Weird style. Al Devo, um, yeah. and a lot of their songs are just you know about pop culture and just fun stuff. Yep. Yeah. So Thanks to uh, them. yeah, thank you very much. So buckle up, boneheads, because we're going on a five-hour <laughs> ride. I'll introduce everybody because uh, we need to get this started. To my right is Henry. We have Brad, Zach, Hi. James, yeah, and Corinne. Hello. Hey. Yay. 
Because I'm sure Zach just watched a couple things this year. Yeah. <laughs> again, again, every time his number ten. seven is a sweep. So keep that in mind when we <laughs> get to true. number seven. It is true. His number seven is always vicious. And every time we do a film explosion, I don't know how many listeners uh, watch Oh, It's Always Sunny. I think of uh, Danny DeVito's uh, Troll. Um, you have to pay the oh, troll yeah. toll because uh, Zach is our very own in-house troll. And the reason I, I, I don't really like that label, but okay. It, it, the only reason I say it is because he has these lists that he gives Brad, and then if you go on his letterbox, they're different. So I know. So I'm thinking because I didn't add those entries into my letterbox until before we recorded that, and then I was able to kind of change it up because I was like, you know what, I do like this one over the other. So. Liar, liar. Okay. <laughs> Hearsay. Hands on fire. Yeah. Hearsay. Okay. And no, Zach, you can't put Twombly on this fucking list. No. You try no. every year. It doesn't work. It, no, <laughs> it doesn't. You, you you literally can't on Letterboxd. It just says, fuck you, whenever I enter that into the title search. That'd be sweet <laughs> if you actually typed in something and it's like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> just like find like the most obscure title imaginable. Yeah. Like, it just pops up and says, like, you must be kidding, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you know why we couldn't find Susie for so long, Ryan? Because every time I wrote Susie in, it just said, fuck you, Zach, I'm not telling you where it is. <laughs> Someone has something against Zach. Google search bar. I don't get it. Yeah, I'll never know why we couldn't find that film on its own. <laughs> I know. Uh, JCVDDV is still on uh, on Letterbox. Yeah, yeah, it's, still, yeah, there, it's yeah. still there. If you add it to the movie database, um, you can do that. So that makes me wonder if the fifth anniversary edition is going to be on Brad's list. <gasps> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even think of that until now. <laughs> <laughs> and you just made Brad sad. Honestly, the 50th anniversary edition is the same as the one that we released. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, so how's everyone's 2019? Good. Can't Good. Complain. Fair. Yeah. What are you, yeah. you going to remember most awesome. about? 2019? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, what are you going to remember most about your 2019, James? This year, I learned that parsnips make babies fart. <laughs> um, no, I no. It's a. Uh, it's been a great year. Um, I slept less. I've seen fewer movies, so I think my total turned out to be like. 46 or something like that. Um, That's 100 less than mine. Yeah, I know. This is the fewest films I've seen in a year in maybe 10 years. Um, like since since college. Um, which is pretty crazy. But uh, but also as I looked down the list, like when I went to Letterboxd and looked through stuff I missed, especially back in the summer, uh, I was okay. You know? Yeah. I, there's a few things that, I'm, that I wish I'd seen that we'll talk about later. Um, but for the most part, you know, there's some things that I'm, you know. Am I really sad that I haven't seen Hellboy yet? <laughs> I'm all right. Well, way to spoil I've my gotten, number yeah, one you can't fucking spoil movie. Them. I've gotten so close. I've gotten so close a few Saturday mornings. Like, is today the day I watch Hellboy? <laughs> nah. <laughs> but you know, I, I I tell everybody this: when you become a parent, your life isn't that much different. You're just a lot more tired. Yeah, yeah. You know, just yeah. always tired. Exhaustion right. fills your soul. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, or like last night, I was I was watching a movie and Laura passed out drunk, and then Kellen <laughs> and Kellen said, "Hey." uh Daddy, I'm going to go lay with mom. And this was like 730. I said, okay, buddy. So he went to sleep. So wow. I put on notes on a scandal. Then my wife woke up like an hour later and it woke up all the animals in the house. And then I couldn't focus on the movie anymore. Then my wife is like, wants to snuggle with me. I'm like, ew, get off of me. <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because it's a movie about a 15 year old kid banging his teacher. So it's really oh, weird. Yeah. And, um, but no, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I've never had a Hollywood season where I so wanted to not see anyone 
you know mm-hmm. like usually you're like oh cool christmas is coming up you're gonna go spend time no i didn't i didn't want to do any of that mm-hmm. like by the time actual christmas came around i was like fuck all you people can i go to bed and then you'll get to a point you're like man i slept six hours today yeah. this is a good day yeah man i didn't get to experience actual christmas <laughs> no 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 he goes actual christmas versus just christmas oh, oh. well that's that was, the other thing when you start getting married and having kids you start having like six christmases oh yeah, so, oh, yeah. Fuck. i had yeah, yeah 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 we had christmas the saturday before we had christmas yeah. on sunday is that the we second christmas because i'll tell you a Tuesday. story we had christmas so, on wednesday i mean james's we families are, de- are together laura and my family are divorced yeah so you get to you go like three christmases you're like oh it's the 27th i don't have anything to, more to do and then you get a call from laura and says hey my dad wants to have christmas dinner on january 2nd mm. <laughs> it's like that movie four christmases oh no this yes. it's like the the mcu of the four christmases yes <laughs> seriously yeah uh, you know except they don't whatever. get better with time <laughs> no. By the time you get to the last Christmas, you're like, I don't want to see this one. Yep. And then it's like, oh, I only got you stuff. I don't want fucking presents. I don't yeah. care. Yeah, it's more like the Jurassic Park franchise. Ah. Like the first Christmas, pretty great. You get a lot of the stuff you want. It's really fun. You see the second one, you're like, okay, yeah, we needed to do this. And then by the time you get to six, you're like, fuck. I just don't care about this anymore. And then Colin Trevor starts showing up at your house being like, hey, do you want an eighth? And yeah. Like, no, <laughs> Colin Trevor off. Right. By, the, by the time you've, you're finished with the sixth one, you have a black eye and you're just tired. <laughs> so anyways, uh, we'll count down our lists. I'm um, sorry that you guys go through this. <laughs> I would like I to give a, a special shout out to Brad for putting together the Blu-ray. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. He, he does it all the time. Yeah, it's not special. Fuck. It was his idea. Yeah. But no, thanks for doing the hard work, Brad. Yeah. And making things look good. It's my choice to punish myself. <laughs> no, yeah. It's going to be great. Going the extra mile. Mm-hmm. But I love the Jojo Rabbit theme. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it looks so good. It was a it was a tough choice this year. It could have been Captain Marvel themed or Avengers Endgame theme, but since we did Avengers Endgame last year, um, oh, yeah. and we usually don't pick the like the smaller indie run art design, so this is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it looks great. And there's some other surprises on this Blu-ray as we go. So. Oh, a Downton Abbey slide? <laughs> Do we get Maybe. free cars? You what? get a car. You get a car. <laughs> no, no, it's just stuff in the DVD. Oh, damn. Yeah. Oh. There's nothing under your seat. Uh, Brad, don't tell yourself short. Oh, the Blu-ray. Awesome. <laughs> right. Yep. Blu-ray is the prize. Brad, are there any different rules this year? Uh, no, just uh, uh, just don't announce the movie. Uh, let the trailer play and then announce it after the trailer. Gotcha. Okay. Um. Yeah, uh, that the order is on screen. So, hmm. yeah, I would also it. make a recommendation from notes that I've gotten in the past. Maybe near the end of your review of the movie, say the name of the movie again, just to remind people what you were talking about. Because between the trailer not saying the name and then things getting shuffled, you especially because we know Henry's here, we're gonna get like a French movie that's exactly. like <laughs> sometimes. Mister Blue Sky. Sometimes if somebody's never My. heard of the movie. <laughs> also, some of the trailers have, like, no dialogue, so... Henry! <laughs> oh, maybe mine. <laughs> so, or it could be, like, no, Brad's really, like... Enter the Void, or what was that movie? Yeah, it, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's just music, so... Yeah, like, oh, yeah. had a new film this year. I forgot. Like, not so... Um, but the... Uh, like, I've had that on other podcasts, too, where, like... You know, I have no idea what it is, and they announce what the thing is, and I'm listening, and then they explain it, and it sounds awesome, and then I'm like, wait, what was this called? <laughs> so just saying, yeah. you know, um, good a, good, a good idea. Yes. Also, a note on tag team reviews. Uh, I've changed it up so that uh, even if we're out of order, if you have the same movie as another person in that round, you just double up as soon as the first person hits. So, and then you get Which skipped later. So, yeah, that's a good perfect. idea. Mm. So if one, yeah, so if one and six tag team, you know, when do you 
uh, after five, we'll just skip to the next round. So I imagine that when Brad's constructing these things, it's like a beautiful mind. There's just a bunch of numbers running. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen like one of those like 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 detective scenes where it's like there's like thread going like across. <laughs> yeah. the like, Pretty much, it's definitely a Google Doc. <laughs> I'm I'm really hoping that when like two people match up, the second person's name on the Blu-ray just explodes on the menu and disappears. Because <laughs> that would be great. I don't want a fire in my basement. <laughs> Cool. Cool. So anyway, who do we start with? Zach. I mean, Zach's up. All right, motherfucker. Um, my number ten is. Uh, <laughs> my number ten is uh, a documentary, uh, and it's a documentary <laughs> that I felt was much more. Uh, I don't know how to really fully explain it, but it's just it's a film that I felt was very important to where we are and where we're going and what we've kind of been learning over the past couple of years with regards to filmmaking. So. Here it is. 1895. Lumières present the first public demonstration of their new invention, the cinematograph, the first reliable method to project motion pictures. Among those invited, a young secretary, Alice Guy. She thought, why not use film to tell stories? Alice Guy writes, directs, and produces one of the first narrative films ever made. My name is Pamela Green, and I work in the entertainment industry. I was surprised. Why had I not ever heard of her? I was determined to do something about it. My name is Pamela Green, and I'm working on the This is it. The remains of the family artifacts. Oh, my God! Most of her films were lost. The stories in the films that did survive were groundbreaking and innovative. But the greatest story of them all was her own. Right that out the gate with the awesome. French one. Man, Man. It's, I mean, a weird choice for why I'm a member of the alt-right, the movie, Zach. But uh, I mean, for your number 10, but you know. Ooh, that's so, scary. What's the name of this movie? <laughs> it's called Be, Be Natural. Natural, the untold story of Alice Guy Blachet. Um, so it's a documentary about Alice Guy Blachet, who was a filmmaker uh, from France who came over to America and made a lot of, uh, at the time, it was short, silent films uh, before sound entered the picture. Um, and she kind of disappears off the map of film history um we're starting to have more of an appreciation of her now kino lobor the studio that put out the movie um released not too long before this film um pioneers of women filmmaking blu-ray that has her films along with other female directors that were kind of lost to time um her story is important because she's one of the pioneers of film different storytelling elements things that we utilize today but she's been more or less scrubbed from the overall history books of cinema and Hollywood in general. Um, and the uh, when you, as you go through the doc, you kind of understand that while people acknowledged that she was important, they never really gave her her proper due. Um, even people that are admirable within the French community, like the the Cinematheque were never really acknowledging her and kind of just disputed any claims. And it's a she was a woman who fought for her recognition up until the day she died. Mm. So I think with with the way we're going as uh, as a culture with filmmaking, it's important to not just understand that we need more w women filmmakers today. It's also to realize that there were a lot of women filmmakers in the past and that their achievements have been superseded in the long run and 
if not acknowledge you should we should try to start acknowledging it now and i think that this is a positive first step and i think pamela green the woman who directed the film did a great job at making a entertaining uh and uh thought-provoking film about not just uh women in filmmaking but also film history film preservation and how we go about looking at things of the past so it's about number 10 that's really cool which yeah, is uh, oh be, be i natural. said it yeah, yeah, we just went over. Repeat. Oh, be natural, the untold yeah. story of Alice Guy Blachet. Yeah, no, that's really yeah. cool. I never heard of it. No, that. we're that saying it awesome. again so we don't lose oh. the title. Oh, gotcha, the, gotcha. He, he's I'm sitting right next to you. Oh, okay. for sure. <laughs> no, that's really awesome. Yeah. It's early. I, we I just woke up. Brains are starting up. Yeah. <laughs> if you actually, if you watch Jazz films too, Alice's films, a lot of them still hold up too. Yeah. Like, do you know her? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good friends there. Uh, me and Alice. Um, like, um, it makes his apartment stink, yeah, but you Alice know, like, she's a good time. You know, yeah, talks like, too uh, much, but thank you, Brad, French, for laughing at my corpse joke. Yeah. <laughs> necrophilia joke, solid necrophilia yeah, joke. No, her films. Like, I mean, I've only seen a few of them that are available on YouTube. I don't have the Kino Lober set, but you can find all of them on YouTube if you look hard. Yeah, you can, and um, actually, some of them in decent condition. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, the yeah. Lobar Blu-ray looks great, but yeah, there's. She made one of the first Bible epics too. It's it's. She, I mean, that's not what I give a shit about. But that's like um, <laughs> like she, that's what she made. Yeah. But like she's like uh, the first like because it's a very there are a lot of like concepts she like did that are still being done today. Like uh, that's cool. There's like one film she made that's like uh, a guy goes to bed and then he wakes up the next day in a world where uh, women uh, are the uh, main like role mm-hmm. in uh, yeah called oh. Consequence Feminism, which is a f- concept that was made into a French film last year. Um, and like people keep making these like kind of ideas so it's almost as if though that's a awesome story idea that well i mean she's, she's not in the room you don't need to applaud her that much but um <laughs> but, um but uh yeah i would i mean i'm not seeing the documentary i because i'm i have too much time on my hands yeah um but uh yeah you watch some of her films because a lot of them are very fun and i don't think any of them are over 30 minutes so it's like you can easily just like and so yeah it's cool no, absolutely yeah i'm gonna look that up cool Henry, I think you're next up. All right. Well, uh, my film uh, is a period piece about a uh, family of four women uh, and uh, kind of how they go about their lives. Front hook. Ankle hook. Knee hook. Come here. You can do the carousel. Just switch and wrap. Minus 40% is 160. I just want to take care of my grandma, maybe go shopping every once in a while. When I was a kid, I always wanted to work with animals. <laughs> I was close. Shake a little ass, you get a little bag. These Wall Street guys. You see what they did to this country? They stole from everybody. Hardworking people lost everything. And not one of these douchebags went to jail. The game is rigged, and it does not reward people who play by the rules. But it's like robbing a bank, except you get the keys. Are you in? I got a These are my coworkers. Jobs, please. What if somebody calls the cops? And says what? I spent $5,000 at a strip club, send help. Damn. We're a family now. Damn. A family with money. Damn. When would you say that things got out of control?
guy went back three more times. Guess he must have liked it. I was born to flex. Diamonds on my neck. I like boarding jets. I like more than sex. But nothing in this world. I like more than jets. We didn't do anything wrong. You know, Tony wouldn't let this happen. I'm going to text him. Who gave her her phone back? Jump it down. Back it up. Ooh, hey. Make that, make that too. Henry, you did that on purpose. So, uh, yeah, my number 10 is Hustlers. <laughs> That's all right. Which is a story of four women who are part of the family who make their way through life. Uh, and it is a period piece because it takes place in 2007. <laughs> so, uh, Screw yeah. you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, this movie's great. Uh, I liked it more than Ryan did. Um, but, uh, yeah, I actually liked it. I think it's uh, all four leads, uh, or I guess two of the leads and then two of the supporting are very well done, and they all yeah. give really good... Uh, J-Lo's great in it. I'm not a big J-Lo fan, personally, sure. but she's great in this. Yeah. Um, and then Constance Wu is also great in it. It's definitely one of those, like... It's a film that I don't see James liking, so... I'm curious whether or not this movie is, is better or worse than Color of Money as a sequel to The Hustler. <laughs> <laughs> it's the unofficial third film. <laughs> um... But, uh, yeah, I think, like, it's, it's, I think there are definitely flaws with it, um, but I think it's a very, very well done film. Uh, it's cool to see, kind of, like, cause you always see these kind of, every year there's, like, one of these, like, uh, quote, anti-hero, like, Wolf of Wall Street types about, like, bad people who, like, kind of go about, like, doing bad things and, like, getting money from that. It's kind of like a cautionary tale type thing. Sure. And you never see it, like, with female protagonists. Mm-hmm. So it's, they're, so they're I think not really bad people in the movie, though. Well, that's the thing. That's, like, yeah, well, yeah they're, like, they're, they're not, like... They have more of a justification than Wolf yeah. of Wall Street. Right? Wolf yeah, of Wall Street, yeah. he's just a dick. Here, they're like, we're gonna be dicks to dicks! No, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. uh... And so, and then, like... And they do have to, like, establish, like, when they start going a little too far yeah, yeah, yeah. and sure. that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's a great film i'm i strongly recommend to a lot of people who have not seen it because i think a lot of people just skipped over it yeah uh, i mean admittedly when it came out i was not really interested in the film and i was like it's tuesday i'll go <laughs> see a movie this um, is when i watched my j-lo so, that, i did that i was like henry liked it i have a season pass yeah like, i'll go check it out <laughs> so, um but yeah uh it was uh yeah i think it's very well done it's uh, i think j-lo is definitely in my top five of the best supporting actress of the year uh, and so I'm hoping she gets nominated. Uh, she probably will. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's. Uh, I don't have much else to say. I think again, if you have not seen it, I think I would definitely recommend checking out. The cinematography's cool. great. Yeah, all the performances are great. The music's great. Yeah. Um, but you don't think I would like it? Well, it's one of those like Wolf of Wall Street type films where it's like, oh, okay, I think you might not be able to justify any of the people in it. Sure, 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 and sure. So. Yeah. Uh, you, I think you can good. justify one person, Kirsty Bryan from Golden High School's in it. Yeah, represent it. Our friend, we know a, a friend who's in a hundred million dollar movie. Guys, wow, man, she's uh, she's the neighbor where uh, Constance Wu comes home and she says, "Oh, really? oh uh, can I have my kid back?" And she says, "Are you okay?" Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, like, that's her scene. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Rising star. <laughs> cool. Well, she's in one more scene, like really, like yeah, quickly. Yeah. But she looks great in it. Great job, Kirsty. I saw Neat. something else. She's uh, like she mostly does uh, television. Yeah, work, she does. So she's she's on some big show recently. I can't remember. The name uh, she was on some like courtroom drama yeah. where she's having a baby in the hallway. What? Wow. Yeah. Man. No. Oh, that takes so that takes dedication. I didn't know yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, that person. Yeah, Kirsty. Good job. Yeah. Some somebody can get out of the shithole that's Golden, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> We're more than Coors people. We're more than Coors. Boulder Light. Nowadays, we were growing up as a show. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really nice. Now it's like yesterday. I forget what I was watching a while back, but I, I was watching something and I was like, 
wait a second. It was like just a small like blip thing. Oh, it was 30 Rock. I remember I was watching 30 Rock and there was just this quick joke. And I was like, is that William Jackson Harper? Sure enough, William Jackson Harper, who's on The Good Place, he's like one of the main cast members, but he was just like in this quick throwaway, like he had one line, just like a little extra on set that had a lot. And I was like, well, you never know. You You could be in a quick scene like that, and then one day you're starring in a TV show. We all can't be Cary Grant and just start off in movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He didn't just start. He He worked his way through. Through vaudeville. Yeah. Yeah. Check your privilege, uh, Cary Grant. (laughs) 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 He literally signed a contract to be a feature player. He was an acrobat first. Yeah. Anyway, that's my number 10. Puzzles. Cool. Brad? All right. Well, my number 10, um, I really, really wanted it to be Tammy and the T-Rex. <laughs> but I was like, no, nah, it is a 1994 movie, and that would be wrong. But you and then I looked at my 2013 the list, and I put Samurai Cop as number 10. I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I have fucked with this list before. Um, so, uh, like, uh, like, emotionally, that was my number 10, but... Due to the confines of the rules of this game <laughs> that you always break, yeah, uh, I, I had to go with a. I, I just had to go with a, I don't know, twenty-year-old sort of maligned franchise. I started to think about the title of this final episode, which is "What You Leave Behind," and I started to think, "What have we left behind?" We've wanted to make a Star Trek show that would satisfy a Star Trek audience, but different. We had this big black captain in your face. America, come and look at me, and I'm running your show, and this is the face of it. One of the things that attracted me about the Star Trek was that I would be human, completely human, and brown, too. See? It was dark and dirty, and the characters didn't all get along. Nothing was black and white. She was a terrorist. The show spoke about nuances of war that people don't know. It was something totally different in the world of Star Trek. If people aren't bothered by it or don't like it, you're doing something wrong. With all due respect, Deep Space Nine is not really Star Trek. It's not true. We did wonderful, painful work. It was often very painful to do. It pissed us off. I did feel like Alice in Wonderland being dropped into this amazing world. I never felt appreciated on the show. <laughs> I think there was a serious intent about the war, perhaps a more serious intent. Oh, well, I didn't know that because it seemed very funny to me. That anger is mine! You can't have it! I don't think that ever happened. Don't dismiss me. Talk to me. Only the people involved know the facts. No, this is Rashomon. It's Rashomon. We have no you know, idea. Everybody I'm has so a glad I asked this question. Next. We're in Vegas right now with a ton of people downstairs. They love the show. It just took them 20 years to get here. It went where no one has gone before. It pursued the journey inside, not the journey out. I wish I could go back and relive that just one more time. It was like a family on the show, you know? It was like a family on the show. That seven years changed my life. That's very emotional, you know? Guess what? This is Deep Space Nine. Don't get too comfortable. Uh, So, yeah, I put uh, What We Leave Behind, the DS9 documentary. Good choice. um, As my number 10. 
Um, I'm very thankful it was not cats. <laughs> yeah, well, that's coming later. So. <laughs> you didn't get to hear it, but yeah, I trolled these guys with a brief cats trailer. <laughs> Psyched them out. Um, but yeah, the the documentary uh, just kind of goes takes a look back at DS9, which is a Star Trek show that really has it's not really a trek outward; it's a trek inward because the whole thing takes place on a space station. Really, um, they don't go explore worlds; stuff comes to them, and they deal with it, or they examine just the inner workings of um, humanity um, on the station and uh, yeah the, there's some interviews with a lot of people um, it's a show that also didn't really get like its own time on the air like as soon as Next Gen ended Voyager started so they were kind of always in the background um, and it, it was a more of like a more of a war driven show like uh, a lot more conflict mm-hmm. a lot more drama mm-hmm. um, didn't really adhere to the Roddenberry philosophy of like Everyone in the Federation is good and never does anything wrong. There's no conflict, and it's all a utopia. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it uh, took a lot of chances, and it's unfortunate because um, uh, the cool thing about this documentary is not only do they show clips of the uh, series that have been remastered in HD because you can only get an SD anywhere, DVD or streaming. Um, so they remastered some clips so you get to see it in HD, and then, um, oh, shoot, what was it? What was it? The new episode? Uh, yeah, they uh, they get some of the writers from the show into a writer's room, and as the documentary goes on and looks back, they also take some time to... Uh, they, like, they, they're taken aside and start writing like what a season nine would be. And so they start writing one episode, and it unfolds as the documentary goes along. Um, and a weird irony, uh, the catalyst for the episode is Nog dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Aww. a captain now. The ship explodes, and then we lost Aaron Eisenberg earlier this year. And then we lost... Um, and then just recently, uh, Rene Abergenois, yeah, so, so Odo, Odo won't be back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but oddly enough, he wasn't in that episode that much either. Like He kind of shows up at the end to kickstart episode two. So, yeah. um, And it was also the first Star Trek series to really play with serialized seasons, mm-hmm. uh, especially around, I think, season six or seven. Um, it really... Uh, abandons the episodic format and you kind of have to sit for six or seven episodes to yeah. follow everything so yeah you have to buckle in at that point because it's the dominion wars dominion wars yeah. yeah yeah and then i think enterprise really uh i think season two yeah also did that i was gonna say that that ended up being sort of what killed star trek as a whole but not because i mean deep space nine did it great um yeah but yeah but all the shows were pre-streaming era so it oh, yeah. really was like like the whole philosophy of we want episodic television because we want people to jump in whenever they find it. Right. Um, whereas serialized really works now is because you can just Binge set it. it. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you can save it and go back to it and you don't have to look for it. So, right. Uh, yeah. Check it out. It's awesome. It's a good doc. It was a good time in the theater. Yeah. yeah. Cool. James. Um, so my number 10 is always a ringer. Um, I always sort of save that space for something I want to talk about, even if maybe it's not really my 10th favorite movie of the year. Um, and this definitely sort of plays into that. Um, my number 10 is... Does it bother you that I'm not completely human? You are the most human person I have ever met. Do 
didn't I tell you to be home before dark? I just lost track of time. Alita, you have to be responsible. You are someone very special. Hey, kid. Not just a teenage girl. Hey, what's your problem? You can't remember. What do you mean? Doc found you in the scrapyard. So you must be from up there. And I'm just an insignificant girl. That's what they want you to think. I'm not your daughter. I don't know what I am. I do. You have the most advanced weapon ever. But that's just a shell. It's not bad or good. That part's up to you. I do not stand by in the presence of evil. She's threatening the natural order of things. Tonight is not a game. It is a hunt. I need you to destroy a girl called Alita. You made the biggest mistake of your life. And what's that? Underestimating who I am. Uh, yeah, so my number 10 is Battle Angel Alita. Uh, or, sorry, Alita Battle Angel. Whatever. They fucked up the title. It's not my fault. Um, and it's mostly here because I need more of this movie. Um, I movie's got a lot of problems. The pacing is weird. Uh, but the action is awesome. And there are, there are times when, like, it's overdramatic and melodramatic yeah. even and weird. And I don't know what Edward Norton was smoking when he did this movie. Um, I'll tell you what he was that, smoking. It was approximately $45,000, and it was a day of work. So, <laughs> right. like, yeah. Um, and the promise that the, uh, for the sequel, they're going to let me write it. Um, sorry, really he's thing? No, he's a douchebag. That's oh, okay. I was going to say, um, that's a bad idea. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's, that's an Incredible, incredible Hulk. Hulk. Right. Re, uh, yeah. re, oh, uh, dude, that's an reach. American History X one. Uh, <laughs> Wait, there's going to be a sequel to that movie? No, no, no. I, no I American mean, History Y. No. <laughs> No, I mean that Edward Norton's thing through his whole mm. career is that he he wants to get in the, there and rewrite it for you. Let me fix it. I'm so smart. Anyway. Yeah, my little Brooklyn, anybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, I no mean. No one saw, not even me. So. <laughs> even, uh, even in the trailer here, LeBrad and I both, like, go, you know, uh, reacted to, like, some of the shitty dialogue in the trailer and stuff like that. Like, there's the movie has problems, but the action scenes are really cool. I was going to say, the action, I has, haven't seen it yet. And it's, oh, you should see The action it. is incredible. Oh, it's awesome. It's and one of those movies that is popping up on lists. This is commonly a movie, or this is this is like a, a movie that for years we've talked about on this show, I have said was never going to get made. Not only did it get made, but I can't tell you how many times in the theaters I, I like, my jaw dropped and I thought, wait, they're actually going to do this bit? Like, I'm going to get to see this like why? Why would you do? Why wouldn't you have taken a lot of this shit out and made this way more palatable to a normal audience? Um, and yet, I I got a real adaptation of Valida. Um, and yes, it's melodramatic at times. And yes, the beginning is kind of slow. But man, once you get to Kansas, that fucking movie starts to go. 
like that scene is awesome, and from then on, that movie is a lot of fun. Well, it's like so, it's almost where it's like, yeah, the James Cameron dialogue is awful. Yeah, but you and I don't need... actually think he wrote it, but still. no, he didn't. It's like he he had his person that owned uh, right. Stephanie Calagridis, who is her right. Like he writes all of or she writes all of his films. Um, yeah. So it's James Cameron dialogue. How about um, the scene where she says, uh, does it bother you that I'm not human? And then he says, get this. <laughs> he says, you're the most human. What? Put that in the movie. <laughs> What's well, like? And she hasn't done anything to right. set an example. That she's, she's actually been the opposite so of human. human. <laughs> she saved a dog. It's not the same thing. Aww. But it's like, but you need that James Cameron like and like Robert Riga's team up vision to bring that action. Yeah. Like, cause yeah. it legitimately is the best action sequences I've seen all year. And so they're really good. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't say that, but I, and I put it on my list. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just really, I really enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of the books. Um, I, and it's part of why I want them to do more and I, why I think people should revisit the movie because sequels to this at the end of the day, it's a cool, different, original... Yeah. I mean, original being that it's still original, an adaptation, yeah. but not something we've seen in film. Um, original IP. Uh, it's not just more sequels, necessarily. Which is ironic that then I'm asking for sequels to it, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. It feels different from everything else. It sets itself apart, um, just tonally and stylistically, than a lot of the stuff that you see. Um, partially because it's really a big... It's a big anime ad- adaptation. Yeah. And also, if you want... At the end of the day, if you're a big fan of anime and you want your other anime, if you want your, you know, Ninja uh, whatever it is, if you want a good adaptation of that, uh, you should see, Avatar. You should go buy this movie. No. Uh-oh. Oh, you mean the real Avatar? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. But uh, I'm just saying because there already is one. Yeah. And but Netflix is making it. Good, uh, if Net, Netflix might do it right. But anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, Alita Battle Angel. Alita. Battle Angel Alita is a great movie and you should see it. It's weird that they decide to name it have just like three titles in a row of the same thing. I don't know, you know why yeah, like I don't know why they I don't I don't know why they flipped it. I guess because they want to do a sequel and call the second one Killing Angel. But like That'd I, be sweet. Yeah. You know, it was a fun movie. Yeah. It is. Great. Ryan? Uh my number ten, uh, this was actually the hardest placement for me because my nine was locked after like Christmas. But like trying to get uh, my I had so many movies that I really really enjoyed, um, so I went to my default of movies I watched the most, and my number ten was not released in theaters, and my number ten is Lieutenant Sir. Why are we here? It's zombies again. Fast ones or slow ones, sir? Slow. Thank God they're slow. Next stop. a super fun time on our trip. I want you all in the line in front of me and away we go. Why are we stopping? There must be something in the way. What is it, Miss Caroline? Die. Are we going 
the dime, Miss Caroline. No. It's part of the game. The zombies are not real. But fuck, they're not! It is a bit scary. What do we do when we're scared? What's the song we can sing? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. We can't stay here indefinitely. I'm not going anywhere. You're bigger idiots than I thought. And I thought you were both the stupidest people I've ever met. <laughs> My job is to keep you safe. Stay here until I get back. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Fuck! That kind of behavior is unacceptable. Max started Max it. is five years old. And if you can't use appropriate language with a five-year-old, I'm going to have to ask you to disinfect the tractor tree and wait for us back at the bus. Uh, yeah, so my number 10 is Little Monsters, which is on Hulu. Um, it's I, I never pronounce her name right, but she's awesome. The Peter Nyong'o. Yep, she's really great in it. She plays a kindergarten teacher who plays the ukulele and sings Taylor Swift songs, and um, the kids sing along with her. And on their trip to some animal farm, a zombie outbreak happens in an American like underground bunker. And she it's kind of like a romantic comedy because the, the Australian guy in there is... Uh, doesn't he lives with his sister and he doesn't have any responsibility so he decides to go on this field trip with his nephew and you saw a little bit in the trailer is his little nephew is the Darth Vader kid who's running and using the force to stop zombies it's fucking <laughs> awesome um, and it's just a really funny movie and I've probably seen it like three or four times um, it, you should totally check it out because she's amazing in the movie and she's funny she can sing she destroys zombies in it um, so it has a little bit of everything romance comedy zombies um, and Josh Gad as like I think his name's McGiggle McGiggle I forget his name in it but he's really funny in it because um, he acts like he loves kids and he always tries to like push them in front of the zombies and shit it's funny <laughs> that looks great yeah uh, so my number 10 is uh, Little Monsters streaming on Hulu sweet awesome so any of you Hulu people out there or <laughs> Disney Plus subscribers with Hulu <laughs> my sister <laughs> yep check it out cool Corinne all right, my number 10 is uh, it's the end of an era, as it were, and it's a beautiful resolution for characters that I've grown to love over the last several years. My number 10 is... There were dragons when I was a boy. Where they went, only a few know. Our story changed the world forever. We did it! The world's first dragon Viking utopia. Your utopia, maybe. Mine's less crowded and more... Oh! Sanitary. Hey, bud, wait up! Oh, my God. He's not the only one. She's a light fury. Oh, sorry. Did she just disappear? Wow. 
hidden dragon world. Toothless, go introduce yourself. Found my heart, broke it, made friends and lost the year. Toothless has a girlfriend. I've hunted every night, Fury, except yours. Hand him over. I will never give him up. Then I will destroy everything you love. We are no longer safe here. We all have to disappear completely off the map. We have to fight for their freedom. Come on, buddy. You're nothing without your dragon. Attack! Show them what you got, bud. Save him. It's you and me, bud. Always. So yeah, my number Aww. 10 is uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3. Well, I call it that, but How to Train Your Dragon The Hidden World. I like how you can use like your description for that for like five different films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, was, I did that yeah. on purpose. I was like, Little Women? Hustlers? No, man, that, it's a good one. It is a man, really good just one. watching that clip at the the clip of the uh climax where he you know um hiccup is riding on toothless and um or so- something like the light fury is there and he and he tells the light fury to save toothless and it's god that scene is so beautiful and just the the animation in this is gorgeous and the stories for the most part is pretty good the subplot with the one guy is kind of annoying but yeah there's a reason it's number no, it's ten, good. not number one. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, I like it's the, really the, the end battle is spectacularly animated. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a gorgeous. I always think their trailers for the dragon movies are horrible. Like, oh, dude, I was I was literally just gonna say I think this is the first trailer this year that made me cry. Really? <laughs> but that's because to be fair, it's not even that the trailer's great. It's that the the trailer for this one reminds every time I see a trailer for one of these movies it reminds me of how good the end of the first one is yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I cry just because of the end of the first movie yeah like yeah but you're, you're actually probably right it's probably just I'm no, too emotional no, on the trailer I, I am right than... but you know <laughs> I, th- I think I cried at the end of this movie so yeah. oh no for sure I know Kellen, Kellen so loves beautiful. the How to Train a Dragon movies oh they're great um, you know it's, this year I really started taking him to movies and really exploring to see What's the limit of me taking him to films? Yeah. Um, and like he loves the dragon movies, and he went to three more movies that are on my list this year. Yeah. Um, so he was like he he loved uh, How to Train Your Dragon, but he was like us was a little yeah too far. us was a little too far. You know that one uh, that one was definitely beyond the limit. Because at, cause at the end he's like, this is fucking bullshit. And then, <laughs> yeah. Like when you were driving home, Kellen was like, I just think the racial epithets of the film were not really as well established as the ones in out. You know what? He he did say that. <laughs> I love how there are so many great callbacks to the first one in this. The mm-hmm. scene where Toothless and the Light Fury meet, and he's like drawing in the sand like he yeah. did with uh, Hiccup when they first met. Yeah, it's it's great. Yep, it's and a good see, one. those also, are movies I get to explore again with Kate Blanchett. F. Abra- yeah. or F. Murray Abraham freaking killed it in this movie. Yeah, for he's the he plays the villain the dragon. Yeah, 
Yeah, Toothless. he also killed Mozart. <laughs> Son yep. of a bitch. It's <laughs> <laughs> the last action hero reference. <laughs> I got killed it. Mozart. Four years, baby. That will be number one <laughs> on my fucking list. <laughs> Sorry, I just have to read this because I just I just got a text from my wife that reads, I hope you're having fun, but uh, I just looked it up and parsnips are one of the number one gas causing vegetables. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you don't if you're having tummy troubles, maybe eat parsnips to to fart them out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or something. Yeah. Or if you're going to spend your whole day with your in-laws, eat a lot of parsnips. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like that. Yep. Can I have a hug, mother-in-law? <laughs> and that was. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Grin. <laughs> Zach? Uh, my number nine is another documentary. Um, Son of a bitch. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think James already knows what it is. I'd like to know what you feel uh, as far as the responsibilities of representing mankind on this trip. That's uh, relatively difficult to, to answer. Uh, it's a job that, that we collectively said that, that was possible and we could do. And, and of course, the, the nation itself is backing us. So we just sincerely hope that we measure up to that. Apollo program was designed to get two Americans to the lunar surface and back again to Earth safely. The enormity of this event is something that only history will be able to judge. Apollo 11 has very simply been given the mission of carrying men to the moon, landing them there, and bringing them safely back. That's a good pick, Zach. So yeah, my number nine is Apollo 11 uh, documentary. Uh, basic story is it's the story of the moon landing um, compiled through uh, footage uh, from the moon landing and uh, the different parts that are involved in it. Um, all the footage is restored into 70 millimeter. It's oh, beautiful. Um, yeah. And uh, it was actually one of my favorite birthdays that I've ever had was going with Brad to see this in IMAX Aww. on my birthday. Aww. Thanks, um, Brad. Did yeah. you guys hold hands? Yeah. No. <laughs> did you do the popcorn move? <laughs> no. I, I don't did you pull a Finn and Poe? No, our, our romance wasn't long awaited. <laughs> this movie, when at the beginning, when they roll out the, the, the rocket, is some of the... Oh, most yeah. cool like footage I've ever seen. Yeah. It's my favorite part of the doc. And I'll yeah. tell you the, the this film and um, uh, uh, they shall not grow old uh, are two films that were kind of battling through my list mm -hmm. because and the uh, they shall not grow old is kind of an honorable mention because I I didn't see it in time like for last mm -hmm. year and yeah. it's kind of a gray area. Um, this one though, they're both kind of doing the same thing where they're taking this footage and telling a story through just the footage. Well, and Zach, really... don't have any. 
doubt about what film you're going to put on a list. <laughs> yeah, just remember uh, to Tammy and the T-Rex. Yeah, exactly. Something, something. Yeah, okay, my number one is to be or not to be because I projected it at my TV at home. Oh, I should put you should also on. mention about Ooh. this documentary is that there's no commentary. Yeah. No, I, no one's, there's no interviews. Yeah, just, it, that's, and that's, that's, the the big, di- that's the big difference for me between this and They Should Not Grow Old is yeah. like, they Shall Not Grow Old really feels like a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the reason why Apollo 11 isn't on my list is because it's just footage at the end of the day. But, and it's awesome. It's beautiful. But but, uh, but I didn't walk out of it feeling like I learned anything. Well, well that's because you know more than Yeah, everything. I mean, like, to be fair. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I know, I know. And that's why I'm only explaining because, like, when I said to all the tra- during the trailer, like, yeah, this isn't on my list. And everybody was like, really? I was like, well, yeah. So I and I told, I totally understand that. However, um, there's a documentary that Henry put on one of his lists a while back, like LA '92, I think it was. Oh like, uh, yeah, the, um, which 93. does something similar, um, like telling the story through the footage. And this, I just loved how optimistic it was. And mm-hmm. documentaries tend to not be supremely optimistic. They're um, kind of downers. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. like last year when I put the the Wells documentary on there, like it's kind of downing. You know, it's a downer. Um, oh, but it's really sad to learn about how wells are made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, wells. <laughs> Orson was a well. Um, yet this one in particular, I just I just found it fascinating. The, the the last third of the film where they're showing the moon landing and showing like all that footage that like I just That's never thought would have if if I knew it, known it existed, I would have assumed that the footage would have been unwatchable. But right. I, it's it's incredibly put together. And there are times near the end where you don't know where the camera is yeah and which is pretty insane yeah and um that and watching it on imax like this thing's been replaying on imax like constantly and with good purpose this is one of the best imax movies i've ever seen in my life oh, yeah. hands down so yeah i had to i had to keep it on here so number nine apollo 11 good choice cool. yeah good one yeah Henry. Henry. oh hey it's my turn yeah. um with the yellow cord yeah, with my yellow cable. I have a yellow cable, everyone, in case you didn't know. Um, Urine. Uh, oh. <laughs> Is that because taxi cabs in New York are yellow? It's because the yellow one was cheaper than the other colors. Um, <laughs> no one wants yellow. Um, anyway, my number nine. That's actually true. That's why uh, in old Lego sets, in, in the middle of the set, they put a lot of yellow bricks. It's really? The yellow bricks were cheaper, yeah. Oh, interesting. Wow. Um, my number nine is an unconventional biopic. Where the person that's known for the film is not the main character. My number nine is. No, 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 no! And cut! Delmark! And Marker! I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would go. What am I being arrested for? What am I being arrested for? Huh? You think you're hot? Cause you don't know how good I am at what I do. I see you. Contrary real hard. Be a 12-year-old. Pie fight. Ugh. It's not a pie fight. Think it through. What's your mother got a job for? Just in case. In case what? I don't In case know. you fail. In case it don't no. work out. Yes, man. man. She's filling your head full of fear. I pump you full of strength. 
Because we're on a team, and I know you got what it takes. You're a star, and I know it. That's why I'm here. I'm your cheerleader, honey boy. I don't need to talk about my dad. Good take, good take. You did it, you did it. Good job, everybody. My dad's not the reason I drink. He's the reason I work. I'm giving him. Come here. Come here. You have good instincts. I have good instincts? Yeah, I got rodeo clown instincts, so I could never make it in Hollywood. You could if you start when I did. How do you think it feels to have my son paying me? How do you think that feels? You wouldn't be here if I didn't pay you. So yeah, my uh, number nine is uh, Honey Boy. Uh, man. It's a really interesting film because it's... I've met a lot of people who really hate the film. Uh, but it's really well done and it's very different because it's really not... The best way I can describe it is that it's less a film and more of just a therapeutic exercise for Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> it's really like it's like uh, I wrote like uh, one of my thesis papers on it this year about using film as a memoir, yeah, uh, and like not having like it be a biopic or anything like that, but like just doing it as a way to work through your own kind of issues, kind of yeah. thing. Uh, and I think it's a very brave film. He wrote he it. Made. He wrote it like in a month while he was in rehab. In yeah. rehab, yeah. 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 Um, and they actually, like, they kind of show that process in the film in a way. Oh, crazy. Um, it's, oh, okay. Because yeah. the entire film is Lucas Hedges as Shia LaBeouf. Well, not as Shia LaBeouf, but clearly as Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Um, in rehab, kind of dealing with his problems as people like keep asking him, like, why is your dad the reason you drink kind of thing? Wait, wait, wait. In the movie, does he not play Shia LaBeouf? It's a different name. It's, it's not Shia what? LaBeouf the person. It's like... Oh, I'm like he's a uh, fictionalized nonfiction version of yeah, himself. Why didn't he just use his name? It's clearly because he was because he was in an art show with a bag on his head. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, hey, hey, I think Shia LaBeouf has come a long way. I think he is back in the good graces of being. Yes, there's a great interview with him. He, he talks about oh, yeah. how he messed up. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a I, it's there's there's a chance that if he uses his actual name, it just it just looks even worse. To well, I'm sure. Him, like, you know? Well, I mean, it's also, I'm well, sure, legality of doing. things, like of yeah. people who don't want to be in the film yeah. kind of thing, and so. Sure. Okay. I, I could see that, where you're avoiding, you're avoiding having to, like, yeah. go call up what's-her-name from even Stevens and be like, hey, can I use your name? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, but, like, it's just a really beautifully depressing film, in a way. Yeah. Um, that's, like, it, it, again, it's... It's a really courageous effort from Shia LaBeouf. And Shia LaBeouf as his dad in the film, and to, just to play his dad in the film, yeah. is insane. Yeah. Uh, and I can't imagine like that kind of mentality. Is his dad still alive? Oh, yeah. yeah. Could you imagine he sat down and watched like, the movie with fuck. his dad. Yeah. <laughs> he sat down and watched it with wow. his dad. And mm-hmm. he, he, in, in some interviews, he's talked about yeah. that experience. Um, it's um, incredible. It's a really... It's, like, it's more of just like, you should see it just to experience it in a way like yeah. i'm not going to tell you you're going to like it right but like there's nothing else like this i've ever seen hmm. and so uh like i've never heard of just the whole fact of him playing his dad and like because and like there's no beating around the bush his dad was abusive yeah and like was a horrible person uh and like i've met some people that interpret the film as like 
in a way, him forgiving his father and him kind of coming to terms with actually appreciating what his father did. But I've also made people be like, no, the ending is all about how he will never forgive his father. So there's a lot of different ways you can kind of interpret how he kind of goes about the film. And I think yeah. th- I think that also reflects Shia LaBeouf's own kind of in- like kind of tr- like trauma and like yeah. dif- difference with the idea. Because in, so, in the real world, it has to be both those things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so like, there you don't get to do one or the other. Yeah. Um, I don't there's no possibility of him being nominated for Best Supporting Actor but he really should because uh, it's an incredible performance yeah. so anyway number nine Honey Boy yeah cool Brad so the bottom of, of my list was really hard to work out um, I had on my letterbox so many four star movies so trying to narrow I only had uh, a, a, a couple five star movies so Really trying to work through a 20 or 30 four stars was quite a challenge. So um, I decided to use it to highlight some, probably not the best stuff of the year, but stuff that I enjoyed uh, that I don't think would get another look unless I talked about it. So my number uh, nine is kind of like a fun romp about uh, like what is the truth. What you are looking at is a genuine relic. That supports the actual truth, which is the South. Mm-hmm. Won the war. Okay. The South won the war. That's right. This is something it's, you want to keep under your hat till you're ready to. Seems not like keep pretty it big news. The best way to do this is through concrete evidence. Is this antique roadshow for racists? Up to fifty thousand dollars. God damn it. What's the deal? 70-30 sounds fair to me. Don't, please don't touch. I don't can't touch, touch the tag. Don't touch the tag. Honey, 70-30, is it 70 for us? No. No deal. 30 for us. No deal. There's going to be other offers on this. Because the word's out. Word's out. Came here looking for something. Uh-huh. Heard you have it. Can we... Narrow it down a little. We're looking for a sword. All right. Sword. Why was that so hard? It wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. Why did we have to take that route to get there? 30 seconds to get there. It wasn't that long. Let's just be on the same page. We're just trying to sell this thing for a lot of money, and that's that. Bang. This is definitely how people die. I don't know who these people are. I don't know what they're capable of. We're in this together. Me, you, the two ladies. We just got to get that $40,000. I'm so hard right now, I can barely keep my mind straight. Wait a minute, are you using that word right? Down a country like this, wind up in a ditch dead, and nobody'd ever find you. You spend a lot of time thinking, like, how can these people think like this? No, right? you're right, man. We're in the brain of that. Yeah, we're about to find out. Apparently, it's carpeted. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my number nine is sort of trust. Um, I think it's just a fun movie about uh, this couple. Uh, one, the, the father dies. She inherits his Confederate sword. Um, so there's a lot of uh, the South won the war truthers um, in this uh, town where Mark Maron has a pawn shop. So they decide to try to pawn the sort of the pawn shop, and they uh, use the father's story of it being a uh, sword by a Confederate general, um, and. Uh, they decide to um like once they see the youtube video of these other confederate confederate sympathizers who offer a lot of money for that stuff they concoct this plan to grift them um and get the because it's all bs but uh throughout the movie um it does a good job of making you think that it might be real 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, like, a- as you go along, you find out just, like, how full of shit everyone is at all these different levels of mm-hmm. the game. Um, and then Mark Marin is also dealing with, um, like, an ex-girlfriend who's uh, been down on her luck and is trying to get her life back to in order, but he's already given her enough chances to do that. Um, and so you're, uh, the movie kind of makes you wonder, like, is she finally on the right path or is is she is she playing him so uh yeah it's a it's a really small small movie it's like the pawn shop and then the the farm they go sell the the sword at um it's like really small indie filmmaking that i enjoy it's like from the same director as like one of the founders of mumblecore so it makes sense it's very small yeah um (laughs) i see it like i keep seeing it like the past couple weeks like pop up on like a ton of people's top 10 lists of the year and so it's been, like I haven't seen it yet, but it's been like, man, I should probably check that out. But yeah, I thought yeah. it just disappeared because I like I can only find it streaming on Amazon. Yeah, like there's not even a oh. blue. And this was like I don't know April I saw it. Yeah, yeah. so I never even heard about it. Yeah, it was at the Chartis, so even in Denver, like it's screened in a very small place. <laughs> even in Denver, they and were you telling have, you to not see it. <laughs> and you have to you know s- sit slightly to the left of the screen. And... <laughs> so, For some reason, they projected upside down. Yeah, like, so. this movie looks great. Is the South won the war. Truthers is that a real thing? Um, Probably. No, it is. I didn't no. do any yeah. further. Really? Well, their argument. Never heard of their this. argument is that it's like, well, racism still exists, so we won, and so. Wait. So then you're saying it was about racism? I'm not, not telling you that it's racism. Like... What? 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 You may have to skip me. I need to sit for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think in the movie. Uh, Part of their defense is like it's a conspiracy to yeah. save the republic by attrition. I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Uh, like all conspiracy theories, it doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> once you start looking at it. And so, yeah, yeah, cool. James well, my number nine is loose change. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot, I wish I could remember right now the name of that. Uh, I, it's not on my list because well, it's not on my list because uh, so Brad's number nine is sort of truth. That's right. Yes. Trust, um, sort of trust, trust, sort of trust everyone, sort of trust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, there's a documentary about a flat earther who builds a rocket in the middle of the desert. It's a really, really depressing thing, and I forgot to put that on Letterboxd, but it's not in my top ten. <laughs> um, it's really depressing, and people shouldn't watch it. Um, man. Anyway, uh, my number nine. Um, what is my number nine? Oh, so the last couple of years, for some reason, I've like found myself putting stand-up on my top ten list. Boo. Um, and this happened. <laughs> Not movies. No, no. So here's the thing. Fake Both film fan. Times, the, two, the two times that I've done that, it's because these are actually storytelling. This is more like, I mean, my number nine is one of the most genuine, at times heartbreaking, and also beautiful things I saw this year. My number nine is... Maybe I have a low tolerance for children, because... I've lost a lot of great friends to kids. Because it really is like a disease in some ways, but it's worse than a disease because they want you to have it. They're like zombies, but you should have kids too. I'm watching you do it, and I'm thinking I'm gonna not. The way you kill zombies, you probably know this from the movies, right? Is you shoot them in the head. Which is also the way you kill anyone. <laughs> so I'm talking about this with Jen, and she laughs, and I laugh, and we laugh as one. And then she says, 
But if we had a baby, I think it would be different. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you got bit. Such a dead okay, movie. So I was just going to say, bias here is real clear. Um, when what is this? So, oh, so this is Mike Birbiglia's The New One, um, which is how you pronounce the title. Yes. Um, and uh, so this is one of those, like, you're sitting around on a Tuesday night and you just put the kid to sleep at, like, 8.30 and you want to watch something for maybe 30 minutes. And then you find yourself up till 10 because you can't turn it off. And I love Mike Birbiglia. I have... I mean, since the first time I listened to This American Life, because he's on every episode, I think. And don't think twice. Made it on one of my lists. Oh yeah, oh yeah. A couple years ago. Um, So I I love Mike Birbiglia. I I think this is the best thing he's ever done. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, and and it's not like he's always a very genuine and very like this is my life and let me explain it. Um, but this is raw in a way that I don't know that. Like, the people who claim to be real raw and yeah. really get to the heart. Like, I don't think Louis C.K. ever said anything as dangerous as what he says here. Well, there's, like, um, especially towards, like, the like last half of yes, it, there's, yeah. like, a lot of, like, really kind of, like, serious moments that oh, he starts yeah. talking about. Like, uh, not oh, to spoil yeah. anything or anything like that. No, but. no, yeah. I mean, there, there are moments where he says things and you think, but, Mike, you can't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's why this is so great. Um because you will also finish this special in absolute tears. Yeah. Having laughed for an hour and a half. I haven't laughed that hard at any stand up in like, a while. I mean like there are yeah, so like, many great jokes and so he's he's definitely, you know, feeding you the medicine at the same time. Um it it is masterfully done. Like, uh, not only is it, like, his most serious Netflix special or any stand special period, yeah. but it's also, in my opinion, his funniest. Like, yeah. a lot of it is just so well done. And there is then that thing that he does. Yeah. <laughs> I like um, the part where... Oh. No, no, Brad, <laughs> you have to cut that out. I'm sorry. Fuck off. You have to cut that out. You can't do that. Like, you literally just spoiled one of the biggest moments in that thing. I didn't thing. say when or what. No, dude. Like that's like no like the can you stop? I'm trying to like leave a marker oh, of a sound wave that I can find. Uh, <laughs> Brad, cut this out. <laughs> sorry, Zach. <laughs> that's the funniest thing of the year. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't think about that until y- after y- I said y- it. Y'all, you all look like <laughs> no, you're, you're either laughing it's or okay. crying. I can't tell because I can't hear anymore, Brad. <laughs> it's okay. It's partly it's partially just because genuinely I can hear my mom listening to this and thinking, Oh, we should listen to this. I thought she didn't listen I, anymore. No, she totally listens. And no, she honestly, she actually just like last week was like Brad spoils too much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She was like, I was listening the other day and he was talking about this thing and it sounded good. And then he just told me how it ended. And I was like, what? My 365-day video, the clip of you guys talking is you saying, my mom doesn't listen anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, she does. She sent me a text message. Kidding. She uh, does. She sent me a text message and yeah. how she loves hearing from us. So, I was yeah, like, well, that you, makes Carol. sense. He's not on the show anymore. Well, actually, so. I think, Hi, Carol. I think she said two things. She said, I wish Brad talked more, <laughs> but I hate that when he talks, he spoils things for me. Uh, anyway... <laughs> My, my number nine is Fight Club, and I really like the part where it's revealed that Tyler Durden and Edward are the same person. Okay, that's different. 
<laughs> um, but okay. So Mike Perviglia, I have no idea how Brad's gonna cut this together. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just I think it's great. I think it's it's unbelievably funny and really really well written. Um, and the way he manages the tone through the whole thing is awesome. So everyone should go watch the big. They're the new one. Um, it's it's amazing, and it's on Netflix. Like it's just free. It's also surprisingly over an hour long. So it's like you, an hour and a half or something. Yeah, like that, yeah. When you when you sit down with your wife, thinking like, ah, we need to go to bed early, but let's just watch a little something. Don't pick this. You won't stop watching. Um, I'll do that. I yeah. think whenever you had Nanette on, I downloaded it and listened to yeah. it like the next day. Yeah. So I'll do that um, with this. Like without like spoiling anything, obviously, like like the darker moments, that kind of thing. Yeah. It definitely made me have like very serious conversations with people. Like yeah. Like I know, like and oh so, yeah, like, no, and he's not about wrong. will I or will I not do something? And so, right. like, yeah, and like, exactly. Yeah, and you you don't know, like yeah, it's great, it's really great. So uh, that was Mike Birbiglia's the new one on Netflix. Ryan, uh, I think my number nine might surprise some people. It's um, it's really uh, it's about two families that fight, and it is it about a rivalry? Uh, no, but it. <laughs> Again, there's like it's, 40 films Sometimes this it's, year. it's a tough watch because you like both the families, and you don't care which one wins. But, mm-hmm. I mean, someone has to, right? Yeah. So, yeah, here's my number nine. It all happened so fast. We have to stop them, Batman. Whatever they are, they're going to regret stepping foot in Gotham. This is a big score, gentlemen. It's the bat! Fire! Fire! Do I look like a friggin' bat to you? Huh? I've read rumors about a supernatural bat creature in Gotham, but I assumed it was an urban legend. Ninja Turtles. We came to Gotham to stop Shredder and the Foot Clan. man who'll help us destroy this city is right behind this door. <laughs> oh, come on! Robin, Batgirl, these inmates were the deadliest criminals in all of Gotham. <laughs> Let's move. It's time for this city to destroy itself. Take him down. We need answers. You're welcome to try. Think fast. He thought too fast. We're not your enemy. This is still my city. If they're ready for a fight, we bring them a freaking fight. You are no match for me. Let's end this. My number nine is uh, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is it such um, like a high school freshman? Like, what if? Like, it's totally so, like, it totally is. But here's the thing: is like the setup is whatever, yeah. but the action in it is freaking amazing. I yeah, mean, cool. you can kind of tell from the trailer that it's pretty intense. Yeah, the Batman uh, Shredder fight. Oh yeah, the Batman Shredder fight is maybe one of the best choreographed fights I've seen this year. Um, animated. Yeah, yeah, it's animated, and I mean, it's it's violent. Um, it has, I mean, the trailer that has all the like greatest hits and it. it has all Batman's rogues. Um, and it delivers on Batman fighting the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Batman doesn't trust him and 
Um, it's Batgirl who kind of like brings them all together, uh, and they have a common enemy uh, with Ra's al Ghul and um, Shredder. So it's um, yeah, it's fun. I think the most surprising thing from the movie I got was that they do the you know how Batman kind of alienates um, you know Robin and Batgirl. He ends up doing it to the turtles too. Yeah. So it's a fun twist. And the credits are badass because they recast uh, the Ninja Turtles in classic Batman covers. Um, It's pretty awesome. To be fair, I think if I was Batman and I met four giant humanoid turtles who knew like ninja skills, I would be like, fucking again? Like, I just fought the shark. (laughs) I fight a penguin. I fight a a shark. Crocodile. A crocodile. Yeah. A man made of clay. (laughs) Pretty sure. I fought some dirt once. (laughs) Pretty sure I also wouldn't trust these fucking turtles. I fought a man bat once. Why do I have to fight more animals? The question, Ryan, is is this the best Batman versus movie? Uh, uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's better than Batman Superman. Um,. Batman Wait, at Super- least this one has an S so, in it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's like half of the battle. <laughs> and two, where uh, Batman Superman is so dour, and you're like, oh, yeah. we're it, sad. This a- is actually pretty fun. It's really funny, too. There's always um, some moments where Batman's really serious, talking to Leonardo, and they'll be going over something, like Michelangelo's in the background doing something silly, and is, it's, it's fun. Is it, the scene where Batman versus the Turtles more satisfying than where Batman versus the Superman? Yeah, he fights every single turtle. It's pretty awesome. Cool. But, and, al- and, and also, the turtles didn't have a mother named Martha. So, yeah. and well, to be fair, he they... also fought every single Superman I, too. I, I think they actually make that joke in this movie. Well, I was gonna say, like, I'm when they're sure fighting they and the turtles are going down, I think it's like, save the pizza, and then he's like, <laughs> I also like pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there is a Martha joke in it. I can't remember though, but the movie's pretty fun. That's awesome, and oh, it's a cool like blend of the characters and. Check out the comic. Comic's fun, too. Cool. And my number nine is Batman vs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Where am I? Yep. <laughs> Corinne? Um, oh, I, I forgot to say earlier that um, you know I watched a lot of really great movies this year, and I was talking about this with Henry before the show. Um, but some of the movies I watched were like really well made and I respected them as films, but I didn't like enjoy them. You know what I mean? Sure. Like maybe they were just too depressing or too dark or something like that. So I went for films that I felt were both really good and I liked them a lot. And always this, a good metric. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like this, uh, my number nine on here, I kind of put on one because I like it too. Cause I think it's a film that needed to be made. And three, to give a giant fuck you to all the haters, which none of you in the room are haters, but just fuck all the haters out there in the world. My number nine is... So, scrolls are the bad guys. And you're a Kree. A race of noble warriors. Heroes. Noble warrior heroes. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior you were reborn 
I keep having these memories. Something in my past is the key to all of this. You know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. Yes. Would you like to know what you really are? I think I had a life here. What aren't you telling me? You've come a long way. But you're not as strong as you think. This war is just the beginning. I'm not going to fight your war. I'm going to end it. Aren't you cute? And what's your name, huh? Gary. What's I'll be back. Um, so yeah, my number nine's Captain Marvel. It's a good one. It's a really good movie. I like the bit with the cat. Yeah, except the cat looks kinda weird sometimes. <laughs> well, it's not a cat. <laughs> That's true, it's a flurkin. <laughs> right. Flurkin. But yeah, the yeah. great performances and uh, I love that action. You know, the whole action's at peace in the last third of the movie. Oh, yeah. And I think Brie Larson is amazing. Yeah. Like, and that, that scene whole... where she's talking to Maria Rambo about, you know, like, what happened to me that day? And, you know, it's just like a nice three-minute long scene of just them talking. Yeah. And it has one of my favorite lines. Well, my second favorite line of the year is, I have nothing to prove to you. Yeah. Yep. And then she just well, leaves them there, like, as a F you. I like Ben. Well, Mendel. no, she sends him on his way. Well, yeah, like, but I mean, she literally intelligence. Him, yeah. I'm, but the the, I'm the, the whole like context of that scene, yeah, where like he's trying to pretend like, well, you're you being powerful is not really you, um, and then that whole fuck you is just great, yep. man. That's saying fuck um, you without saying fuck you. Yeah, I mean, exactly. her favorite line of the year is actually um, later on on my list. Um, Oh, Brie Larson's? Yeah. Oh, sure. She totally pops up again. I don't know if anybody is... is this is a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, Ryan really good. liked the unicorn store, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's magical. Um, I never did watch that. The, uh, I know, I didn't either. But, uh, the, it wouldn't it. have it made was, your list. It was a great... <laughs> <laughs> it was a great way to sort of start... The, I mean, because it was like, what, March? Yeah, March. Something like, that. Yeah. like, it was really early in the oh, year. Yeah. Um, and it was just so exciting. Like I and it was a nice like appetizer before Endgame. Oh yeah, um, it's a good uh, movie. It's so good. Yep. Like Ben Mendelsohn casually a drinking a soda. On my list. Love Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, oh, yeah. So hot. Yeah, that whole twist with the scrolls. Wait, what? Yeah. Spoilers, bro. He's a silver <laughs> fox, <laughs> man. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Haven't I you mean, seen Rogue I've, One? He's I've, like the best part of the movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Him walking around. Oh man, I wanted that shot of him in the white cape where he walks through the water, and he's all like, "I'm gonna go get shit done." Is Ben Mendelsohn in the other? Is he in Endgame? No, uh, No. miscellaneous. No, but he is in. uh, He is in another Marvel movie. movie. Because I was gonna say, like, was he in all three of them this year? No, yeah, not that we know of, anyway. Right. Cool. I was listening to that soundtrack on the way here. Spider Man. Got me in the mood because I think the Spider-Man that 
That gets me pumped. I want to swing through the city when I hear that. Zach? I'd die, but it'd be fun. Oh, my number nine was Captain Marvel. Oh, <laughs> Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. <laughs> I, re- um, I regret making this statement. <laughs> Uh, my number eight um, is a movie that I almost didn't see in theaters, and I'm glad I stuck around to watch it one day at the Alamo. Ended up becoming one of my favorite obsessions this year. The curator of a hundred years of nightmares, trapped in a silver screen that never forgets. Fight the damn devil. (laughs) Just relax. Everything's going to be fine. Come and get me. Uh, my number eight is Nightmare Cinema. Um, so I've been a listener to Mick Garris's podcast for a couple of years now, um, since uh, when it was on Podcast One and then kind of moved over to the Blumhouse Network. And he's always talked about this project. Um, and I never knew if it was ever going to you know, see the light of day. Um, and the concept of it is it's an anthology film with uh, directors from different countries coming together to do one story. And uh, with this particular film, you have um, Alejandro Brugias, who did One of the Dead. Um, you have Raihu Kitamura, who did The Midnight Meat Train. Um, Joe Dante, who did Gremlins, The Burbs, and uh, Looney Tunes Back in Action, his masterpiece. Um, I, I, just, I, I love that Dante's movie. is the weakest one. It's his is the like the surgery, surgery it's a, one. It's a Twilight Zone. Uh, it's a Twilight Zone kind of a story, um, which I think it kind of reverses the whole. Uh, or does a little bit of a take on the uh, that original night. Uh, I got the, the segment one. right. It's it's the, yeah the, the plastic surgery yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, was um, garbage. And then you also have, <laughs> and then you also have David Slade um, from Thirty Days a Night his doing awesome. his is a black and white kind of it's uh, the uh, place on L Street and uh, and then you have Mick Garris um, and his is kind of more of a Stephen King. Mm. It's not a Stephen King story, but it has a Stephen King feel to it. Sure. Um, and then the wraparound is Mickey Rourke as a projectionist who is the curator of uh, uh, nightmares trapped on a silver screen. And basically the people go in uh, and see their nightmare play out before their collect their souls are collected by the projectionist. Um, so what I appreciated about it is that it's if you look at the budget, it's very low. And what they're able to accomplish with such a low budget and the fact that it uh, comes out as amazing as it does is a testament to not just those directors and their abilities – but also just to the power of just creativity and getting things done. Not to mention the fact that I, I'm of the opinion that there's not a bad segment in the bunch. Um, I, I mean, maybe there are ones that I don't prefer personally, but I don't have a problem with any of them, um, which is very rare for me with an anthology. Cause there's always one that I tend to not like above the other. Um, uh, and the, it, it doesn't really do this, um, uh, in a way that shoves it in your face, but it has something to say about the decay of cinema and uh, cinema going in general. Because when you 
when they're walking into the Rialto Theater, which they repurposed as the Nightmare Cinema itself, you know, they, it's it's musty, it's dusty, nobody's going to it anymore. Like, they're the only ones there. And so there is a bit of, like, a sadness to it that I saw this in an Alamo draft house, but the majority of people who probably saw it saw it on Amazon VOD or Shudder, um, which is totally cool. But, you know, there's there's something being said within the within the context of the film that's pretty interesting and uh, that speaks to me, and I, I just feel like everybody did a great job doing it, and it was just, it's a film that I could put on in the background if I needed something to calm me down while I'm editing or whatever, or just to sit down and just get myself immersed in it, and he wants to do more. I hope he gets to do more, because he worked, Garris worked very hard to get this out there, and sometimes to get something that you've been working on for that long out there is the is an accomplishment in of itself, and I'm just so happy that it turned out as great as it did. So, so my number eight, Nightmare Cinema. It's all right. Man. David Slade one is really awesome. Um, he was really good Joe, in Person New Groove. <laughs> the, the Joe Dante one is not good at all. The, um, uh, make your work's not doing anything, so I'm sure yeah, he'd be around. Might as well. Yeah. Is there a uh, beard? Is there a beard somewhere in the cinema that he's trying to get? No. He wants his beard. <laughs> it's an Iron Man two reference, everyone. Yeah, yeah I know. 2010 very, <laughs> decade. <laughs> I'm very intrigued by your idea of being calmed down by a horror film. <laughs> because as Ryan and I discussed on the Real Nerds website earlier this year, that horror movies just make me tense. I think when you watch something for the first time, it might give you that feeling, but then you just kind of get used to it. I think uh, this film, because each director does a different um, kind of style, because yeah. they even have one that's kind of makes fun of Trapped in a cabin. Yeah, that one's really fun. Yeah, one um, of the dead's Alejandro yeah. Brugius does that one. And then, I mean, then they go to the serious like nun demon thing. <laughs> Kitamura um, sequence. That that yeah. is subversive as fuck. <laughs> and then you get really disappointed with Joe Dante's. You're really hoping there'd be like puppets killing people in it. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, uh, but then David Slade's is amazing. Uh, and, I think, and then the Mick Garris's is pretty. It's an interesting one. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a Shyamalanian kind of vibe yeah. to it too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's just because the styles are so different, like and it's there's a there's an element that reminds you of like a creep show or um uh a body bags even where you can also have fun with it, but there are moments where when it gets real, it gets real. Yeah, and yeah. uh it's I mean, especially Slade's, um I argue that Kitamora's goes to places I never thought you mm. would go in a movie like this. Because it seems like it wouldn't be that marketable, but it's it helps that it's an anthology. Yeah. So. I mean, I can see finding inspiration in it, especially since you're doing a horror movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, calming down is a little foreign to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so calming to see someone cool. be beheaded because it's <laughs> no. what I want to no, do. No, it's more when they fall off the top of the church and smash the ground. Yeah. <laughs> mm, splat. Shit. Yeah. That that's what that's what puts me to sleep. It's like melatonin, yeah. guys. That's, that's what it is. Cool. Nightmare cinema. Nightmare Cinema, number eight. <laughs> Thanks, cool. Henry. Number eight. You're welcome. <laughs> number eight. <laughs> but uh, my number eight, if I remember, it's... I'm pretty sure this is my number eight. Um, <laughs> not, on, not on you. I just don't remember my list. <laughs> but, like, um, uh, I think... If this is what I think it is, then it's... Uh, I think it's a very authentic love story that you don't see very often. Um, and uh, it's... Brad checking his notes. <laughs> I really hope it's not. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah. It's one that none of you will watch. Um, cause it's a foreign film, but it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Uh, and, uh, yeah, my number eight. Is it Parasite? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
suis peintre. L'homme intéressé par ma fille est Milanais. Nous partons là-bas, si le portrait lui plaît. Il a épuisé déjà un peintre avant vous. Que s'est-il passé Je ne sais pas. Elle vous attend. Ça fait des années que je rêve de faire ça. Mourir Courir. Vous allez devoir la peindre sans que les sache. Elle pense que vous êtes une compagne de promenade pour quelques jours. Que savez-vous de mon futur mariage Rien. C'est tout ce que j'en sais aussi. Quand allez-vous vous marier Je ne sais pas si je vais me marier. C'est parce que vous pouvez choisir que vous ne me comprenez pas. Je vous comprends. Quand vous êtes embarrassé, vous mordez vos lèvres. Vraiment quand vous êtes troublé, vous respirez par la bouche. Combien de temps restez-vous Je ne sais pas. J'ai un nouveau sentiment. Le regret. Quel en est le titre Portrait de la jeune fille en feu. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, it is a beautiful film. Uh, I saw it. I don't think it's out in America yet. Uh, I saw it at the New York Film Festival. Mr. Fancy Pants. Yeah, I'm a fancy boy. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just a beautifully well done film. Uh, it's also. Uh, the plot of it is that. Uh, this one artist is brought to. I think it's like an island that this really rich woman lives on. And her mom, the rich lady's mom, was like, okay, so we're trying to wed her, uh, but she doesn't like anyone. Uh, and so we need you to paint a beautiful That's picture of her fine. that we're going to send someone, and based off that painting, they're going to agree to marry her. Uh, but oh. since she doesn't want to get married, you can't paint her like in front of her. You just have to watch her and based off memory paint her kind huh. of thing. That's kind of the setup. Okay. Um, and so it's very much like a film about what it means to be seen. Uh, and kind of like that idea and like kind of a very authentic portrayal of like falling in love with someone and that kind of idea. Mm. Um, it's beautifully done. I also, when I saw it, there was a Q&A with the director and the two actresses and they brought up something that is my go-to example of why film is not as complex as people like to think it is. Um, <laughs> because uh, throughout the film, uh, one of them wears a red dress the entire time and the other one wears a blue dress the entire time um, until the last scene when they split away. See, this would be really complicated for James though. That's <laughs> hey, hey, no, no. If one of them was wearing red and one was green, that would be really yeah. tough. Uh, and then oh, it's like fire and ice. Yeah. And at the end of the film, <laughs> when they have to, when uh, the painter has to blue. leave forever, she's wearing a blue dress and the other one's wearing a red dress. <gasps> and so in the Q and A, someone asked, "What was the significance behind that?" And the director said, "We could afford two dresses. <laughs> <laughs> we forgot which in that day we forgot to dress them properly." And so, <laughs> and so, uh, if you're ever thinking like everything in film has a purpose, even these really art house films, that's not true. <laughs> and so. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, oh, it's man. a it's a well, beautiful film. I also say for like James jokingly brought it up in the trailer, there's like I think 
one line from a from a man in the film. Oh, I was like actually the, hoping you were going to say no. There's not a single man. in the I movie. mean, basically, there's basically no man until like the very end when like the guy who's like, "I'm going to marry her," shows up. Is <laughs> <laughs> it Gaston making a cameo? <laughs> but it still doesn't pass the Bechdel test because the movie opens with him talking about boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say this movie might have no men in it and still not pass the test. Uh, I can't remember. Pretty sure it passes. I don't, I don't know. Like... If the whole movie is about getting her married off to a man, no. does it, that count? It, it's about them falling in love, James. What? Spoilers. Oh. Who could have predicted that? <laughs> yeah, so. But yeah, that's the annual gay film on my list. So uh, <laughs> my number eight is uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Cool. Nice. That looks good. Brad? Uh, my number eight, I had to go all the way to Fort Collins to watch. We want to know who you are. Nobody knows you. The only thing I know is that your name is Lucas, you're a bouncer, and that you beat the shit out of a kid. What do you want from me? I want you to work for me. It's simple. Last man standing gets the job. You start Friday. You do everything they tell you to do. Are you their little doggy? Your daughter, you leave her alone when you're at work. Who did that to you? They got to work. The first time I saw you, you know what I thought? This guy is either totally fucked up or he's a fucking survivor. Don't lose it now, man. We need you. If something happens to my daughter, I'll kill you. So my number eight has different titles depending on what part of the world you're in. Uh, here it's the bouncer, but it may be uh, the protector, like on the Blu-ray that I got. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, this is probably the best thing I've seen Jean-Claude Van Damme in since, since Jean-Claude Van Damme's damn van. That and JCVD uh, almost ten years ago. Um, no way! Wow. Yeah, uh, in this movie uh, he plays a bouncer who loses his job and he finds a new one uh, in that battle royale that you saw. And then um, ends up doing a couple of shady things to uh, uh, at his new job, and they uh, kidnap his daughter and hold hold her against her will in order to exploit him and get him to do more things. Um, and then, uh, just when you think the cops are here to save everybody, they're actually in on it. So uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool and it's amazing. Um, I wish Van Damme got more acclaim as a dramatic actor because uh, he kills it as, as a dramatic actor in this movie so is this a canadian film like french canadian uh, i think it's actually belgian <laughs> okay yeah. so not entirely sure cool. but yeah makes sense yeah. some of the movies in english some of it's in french yeah so it just kind of flip swaps depending on it, was it looks sub- it was subtitled here in arabic so yeah and french serves all at people the same time. yeah it's <laughs> inclusive right absolutely <laughs> it's a movie for the whole world i'm glad that uh, we have one more person doing a foreign film on there <laughs> yeah. on top 10 it's my year. foreign entry for this year so 
Uh, I did an Australian film. Already? Little Monsters. Oh, right. I forgot. <laughs> like, it's so late. Like, <laughs> that was a British yeah. one. <laughs> Right. Oh, I that actually, I, that actually looks really good to me. I think I'm going to check that out now. Yeah, if you want the Blu-ray, I got it. So. Okay. <laughs> Luck finding so. it online. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're in New York. You'll find it. I'm, I'm in sure. New York. I'll just go yeah. hang out. I'm at a the street vendor. <laughs> I'll just go hang out at the UN like I usually do to find my board <laughs> <laughs> films. Films. You, could, you might see your films a, here. You might see Cary Grant there. Oh, I might oh. see Cary Grant there. <laughs> uh, yeah, my number eight was The Bouncer. All right. Uh, my number eight, um, I think it's time we ripped this bandit off um my number eight is a film about the perils of being a member of royalty it's an instinct the feeling the force brought us together we're not alone Good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. But I do. Long have I waited. And now, Coming together. Is your undoing. What, uh, what are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. Uh, so I've said many times, what's the title? That the Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie ever made, uh, which is why it didn't matter. This movie was going to be a little disappointing, coming off of the best Star Wars movie ever made. Um, my number eight is Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker, um, a you know highly contentious film for sure, uh, but so much fun. And you know, yes, it's got. Pacing issues and she shouldn't be a Palpatine and why and and biggest issue of all like why the fuck is her lightsaber back together? Um, that's the biggest spit in the face towards Ryan Johnson that's in the whole movie. But it's a whole lot of fun and I love these characters and I love spending time in Star Wars. Uh, I mean, this movie is still more fun and more coherent and has better characters than Rogue One does. Um, I mean, I, I just think this is genuinely a good time. Do I disagree with some of the choices that they made? Sure. Is it tough to make a movie like this on a tight schedule 
to pick up from a guy who's bad at making movies and try to make a story in two years. Um, yes, all those things are true. Um, and so with all of that in mind, like I still really enjoy this movie. I want to go see it again. I will enjoy it more and more probably each time I see it. Um, at the end of the day, it's the return of the Jedi of the franchise of, of this series where at the end there's some places where, you know, it, it could have a bit more bite than it does. There's some directions it goes. But, but, but weird, remember but... when the transporter tries to get away and Ray uses the force to fucking oh stop it? Oh my god, it? it's so fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then she doesn't bother to use it on the Star Destroyers at the end of the movie for some reason. Sure. It takes a lot of energy. But that <laughs> argument of like, but why don't you use the force for this is true in every single one of these movies. The actual problem with that scene is that that's really cool, but then the weird like fake out of Chewbacca dying is bad and poorly handled. Right? Like, the, it's it's more pacing issues and too many ideas and too much fan service that really, in my opinion, but then remember the she down. kills fucking Kylo Ren. But it's it's awesome. awesome. Well, no, Kylo Ren kills himself trying to bring her back to life. No, he it's give and take. He kills her. Oh, she does. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Earlier, yes, and then she, she kills does. him back, which is great. Yeah. The fact oh, that this movie we forget that Adam Driver dies approximately oh. seven times in this film. I was, <laughs> I was about to say that this movie makes uh, force healing uh, official canon, but that's not true. Mandalorian did it a week earlier. Um, oh, did they really? Like, two days earlier. It was like the episode of Mandalorian that came out the week before. There's a great meme my friend sent me, and it's this mom reaching up with her arms to catch her baby jumping in the pool. And it says, uh, the Mandalorian and Star Wars fans. And then there's a that. little kid, like, drowning right there. And it says, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yep. That's, uh, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree that the biggest problem with this movie is the fans. Yep. Um, the reason why, if you're mad that this movie didn't happen the way you wanted it to, and I am, that that's a me thing. That's not the movie's fault. Yeah. Um, Daisy Ridley's great. The biggest movie. problem is that too many people hated on the last one, which is too bad because it's the best Star Wars movie ever made. Um, yeah, I, I think it's wonderful. I, I think it's a lot of uh, a lot of fun, and I'm going to keep watching it for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. and Ray's story is great. Yep. At the end of the day, they did a good. It's job so with funny because when I was watching it, so the last moments of it, and when you know she's back on Tatooine, I'm like, yeah. oh, she's going to say it. And I could feel like the tears welling up in my eye, like when uh, she know says that she's a Skywalker. I, I will say, she, 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 the guy who does your your arguments are stupid. Hold on, I will Grant. say that the guy who does just right on YouTube is right. She should actually be an Organa. The person that she has the closest connection with is Leia. And no, Leia's last be, name is not a Skywalker. She should be Ray Solo because Ben Solo's inside her. Well, <laughs> what the fuck? Well, uh, fuck you. Well, <laughs> put his essence in her. No. Well, well, technically, <laughs> techni- technically, no. Leia's a Skywalker before she was. That. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying. You know, I never like, interpreted this one to be a transgender story, but you know, it really is where they swap bodies. And so. <laughs> I've, what I, the, the name Skywalker, though, at the end of the ninth movie, is attributed to. The guy who tried to ruin space and the guy who gave up on it. <laughs> right? Like, and I love Luke, but for Ray's story, that's technical. And I'm just saying, I love that moment and I cried when she says Skywalker. But I also, again, from a scientific point of view, you can look at it and go like, well, okay, technically that's not what she should choose. Now, but it's just a little bit of fan service. Now I'm rewatching the end of the movie where they're both staying there, like looking back at her. And she, if she says Skywalker, or if she says Organa, and Luke just like looks at Leia. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, and it, then suddenly, it gets worse, goes. <laughs> suddenly the yeah. whole franchise becomes Leia's story instead of Luke's. Fuck you, buddy. What? 
Just saying. I, I think anyway, actually, the whole I, franchise is um, Anakin's, but you know, it's just me. God, I hate that argument. <laughs> I hate that argument. I could literally just pull any stupid Star Wars argument and piss people off. Oh yeah, no, uh, yeah. The whole franchise is really about C three PO. If you really look at it, <laughs> yeah, at the end of the I mean, day, he's so. the only true. one in every right. single film. R two D two, yeah. Uh, no, it's not R two D two story. He doesn't talk. Come on. <laughs> yes, he yeah, does, but C three PO C three PO gets his mind wiped twice. R two does not. Yes, but he's so strong willed that he's able to keep going. That's why C three PO is the best protagonist in cinematic history. <laughs> uh, I will anyway. say that by the fourth go around, the pacing issues are not as evident. Oh, I'm sure, because well, it, I, I mean you've it is, processed it by yeah, that point. Part of it is like the first time I watched that movie, I'm sitting there like. They introduce some weird dagger for some reason. I'm like, where the fuck is this going? And then it kind of goes nowhere and isn't really that important. So the second time, but yeah, the second time you watch the movie, you go, oh yeah, this is that dagger. Let's I mean, move on to the fun bit. I mean, it's a MacGuffin to a MacGuffin, and so like, yeah. right. oh, hundred percent. But yes. I mean, my argument is that you shouldn't have to see the movie four times to understand what the fuck is yeah. going on. <laughs> no, oh no. Again, uh, that totally sounds agree. like a personal problem. <laughs> it, it is, is, like it is my problem, number Karen. eight. Think, come on, it is my number eight. Some, sy- but it is my number eight. <laughs> Some sympathizer after Return of the Jedi was like, "All right, I know where the the, the, the Emperor's uh, throne room is at. I could record it on this computer uh, digitally for everyone to find, or I could spend like three months shaping this dagger." <laughs> with an unfolding thing that matches the layout of this land. And you have to be standing in this exact <laughs> yeah. position. Yes. That's <laughs> totally old pulp adventure stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. that is of what uh, this movie I'm pretty is. sure Raiders Lost Ark yeah. indie right. sticks a staff yeah. into the ground. Right. Like, staff is and the wood has to be the right length. Like, this is exactly what you're actually showing up for it, yeah. you have to give it a little bit of leeway. I didn't like how many like, lightsabers were in the film. <laughs> just a little too many lightsabers. And I just still, couldn't buy into it. Brad pointed out, I think it was Brad that pointed out, like, there's still one missing because we never find out what happened to Luke's lightsaber. At yeah, the, the green one. one. Yeah, the green yeah. one. Um, yeah. Maybe but it vanished again, into the force with him. Are there any green lightsabers in this trilogy? Um, Return of the Jedi. I, no, don't, the, the sequel. I actually oh. can't he, tell you. He, uh, because Luke it's uses completely his lost green on me that hers is yellow. Luke uses his green one in the flashback in The Last Jedi. Oh, okay. Because I can't tell yellow from green. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, right. Must be on that island planet somewhere. That's what will be the catalyst for the next trilogy is (laughs) the green lightsaber floating through space. (laughs) (laughs) What did blue and blue make more blue? (laughs) Azure. My number eight (laughs) was Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Yeah, Ryan? It's a fun movie. Uh, my number eight is not a fun movie, but it's awesome. Um, it's one of my favorite actors, and he doesn't do these kind of movies very often. But when he does, uh, he's very good in them. How you doing, Holly? How's it going? How's it going? Good face, Holly. All right, Larry, you're a Jew again. Welcome back. I made a crazy risk to gamble. And it's about to pay off. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. It's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. What is that? I started it. Taking my money all over town, placing bets. I'm having very serious second thoughts. Are you serious right now? I know I fucked up. 
Howard, where's the money right now? Howard, got my money? Howard! Is it too late? I'm done. That means nothing. It meant nothing. Please. Give me another shot. You like to win, right? This is no different than that. Black Joe Power, nigga. This is my fucking way. You think I'm stupid, Howard? You and your whole fucking family. I heard you resurface your fucking swimming pool. I, you know how that makes me feel. Never resurface you anything. Than my I don't life. know who said that. I told you about how things were going to go. You like the way things are going now? That's my family. Get the kids out of the house. You having a good time? Yes. This is me. This is how I win. KJ, game night. You should be stretching out. Yeah, what is he, a coach? Nah, he's just a fucking crazy ass Jew. Cool trailer, Henry. Oh, wait, this is Ryan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Uncut Gems. Um, Adam Sandler's amazing in this movie. And he plays a guy named Howard who has a gambling addiction and continuously makes horrible choices. And throughout the whole movie, you're going. Is he going to make the right choice here? And every time you think he's going to, he doesn't. No. Nope. Because um, he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit to his wife. He's a piece of shit to his family. And he gets in over his head and it starts to unravel for him. And every time th there's moments in this film where, um, you know, oh, here he goes. He's going to make the right choice. And um, I, my favorite moment is at the end, he actually gets all this money for this black opal that he. It's, it's a long story, yeah. but he's able to get it. And he has $165,000. He can pay off his debt to these mob guys. And he there's a, a probably like a one-minute shot of him deciding yeah. if he's going to stop his girlfriend from placing this bet on the Celtics. And, um, and Sandler's so great at that because you can actually see him internalizing yeah. what he's going to do. And he decides, that, no, I'm going to ride the bet. Let it ride. Let it ride. <laughs> and um, This is how I win. And it, yeah, and that's how he gets the money. I mean, he, he lends Kevin Garnett this black opal, and turn Kevin Garnett gives him his championship ring. Then he goes and pawns Kevin Garnett's championship ring in the hopes of getting it back, and then he's lying to everybody. And you always expect something to happen to the characters to him. And then as you watch the film, you realize he's the only one doing it to himself. Yeah. Um, you know, because the opal goes missing, and he, he they set it up that oh, this guy's just you know dicking him around, and they're like, nope, here it is. And he could totally make the right decision, and he doesn't. Yeah. Basically, every Safdie Brothers film is about the main character realizing, oh, I'm the problem here. <laughs> like, so. Yeah, and the movie's awesome. And Sandler uh, should be nominated. Yeah, he should 100%. I mean, and I think he should probably win. I he think should definitely he, be nominated. Because I think he's yeah. so far against type. Yeah. Um, how Alfred Hitchcock said this to Cary Grant. You know, Cary Grant was always playing the suave, mm -hmm. um, the funny guy. He's like, play something different. Yeah. And he, that's when he did... Um, Suspicion. Uh, no, that's actually when he did uh, Father Goose because well, he plays in, a goose. Uh, no, because in that he's kind <laughs> of uh, gruff and not as funny, not likable. Yeah, yeah, not likable. Yeah, and so uh, and I think when you stretch yourself this much and you don't like Adam Sandler's movie, he's not funny. Um, he's 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 immersed in yeah. something completely different. Does he wear any prosthetics, like a fake nose, no, to make no, him so. not look like Nicole Kidman? Oh, then he won't win. Okay. <laughs> not like Nicole Kidman. He has a beard, really, like yeah. scraggly beard. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he but, just but, and that, he they, wears that to the Oscars every year. So that's that, not and I deal. love the scene too. They talk on the it where he's uh, talking to his wife about how yeah. he's made mistakes, and his wife is like, "No, dude, you're a piece of shit." 
You literally have an apartment with a girlfriend. <laughs> I can't stand you. Yeah, I can't stand you. Such a good film. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Number eight. Strong recommend good time as gems. well. Uncut gems. Corinne? Uh, so my number eight, um, I was, I, I only watched it once this year, but it was a really well done movie. I was over um, visiting my friend Jerry, who sent us a list we'll read later. Um, and he's like, hey, have you seen this movie? Have you heard of this movie? And I was like, no. Like, we should watch it. You'll really like it. And he was right, because it's a really fucking good movie. So here's my number eight. The world's going to die. I can feel it coming. And I think about Ruth. How did she survive out there on her own, as broken as she is? Lila, this is your mother. Does she have... Yes, but not like yours. Our abilities can't fix things. If something's broken, it stays broken. Lila's different. She can see the colors. What do they look like? I've never seen them. It's like an echo. Moving over everything fast like a race. It's gotten harder for us to stay in hiding. I know. There's not much time. You cannot be putting her in danger again. I'm not leaving. This woman can affect the energy of the Earth. Ruth, we can help you. There are tests we can run. A new world is coming! So fucking good. That was cool. <laughs> so yeah. my number eight is Fast Color, um, which was kind of a more obscure movie that came out this year, but is also about a woman figuring out how to use her superpowers to save the world. Huh. That's really neat. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice because it takes the idea of like somebody who has superpowers and puts it on this very small, intimate scale um, that she goes home and she sees her mom and her daughter and like all three women have powers that they can use um but the main character ruth who's played by i hope i'm saying her name right gugu mbatha ra i I don't know um but she's fabulous in the movie and Mm -hmm. i saw her in something else like um it wasn't a movie that came out this year but i saw it this year (coughs) called bell and that's a really good movie too Mm -hmm. people should go check it out um, and then David Strathairn's in it, and he, yeah. well, I don't want to spoil things, but 
he he has a small but important role too. Where he takes down Senator Joseph McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking love That's David Strait there. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he is freaking magnificent. Every time he shows up in something, I'm like, oh, you're you're still oh, yeah. alive. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I got super excited. In the I trailer. told I told Jerry that I was like, yeah, like I put a David Strait there in movie on my list, and he's like. You put Godzilla on your list? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, he was uh, in that, too. Worse. That's my, like, number six. <laughs> oh, is it? No. <laughs> Kevin liked it because there's lots of monsters. Yeah, and they fight <laughs> each other. Dude, I love that movie. Um, Godzilla fights a dragon. I mean, Fast Color, I had, like I said, I didn't know anything about the movie. Jerry just picked it, and we started watching, so no concept of what the hell was going on it starts very slow mm-hmm. um but then like by the middle i was like totally invested and then by the end like when the final scenes happen i i feel like i cried i don't remember but awesome. probably did cool um it's just such a beautiful well done movie and i, I hope we get more like it small put that on my list. intimate yeah. movies about women women of color um doing shit together Women with superpowers. Women with superpowers. It's on Hulu too. So. Oh, oh cool. is it? Yeah. Oh wow. I th- I think we watched it on Amazon Prime. I can't remember. Neat. Well, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Fast color. Fast color. Fast color. Yep. My number eight. Um, also, I sh- I can't stop myself. King Ghidorah is not a dragon. King Ghidorah is an alien demon. Uh, it's a hydro dragon. Thank you. What if it could it be an alien dragon? No, because an alien demon. Could it? They specifically said this in King Ghidorah versus Mothra. Couldn't it just be a monster in a monster movie? No, <laughs> nerds. <laughs> Henry's like shaking with rage over there. I can't believe we're going over this again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my number seven is a film I wish I had more time to see um, in theaters. Because uh, did you leave halfway through? <laughs> no, no. It's a movie that I saw a little bit later in the year, and I wish I had more time to kind of break oh, it go, down. Go back and see it again. Maybe. Yeah, um, but I think it needed to be on the list because I couldn't. I it was a film I couldn't ignore. Um, I just wish I had more time to see it uh, before the film explosion. So here it is. Motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, a second. is this number seven? Is, is this yes, number seven? It is. <laughs>
Yeah, my number seven. Uh, sorry, Henry is parasite. Um, I, uh, number fucking seven. I just want to point out to everyone. It's number this, seven. This was predicted an hour and a half earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that, well, Sweeper. Yeah, no, I, I know. I'm terrible. I'm a horrible human being. Set me on fire. Um, but, um, it won't light. Settle in, Zach. It doesn't get better for you for the rest Your of the show. Your fucking steel wall. Whatever we light just goes away. <laughs> um, but... Um, I am not as um, boned up on Bong Joon-ho as other people. Um, uh, I've seen Snowpiercer, and that's about it. Um, so I went into this film based solely off of hype. but I And I saw a trailer, but and it, and it convinced me, but I didn't really remember much of it. So I kind of went in blank. And uh, it's, it's pretty astounding how the movie plays its twist. Um the the basic premise is that a family um uh who's living in the slums of South Korea um find a way they they infiltrate their way into working for a richer family and something happens halfway through that completely upends the game and doubles down on the theme of the film um and the discussion of class and um, the poverty line in this film is incredible. It, it translates its country and becomes a universal film in that in that respect. But visually, this is one of the most stunning films I've seen this year, and the reason why I had to find a way to put it on the list because there's moments in this film that remind me of early, early silent film uh, production value. And I, Henry, I don't know if this is all shot on location. I didn't look into it. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Okay. He makes use of his location in a way that suggests that he's building a lot of this stuff on a stage. There's certain shots that are, that look like they could only be constructed on a stage, but they have to be real because of the way the environment is. And it's, it reminded me of a silent film from an expressionist era mixing with his style that I've seen in Snowpiercer to an extent, but, um, and the performances are fantastic. Uh, I, I thought they built the house for the movie. Like specifically because it's so specific. They might have. I, I, I was referring more to the slums, um, oh. the slum areas. Um, the way that house is shot, yeah, it does look like it. You know, it, it lives in its own little world, and it's, it's. I know, like those types of houses do exist. Yeah, in, like not just one thing. Those types of houses do exist in Korea. Uh, so they, if real, they could have built it, or it might well be just a house that actually exists. Right. So. But so yeah, because I think there's like a tracking shot at one point, right? So they kind of had to have like a physical set that they could track from that one part to the other part. I mean, you could track it. You could track on location. Yeah. It's just, it's Yeah, that's what I mean. You could... Like, you couldn't just do that on a set. Like, if it was two different set pieces. Oh, yeah. You I know, like Downton Abbey yeah. style, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. like where the upper part of the house is there and the yeah. other part of the house is over here. Yeah. Uh, sorry. What was that? I, I zoned out, but I heard Downton Abbey. <laughs> um, I thought about putting that on my list, James. So, but yeah, and... I just, I mean, like, yes, the message is universal, but also if you're able to make a film that that that's uh, that uh, impactful in its message, while also just following great storytelling technique and just it's masterfully directed, like it, it's it's an all around wonder. And I just wish I had more time to see it a couple more times because it is it's that impactful that it had to be on this list. I know that my number seven seems to always be a sweep, and I always apologize, and I do apologize because. <laughs> This pro this movie probably deserves to be higher uh, if I had had more time to dig deeper into it. 
So I think it's still playing. It's still playing at the Regal near my house. I know, but I haven't had time because I've been busy yeah. trying to get my own stuff no, off no, the no, ground. No. So. <laughs> they only have like the one showing, but the one showing I went to, it was, I'd say, like half full. Yeah. It I was had, like oh. on a Tuesday afternoon. It's like one of the most highest grossing like foreign films like in America. Really? Yeah, it's like yeah. beating Crouching cool. Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. The trailer is great. I mean, no, you know, it's, like... I mean the film's incredible cool. uh, we will talk about this a lot later um, but <laughs> approximately hours four later. hours from now so. yeah, yeah i when i mentioned earlier about how there were films i saw that i respect but i didn't like enjoy this was one of them but you know it's <laughs> yeah it's a really really well-made film and i do right. think it uh elicits a really good discussion but it's not one of those that's like i'm gonna go home and like watch it and the yeah. problem is is that to discuss the film in detail is a spoiler you really have to spoil it yeah, yeah you have yeah, to spoil yeah. the entire it's like a am sto- i the only one who hasn't seen it i no, guess no, no, I haven't seen it okay oh, no never mind then. yeah so, both yeah. of you would really like it oh no i, so, no, no, I, I yeah. want to see it yeah it's one of those things that's like- it's so hard because um you know, when I have a kid, like I can take him to Jumanji and yeah. Spider Man and Star Wars and, and us and us, <laughs> but taking him to a thing where he has to read, he just can't read that well yet. So, <laughs> hey, he can read. He can read the Avengers, but you can teach him Korean at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's a kid; he might pick oh, up Korean using faster. Using your French skills, teach him yes. Korean. Teach him yes. Korean while speaking French. Yeah. It's in not our, that it's an adult movie and he'll probably actually be bored by it. It's that, well, he can't read. <laughs> in our impending dystopia, being multilingual is going to be coming really handy. Well, I mean, he can read um, Meet Spider-Man, Meet Iron Man, Little Avenger books. Yeah. I mean, luckily, like, one of the characters is solely like, I love Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> Iron Man is the best. Does, so, is one of them say Tony Stark is Iron Man? Because... Uh, they don't want to spoil it. Okay. So, <laughs> in case you haven't seen the first movie. It's gotcha. See, Ryan, what you could do is you could just go with Kellen, sit in the back of the theater, and he could watch a separate movie with headphones on your phone. Oh, no, that'd be awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, yeah, my number seven, Parasite. The Sweeper. That was really good. I love that. I hope that happens way more. It does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's my turn now? Okay. Yep. Hopefully this is Henry Sweeper. <laughs> I would be... Sh- I mean, maybe. Um, Swiper. No swiping. Um. Anyway. Mine, uh, number seven. I think it's this one again. Um, yeah, it has to be this one. Okay. Uh, this is also technically a foreign film. Um, is this a tag team review with James? No, okay. it's not. Okay. Right. We got the confirmation from Brad. It's not. Um, no, no um, sorry, James. It's not Downton Abbey. But, uh, you, know, you know, Henry, you could write down your films and you wouldn't have to worry if you well, remember you them just, or not. You have Letterboxd on your phone. Here's, here's what I do. Okay, so I'll break it down real quick. Um, you pay for Letterboxd. I do pay for Letterboxd. Um, you pay for Letterboxd? I do. I, I, said, I like the company. I sent some money back. Um, my, all my top, like, all my films that are five stars, back. I keep there. All the films I've started to throw in some more fun stuff that you might not have heard of before. And yeah. the girl portrait fire one is something fun that we haven't heard of before. So anyway, <laughs> my number seven film is... What's wrong, Dad? Please tell me. When that is dying. She doesn't know, so you can't say anything. The family thinks it's better not to tell her. Why is that better? Chinese people have saying, when people get cancer, they die. We'll have to go to China. Wedding is an excuse so everyone can see her. He's my only cousin. Don't you think I should be there? You can't hide your emotions. If you go, then we'll find out right away. Really? 
。今天人多齐呀，好久没这么聚了。奶奶就等着这一天呐。来，大口咬。哇，你觉得我们应该告诉奶奶吗？太痛苦了吧？如果她想说再见呢？你告诉她就毁了她美好的心情，你说对吧？到了她的肩膀上。你说我都怀疑我以后在他俩在卧室能干啥呀 ？Shouldn't we tell her? Isn't that wrong to lie? It's a good lie. Most families in China would choose not to tell her. 嗯，你们说的啥呀？他在英国学习，所以他会说英文。结婚了吗？妈。She's dying. Can you be a little more sensitive? What do you want from me? To scream and cry like you? Ah! 因为你把生命看成是个体的，这正是西方和东方的文化差异问题。东方人是把生命看作是集体的，家庭。因为生活呀，不光是你去做什么，更是你如何去做。No music, A24. You can do A24 really likes Henry and I. Yeah, <laughs> I got a shirt from them for Christmas. Did you really? Yeah, like that's cool. Yeah. They, they sent it to you. You can order on their website, but you can like. Oh, so. <laughs> no, we're not friends. So yeah, they give it to you. I've applied to work it. for them three years in a row now, and they still don't want me. Oh. So, to be fair, the company is a total of twelve people. So um, really, yeah, it's real small. Cool. Um, but yeah, uh, my number seven is uh, The Farewell. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful film. I also say that I was very skeptical about it before seeing it, because I have not really liked anything Aquafina has been in, uh, or her performances in basically anything. But she is amazing in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, very warranting of all the awards that are going her way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful film. Ironically, actually, I saw, my family went and saw Little Women the other day, mm-hmm. uh, and it both this and Little Woman tackle very similar ideas and very similar themes, and I think this film does it better and more authentically, hmm. um, without spoiling either film. Um, but uh, it's very well done. I like it's. I cried probably the most. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. This in my number six, I think I cried at the most. Yeah, uh, and it's but for different reasons. Well, no, maybe. Um, anyway, but you tears. Cried. Yeah, t- I cried. <laughs> uh, both this and my number six. Aquafina uh, produced water. <laughs> yes. oh, 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 that's James, a bottled you. water joke. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's just a beautiful film. You don't get many of those these days. No, no, no. Da- James comes a daddy's full of Aquafina gets a lot of them though. <laughs> um, it's technically not. She just filters them out at the Golden Globes. <laughs> tomorrow, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's a. No, it looks amazing, and I, I, it's one of those that I regret having not seen yet. It's so. very, very well done. Film. I'm, very I'm, good. It's, it, it's one that screams, you're going to like this movie. Yeah. It was a big, it was like one of those films I actively was looking out for in the summer, and then when it finally came around, I, me and my friend uh, Andrew rushed out to see it. So yeah. It yeah. it's, it's, makes you cry, 
Um, the, also, it's very, it's, there are a lot of funny moments in it too. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. The 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 moment in the hotel where she's having to go up all the stairs. Yeah, it's. I, it's I, just, I mean, it's also like that. You see in the trailer the whole like put the head on the shoulder scene mm-hmm. is one of the most expertly crafted scenes I've seen in the movie this year mm. for reasons you wouldn't expect. Because mm. it's like one of those scenes where it's like it's really funny until like basically one line when the entire point of the film really hits you. Yeah. And it's a really well-written scene. And so, yeah. But anyway. Awesome. Yeah, it's my number Yeah, uh, gonna, The Farewell. i make sure I watch that. Cool. Brad? Uh, my number seven is a sequel that no one asked for. So that mostly music trailer was El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. What is a Breaking I, Bad? I forgot. <laughs> I, I forgot how good that movie is. There's some awesome shit in that. I movie. want to specify that I still haven't seen it yet. So okay, please don't spoil anything. Okay, sure, 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 sure. sure. I've yeah, never yeah. seen the show. Oh, uh, yeah. So that show Me ended neither. in like 2013, 2014. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and so that was kind of the end of it, and I never expected to ever hear from it again mm-hmm. uh, until they released this. Well, uh, they also made a prequels TV show. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, but this movie deals with the aftermath of the show, yeah. Um, which the show ended fine. Didn't mm-hmm. need to know any like further no. how that happened. But uh, this is a pleasant surprise. Um, probably the uh, I, I love like one of the staples of Breaking Bad is how clever and creative they get with the cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, as you can see from the trailer, there's some really good stuff there. It's also really good at building suspense. Um, you know, when I was watching in the theater. Like when it finally, when the movie finally came to an end, I was like really 
disappointed that there wasn't more yeah because i was like from each sequence to sequence i was just like, so into the movie it kind of brought back into the world of Breaking Bad, and it you kind of want to keep going with yeah. it. Yeah, and there's a lot of flashbacks to the series uh, that fills in other gaps. They're just like, oh, that's a cool like thing that they're showing us that um, happened like from a different angle. And well, it's interesting because I part because I got the same thing, and it was kind of because there's like I feel like there's three or four episodes in the movie. Like there's there's kind of the movie goes through these phases and each one of those theoretically you could cut into 40 minutes and it would be an episode and so yeah when it's over you're like well I, yeah i'd see more because each episode so the show is like an hour so right within um, this hour and a half probably yeah you know you got like four episodes uh so it's it's, it's edited yeah. really well yeah and two of those that i mean i i again i won't spoil anything but like you saw from the trailer there's I, no, I don't even need to say it. There's a couple of just really badass moments. There's that part where he's searching for a thing, and there's this sort of cat and mouse game, and it's incredible. Um, and then that thing with the people who stole the thing from him, and then the, what later <laughs> happens is just awesome. It's maybe one of it's it's and then that negotiation later is really funny. yeah. It's like maybe in in the top ten most badass moments in the whole show. There's one or two of them in this movie. Um, I forgot how much I I thoroughly enjoyed that. It's not um, a spoiler, but Robert Forster's in the movie, and oh yeah, if there's His any great, great way to say goodbye to Robert Forster, who passed away this last year, it's yep. that's a great way to go out. So, yeah. so what was Broken Bad? <laughs> it's in the first episode. You'll never watch it, but it's when you make that decision to be a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, no, just being an asshole. No. If you're designed to be a bad guy, wouldn't that be Breaking Good? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's like when you're you're uh, you know riding or driving towards something and you decide to brake left or right. Yeah, Breaking but left or right. I'm never I never tell someone I'm turning bad. <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm going to write a script where the villain says I'm turning bad. The villain never. <laughs> I love the I love the line in episode seven when uh, uh, Kylo Ren is I've broken bad. <laughs> <laughs> the never the villain never thinks they're the villain. Hey, he's so not bad. He's totally bad. redeemable. So anyway, Breaking Bad. Yeah, great. It's my number seven. Nice. Cool. That's a good yeah. one. James? Uh, my number seven is a movie. Uh, it's a foreign film about the perils of being a member of the high society. No valet, no nanny, even. It's 1927. We're modern folk. Blimey. The king and queen are coming to Downton. What? I want every surface to gleam and sparkle. A royal luncheon, a parade, and a dinner. I'm going to have to sit down. How's it all going? Mary's got it under control. Hardly. I need your help, Carson. I'll be there in the morning, my lady. Don't you worry. 
Should we really go on with it? You mean leave Downton? Downton Abbey's the heart of this community, and you're keeping it beating. Remember to pray for us. I'll put in a word. Your Majesties, welcome to Downton Abbey. Will you have enough cliches to get you through the visit? If not, I'll come to you. Oh, here we go. Oh my god, look at all the people that are in this movie! Wow! <laughs> Does, uh, what's his name come back for it? Lily James? No. Not Lily James, uh... Dan uh, Stevens? Dan Stevens. No, Dan Stevens does not come back. He's died dead. four seasons Did ago. he drink poison Maybe tea? Maybe a ghost. Please no, tell me it's poison tea. No, he dies in a... I mean, spoilers, but yeah, he dies in a car accident. Well, it's not spoilers because I don't. I've never even seen the show, and I know he dies in it. You should. It's really great. Is he decapitated? I think you actually no. would really. Is this a guy like? Oh, sorry, man. He picks up no. his head. It's like. I, I <laughs> actually <laughs> think if you got into the show, you would actually enjoy it. What's, well, it, what's it about? Uh, it, it is about uh, the emergence of the middle slow, class. Number seven is yeah, Abbey. The emergence of the middle class is fair. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, season two is so good. Okay, I'm no. asleep already. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Well, it, What's I the show about? Talk. Anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually talk about the movie, which is Downton Abbey, which is right. my number seven. Holy shit. Um, which this is one of those things that, again, this movie shouldn't actually work. Um, the fact that you could watch this movie, and really you anybody could, you'd be a little bit... You, you'd have some context missing for sure, but I think the film on its own stands up just fine. Um, this one is, you know, it, it tacks on to the end of the, the actual series, which the series is following this, you know, high society in, society in England from 1914, 16, something like that, through World War One, And as basically that way of life is going away, um, and so this very sort of romantic part of England history of, you know, high tea and upstairs and downstairs and all that stuff. All the um, things that Ryan is, is slowly disappearing. <laughs> me making fun of it is the story of I this fucking show. I think there's a separate no. series called no. Upstairs, Downstairs. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, it's as all of that stuff is disappearing and as technology is coming in, right? So even like the opening shot of that uh, of that car is very dramatically different from the beginning of the show because um, the and that's first episode of... is right after the Titanic sinks. Right. Yeah. So you're you're following this whole period of time, and you're looking at how time changes. So is there a really funny scene where the people from upstairs and downtown downstairs open the door at the same time, and then they look at each other and go, "What?" No, that would oh, be okay. in upstairs downstairs. No, but Ryan, that you wouldn't know, be in Downton Abbey. There is a shot where, uh, you know, Matthew Crawley. Who's what's that guy's uh, character? Uh, that guy uh, actors. David George. <laughs> no, the guy who dies. Dan <laughs> Stevens. Dan, Dan Stevens. Yeah, Dan Stevens Does goes he down. Get down keg into a party? Yeah, he goes downstairs. He carries a keg downstairs, oh, and he's okay. like, "Where do you want this?" He's like <laughs> that partly have... shirtless. It's uh, great. Well, I mean. Then does he smash a bunch of people's heads in? No. Well, then I don't care. Does he okay. try to so, find a trash can? <laughs> again, so this movie is taking all of these sort of loose threads from the end of the show and not tying them up, just continuing them, and it has a lot of work to do. And in a very sort of Avengers-esque way, there's a whole ensemble of characters here who all have their own stories and all have to get 
at least some amount of time and for the show or for the movie to balance that um is pretty impressive um what it ends up feeling like a little bit is like you're watching multiple episodes of the mm-hmm. show happen at the same time. And so each the characters kind of end up being a little bit siloed off. Um, but again, I think that the, the themes that the show is playing or that the movie is playing with are really great. Um, the performances are amazing. Maggie Smith. I mean, Maggie Smith is incredible on the show. Maggie Smith is. I think she knew like this was her. Oh like, yeah, I mean, last hurrah kind of yeah. thing. So she gives like she, one everybody amazing absolutely performance. Kills it. I mean, the the, the performances themselves are are a hundred percent worth it. Um, I mean, I think for anybody who's a fan of the show, which I mean, you just should be because it's really well made television that actually is telling a really interesting story. Um, and yes, it's you know melodramatic at times and romantic at times and stuff like that. But also like the tension and the intrigue. Um, Thomas's whole subplot about um, sort of the underground homosexual culture at the time and and he sort of stumbles into it um, is uh, heartbreaking and tough to watch and uh, I mean they definitely if I were going to criticize the movie because they were pretty sure they were just going to make one movie they maybe don't Wait, are they going to make others? No, 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 oh. no. I'm just saying. Don't I, I think two, that the awakening. I think that a better <laughs> like if they weren't afraid of of a, a, too much of a downer ending, oh they probably shouldn't should have given that story a bit more teeth um, because they kind of m- m- miracle him out of tr- out of trouble in the end. Um, but I think it works. But, yeah, I, I, I think, think it's I a think nice it works. I think it's just untrue and... to maybe reality of the time. Um, but I, I I think it's a great movie and people should check it out. It was definitely one of my ten favorite experiences in a theater this year. Um, I mean, so it yeah. definitely feels like kind of typical Down Abbey hijinks, like that whole oh, yeah. thing where the servants like siphon off the uh, the royal servants right. and they all like trick them into not showing up, so they yeah. make the meal instead of the royal people. <laughs> I still don't want to see this movie or show. Okay. You have not Great. sold me. Great. Did you see um, the uh, SNL sketch about the movie? No, I didn't. It was like, it's like a fake trailer for it. Sure. Where it's like, the most intense film you'll see about planning a party. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's the thing. If you can't appreciate really well-written dialogue and really well-written scenes, especially when they are about something where the stakes are actually really low, I, I just can't help you. Like, well, I don't know the, if the it, stakes are that is, low. No, I mean at the end of the day, it's it's having dinner with some people. Like the stakes but are actually really but low. It's the king there's a movie and queen the, of their country, there and there's like a whole year, assassination plot. There was plot. a movie this year where a giant purple dude was trying to kill half of everyone. Like that's <laughs> those stakes are way higher than dinner with the king and queen. I'm just saying. But there was an assassination things, plot when, the, when there's a, a big, real, real high stakes, and then meh. Yes, there is an assassination Abbey plot. Too. Candlelight um, Boogaloo. But what is the, the assassination? An assassination plot is one of the lesser parts of the movie for me because the best scenes of the movie are just where people who are very intelligent sit and have dinner and talk because the tension and and the chess playing between them Literally. is so good. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, and if you are are too fucking stupid to be able to appreciate that, I just don't that's know how me. to help you. That's <laughs> um, uh, a show that I'm going to start getting into because my grandmother's a big fan. I do have a question at the end. They, <laughs> at, at the end, fuck you. At the end, do they all get smushed by the giant Monty Python foot? Yep. Because that would make it ultimately British. No, it is very British. 
Um, I will say if I have one criticism of the movie is that shut up, Ryan. It's almost like it's worth watching. My mom is going to write mean letters to you. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say uh, it Ryan. does feel like you're saying like very much like episodes of the TV show. Yeah. There's not really anything really cinematic to it except like the very beginning and the very end like with that last shot right. where it's they just like just pull the back they got from a better the drone for the establishing shot. That's <laughs> literally the only difference quality-wise between an episode of the show, which is more a compliment in my mind to how good the show looks. Um but yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um no. It's the wrong crystal. The queen's coming uh, over. There's also <laughs> more scenes with a lot of people in them at the same time and like a, like you know, like a lot of horses. Right. Like they paid to have <laughs> oh, a lot yeah, of horses Oh, yeah. Like I think that like the production value is definitely higher. But yeah. I mean, for the bulk of the movie, it doesn't feel that way. Agreed. Agreed. But I'd, if they do make a sequel, I want them to name it Two Down, Two Abbey. <laughs> Tokyo Drift. <laughs> I, I would say if I have a one criticism, it's that Lily James didn't come back. Maggie Smith goes, you're going to turn your back. She's too family. busy killing zombies. She's not busy enough killing and, zombies. And singing in Greece. So. Yeah. Totally. She's anyway. awesome. Yep. So that's my number seven. Downton Abbey. I wouldn't be crazy if this the was also film. your number seven. Like, just like oh, a yeah. surprise. Just, just to like, like, throw everybody oh, yeah. off. Like, I like, watched the whole show. Like, this shit is dope. <laughs> oh my God, I loved it so much. <laughs> they put out the silver that I always thought they would put out. <laughs> Remember the ones that was in the armoire during the thing? And I didn't know if they were going to do it. But then, guys, they thought that the king was going to be assassinated. And then they made this special tea that made everybody really tired. So then they couldn't... <laughs> Oh my is gosh, this a that, culmination? That actually, yeah. <laughs> this is he like said like three fourths. That's totally a thing. He said like three or four things, jokingly, what? that actually happened in the Fuck movie. That movie. No. It, it, if talking about the series right. as much as you guys did and Ryan making jokes about it, this is the cinematic version of that joke. Right. <laughs> is what he just did. I would love for Ryan to watch this. Yeah. Drunk. Uh, well, <laughs> that's never, never going to happen. Well, drunk two things: long, I'll die. never drink, and I'll never watch this show. <laughs> Maybe one day. Or do, you should. Maybe do one like day a, when I'm in a retirement like home a, and I'm senile. Do like a drunken review <laughs> a for it like piece. I did with uh, Bad Boys. <laughs> We're going to insert down Abbey into your veins, old man Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. hopped Ready up on go with your broken legs, like, old man. He's got his eyes pried open the home, like Malcolm McDowell chair, and yeah. Clockwork Orange. <laughs> oh, jeez. Just insert oh, iced tea right into his veins. Anyway, Ryan, what's your shitty number seven? Uh, it's not a shitty movie. It's actually a repeat, even though it should have been a repeat. Um... My number seven is. Are you going to play the trailer? Or is going to go? It's not because it's also going to say tag team review, and that's yeah. not true either. So um, it, actually, my number seven is Captain Marvel. Oh, so, um, cool! Yeah, that's my number seven. It's an awesome movie. Brie Larson is awesome. Yeah. Um, the twist with the scrolls is really cool. Um, I like Samuel Jackson. Uh, Agent Coulson's in it. They fight. <laughs> <laughs> Stan Lee reads the Mallrat script. Aww. Yeah, and it's pretty cute. And yep, Brie Larson is awesome. It's really great. Like my only like major complaint about Endgame, uh, which I guess will never mind. (laughs) (laughs) What movie are you talking about? This isn't Endgame, Henry. Yeah, never mind. What? What's Endgame? I'm talking about a movie that hasn't been discussed. Captain Marvel is a good one. Captain Marvel is great. Yeah, it's got a cat. It does. (laughs) But does it? So. Yep. Cool. Ryan, this is your turn. You want to talk about it? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's Captain Marvel's awesome. Right, yeah. So I think the trailer for Korean. We spent 25 fucking minutes talking about silverware and well, Downton we Abbey. So. Uh, well, you know, it, if you would stop interrupting up. us, <laughs> so. I would have gone a lot faster. If it's not it, we'll just roll with it. 
Yeah, we'll figure it out. Okay, so my number seven is the most recent addition to the list. I specifically waited to compile my list because I wanted to watch this movie because I figured it would be on it, and I. But then, and you, it then, is. then you sent Brad a list anyways. What the fuck? <laughs> that was after I saw it, Ryan. Jeez. So, um, my number seven is this. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sister's. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe, to be a famous writer? Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it. My girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. <laughs> I intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. But you are not married, aren't you? Well, that's because I'm rich. Would you like to dance with me? I can't because I scorched my dress. And Meg told me to keep still so no one would see it. I have an idea of how we can manage. Joe is a lost cause. So you are your family's hope now. I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. We can leave right now. I'll sell stories. Joe. And you, you should be an actress and you should have a life on the stage. Just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean they're unimportant. I have hey. loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. I couldn't help it. It would be a disaster if we It wouldn't be a okay? disaster. We'd be miserable. Joe, we'd be a perfect I saint. I can't. A new play written by Miss Joe Marsh. Women, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts. I want to be great or nothing. And they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty. And I'm so sick of people saying that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. she marry so my number seven is little women heck yeah and cool. as henry pointed out during the trailer yes i had little women on my list last year but it was a different version of little women <laughs> the one last year took the characters and set them in the modern day kind of updated oh, yeah. things this is uh still a period drama and it's seemingly more high budget at least but this is a there's a lot more cast in it yeah yeah it definitely has bigger names in it um but yeah this is the one that greta gerwig directed and stars shorsha ronan yeah Yeah. and uh emma watson sarah uh (laughs) because she's from somewhere else ireland yeah they probably think ryan (laughs) didn't you see brooklyn it explained her origin shut up rianne Anyway, really well-made film, and uh, I think I said this last year when I had Little Women on my list, but I've never actually read Little Women. Yeah. 
I've seen. No one has. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've seen the one. the '90s version with uh, what's her face from Stranger Things. Uh, Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. The memorable Winona one, Ryder. You know, Sean Fox mom. <laughs> I saw that one like one time. Yeah. Like it's really five good. or six years ago, and then I saw the one last year, and I really liked it. And then I saw this one, and of course. It's different. Yeah. It ends slightly differently, or at least it, like, reframes the ending to be more of, like, the real story of, like, Louisa May Alcott and how, like, she didn't want Joe to end up with anybody, but that her editor or whoever, like, demanded, like, you know. But that's not what the book ends with her not ending up with anyone. Right. So in the movie, in this movie... Um, Joe and the professor still end up together, yeah. but it reframes it so that it makes it feel like that was like, it almost makes it more of a meta reference. Like Joe is the author. These are her characters in her book, gotcha. little women. And that her editor is like, no, Joe has to marry like Joe, the character in the character of the, of the publisher right. is speaking to the movie itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the so, great Gatsby. No. And I was I was very um, I was very upset with because uh, I knew like from the other versions that she and the professor end up together and the other two versions I've seen spends a lot of time building up their relationship their friendship their chemistry yeah but in this one it's like they're in a few scenes at the very beginning of the movie no, like the and then he just like... completely drops off the face of the earth until the very end mm. sure and I was like what the fuck she just ends up with the professor like. Who's this dude? We don't yeah. know. There are a lot of choices. Like, I, I like this film, like, in general. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But there are a lot of choices in this film that I was pretty not pleased with. Huh. Um, but like I said, that, again, like, once I learned more about the movie and Louisa May Alcott's, like, her whole process with writing the book Little Women mm-hmm. and how that was something that her editors demanded that Joe, the character in the book, has to end up with somebody... So that's why she, Louise May Alcott, wrote The Professor, is that it would be a love interest. And even, I guess, in the book, which I haven't read, he feels a little bit like a deus ex machina, which he does in this version of the movie. Mm. So they were staying true to that. Sounds interesting. So the spirit of the thing, rather mm -hmm. than the actual text. It sounds like I really want to see... Greta Gerwig's next movie where Lloyd Metcalf plays the author of Little Women. Because <laughs> um, that'll be great. Um, so and a, so another thing that, like I said, I haven't read the book, but um, so in the w- version I saw last year, they told the story out of order. So they would yeah. do like flashbacks. So it would be like Joe was off already like in New York doing her writing thing, but yeah. then it would flash back to different parts in her childhood where, like, she would meet Lori and her sisters would go to stuff and they had, like, their attic and the Pickwick Club. And so that's how I thought that the book was because right. it had been a while since I'd seen the 90s version. Yeah. But then this one does the same thing where Whoa. it flashes back and it's really, really well done. Hmm. There's the, the one that stands out the most to me is when Beth gets sick in both the past and the present at the same time. And so there's this sequence where mm. Joe is nursing her sister both times and she wakes up in the flashback and she goes downstairs and she sees her sister is better. 
Then it cuts to the present timeline. Sure. She goes downstairs and her mom is crying because her sister died. Yeah. And it's so well done. And I teared up and uh, it's just, yeah, I, could, I think I cried a couple of times in this movie. And there were some people in front of me who were like cheering at the end when the professor and her started kissing. And yeah, so and I, I had went, a, I the, the my showing was plum full. Oh, I'm sure. It was crazy. My showing was empty. yeah there was like my family and then someone like these like three like elderly women in front of us and then when uh they figured out like the publishing deal one of them started like applauding and it was like that's there's a total of six people in the theater (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny cool so really well made film and the performances are all great i think shorsha ronan brought it in this movie florence Pugh. Oh my gosh, yeah. That's another thing that another change from the book is that Amy gets more time. (laughs) Hmm. Um, Which I was like, you know, in the other version from last year, Amy is such a brat. And he or she's a brat too, but like we get to spend more time with her like as a a full grown woman. Whereas in the other version, she just like shows up at the end and it's a completely different actress because she's aged up so much. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, that was weird. Hmm. Yeah. But now it's like they spend more time building up Amy and Lori as a couple instead of just okay. at the end, like, oh, they're together. Okay. Cool. But cool. damn it, that professor from last year's movie was so hot. And the guy. Who played the professor last year? I have no idea. It, it, it was a more. It was like an indie Lewis movie. Lewis Garrow is. Yeah. Stuart he, he Jeff, You haven't seen him ram someone up the ass like I have in other French films. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Moon River. Um, oh, Lewis okay. Garrett ran me up the ass. <laughs> yeah, that I don't know. He just looked like oh, oh the one. Uh, well, I have a couple of criticisms, but they're ma- very minor. But uh, Timothy Chalamet, I don't think I've seen him in anything, but he looked like he was fifteen years old. No, yeah, he, like, he, he looks so. Yeah. Oh yeah, is he in that? He's like yeah, the yeah, cool yeah, guy. Yeah. Oh like, okay. The well, one that breaks her heart and it makes me want to punch him. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hate that dude. Um, okay, well, other also, than Lady Bird, yeah, he I looks haven't like seen him in fourteen anything. in this film. Yeah. yeah, it's really unsettling. I think he looks fourteen in life. No, yeah, he he's, cannot play these characters. Well. <laughs> he's in Call Me by Your Name too, and he's amazing in that film. So yeah, I thought. I mean, I don't know about you personally, but I thought he was the weakest link out of the entire film. Right. Um, he has and like I a agree. very similar problem that I, I thought he had in uh, Call Me by Your Name, where face like. Like physicality, he's really good, but he cannot deliver lines for the life of him, and it does not help. This is a period piece, and he's really struggling with that. So, in comparison, when he's especially like in the scene when he's drunk and talking to Florence Pugh, mm-hmm. who's fucking nailing it, like it's just you can it's like a night and day kind of performance in my mind. And they said that Amy is supposed to be twenty, and she looks like she's about twenty five. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the ages look. Florence weird. Pugh is too Everyone old for these roles, weird. and he is too young for these roles, even though he is like. 25 so he looks too young yeah it's weird somehow he looks younger than tom holland who already looks like he's 15 what's a 12 year old doing in this film (laughs) zach uh do we want to my my number seven is little women little women little women little women (laughs) so after six after current six yeah okay all right um my number six uh, is a movie that was technically made for only me, um, and it's also a movie where James has to shut up when I talk about it. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Miles. Put it there. That's your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. 
last night. We watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, with the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? No, I'm a stuntman. Look at me! So you still direct, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Dwine. Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. Hot August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground. Here I am, flat on my ass. And who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel group telling you In this town, I can all change like that. You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it. So yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. Um, Tarantino usually pops up much higher on my list. Um, and I think it's a combination of this year being very strong for me. Um, but also because I'm still technically processing this film. Um, even though I've seen it three times in the theaters and I can't get enough of it. Um, I feel like this is one of the saddest movies on my list. Um, primarily because when it's all said and done, I've had multiple talks with different people about the ending. Uh, some people like it, some people don't. And uh, to me, I, I think either side is valid for my point of view. Uh, we've, uh, we've all seen it at this point, right? Hmm? Yep. I'm not going to see it. So don't okay. Um, with Dalton going up to the Tate house at the end and you hear that song from Judge Roy Bean, uh, it's very haunting. It's very uh, eerie. And I feel this, my opinion is that by the end of that film, I think Tarantino is very sad and aware that he's becoming irrelevant in the grand scheme of the business changing and that his particular taste in things that uh, are happening in this business are uh, kind of going out the door. And the film is about that very thing. Um, and there's a sense of the entire film running as, as if this is just supposed to be the last recollection of what Hollywood was. Um, obviously there's some revision, revisionism, revisionism in the movie, 
Um, unlike Inglorious Bastards, where Hitler shot uh, in the face in a movie theater, uh, this film seems a little uncertain with its revisionism to a certain extent, because just because uh, an event that has been labeled as the changing of the tide of Hollywood in the six in the late sixties or early seventies, where the new wave comes in, uh, even though the Manson murders are stopped, it doesn't change anything that's happened. So the revisionism, it only works to an extent that it saves Sharon Tate's life, but it doesn't really change the fact that Rick, people like Rick Dalton are going out the door in Hollywood. They're going to have to go overseas to make films in Italian cinema. And I feel like it's a film that's just supposed to kind of lie there. And uh, I also like that it's a hangout movie. Um, We haven't had one of those from Tarantino since probably Jackie Brown. And I think the fact that we get to sit with the characters for a little while before any major action happens, I get to know them. I get to feel them a little bit. Um, There are things about the film that I'm still kind of toying with in my mind um, because it's nostalgia is very heavy and I've been reassessing my own love of nostalgia in that respect. So, but it's undeniably one of my favorite films from Tarantino. Um, It would be high up on a list if we were ranking all nine of his films. Um, And it's, it's an entertaining watch. And I like the fact that that flamethrower comes back at the end in such a wonderful way. Uh, I think it's hilarious. Um, Is it uh, contentious and even gross with the whole Manson element added into it? Possibly, but Tarantino's always made exploitation films, so I kind of expected this to happen. So, number six, Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 in Hollywood. I feel like you just used your review to counter James's argument on the show last <laughs> week. Hey, I didn't I didn't say anything. I promised I wouldn't. No, I'm I not going to shit on this. Here's the thing. Leo like, DiCaprio's great in the movie. He is. But he is. I, I, here's yeah. the thing. Well, His character doesn't matter. I think Brad Pitt are really yeah. good in it. There's the, plenty oh, yeah. characters I don't like. The, so. movie, the movie has a design where oh, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a polarizing film no matter what because of certain things it's doing and the way i look at it is mainly just through like okay how am i looking at this through the lens of a guy who's been very very open about what his tastes are okay this is the movie i expected to be there are certain choices that i wasn't expecting like the fact there would be a hangout movie i thought there would be a lot more action in it and i was kind of surprised and then satisfied with the fact that i get to kind of hang out with these characters for two long days in la so Mm -hmm. um so yeah I like it. Yeah. It's a good thing this card's Once almost full. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's my turn now. Yeah, number six, oh, Henry. my number six. Uh, I talked a little bit about it in my last one. Uh, it's, uh, I think, the most grand and epic film I've seen this year, which is surprising because you wouldn't think that going in. Uh, but yeah, my number six is... Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. It doesn't boast. Love also forgets wrong. I will always love you. How I do. It's been hard, hasn't it? Let go of a prayer for you. How you doing with everything? I'm good. Just a sweet word. You know it's okay if you're not. The table is prepared for you. I'm trying to give you the tools to succeed in this world. It's not easy out there. Everything I do is for you. Everything. I know you're under a lot of pressure right now, but I'm just getting really scared. But you'll have this place to call home. Everything's gonna be okay, all right? Always. We're in this together. 
I've held on to way too much hate in my life. But all we have is now. All we have is now. So yeah, my number six is Waves, uh, oh, a film good. that no one saw. Did you see it? No. It was at the Mayan for a week. No, yeah. So I didn't get a chance to see it. It was like a big Oscar hitter for a while, and then no one saw it, and it fell off the face of the earth. Man. But it is, this is one of those films that I can definitely see being much higher on my list, like, in half a year from now. Sure. Um, it is a film unlike anything I have ever seen before, and that's the biggest complaint that I see from people, but I think that's very on purpose, because it's really two films in one. Uh, where they change the protagonist halfway through, they change the vibe halfway through, uh, and there's de- there's a specific purpose to that. Where I saw like one person's talk about what I, th- I thought was really smart when they said the first half is all about like hurting you as the audience member, uh, and the second half is all about healing you. Hmm. Like the first half is this like very Safety Brothers esque kind of anxiety driven like I don't want th- stop happening stop stop kind of thing, and then it gets real calm in the second half. Uh, and it's like it's the first like his each film either really like it ends with them being like you being broken and being heartbroken uh, or ends with you being like oh I feel so much better this yeah. is the first one I found that does both uh, and really like allows you to kind of like the best way like I can really describe is that there's no main character because you as the audience are the main character uh, okay. and it's really moving you and having you move through these emotions huh. moving through the tide of the ocean I was going to say it sounds, like, it sounds like it comes in waves let yeah, the like, waves exactly. wash over you um <laughs> And uh, in a similar vein, the astral ratio changes throughout, where like it like is starts in uh, sixteen nine, goes to twenty one nine, then to box, and then back out, mm. like almost like like a wave or like a breath. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful film uh, that I wish more people saw because it's it is really incredible. Hmm. Um, I highly recommend it as soon as you can see it. Oh, it so. looks great! Yeah, and what's his and what's his name? Uh, this is us guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is incredible in the film. Yeah. Uh, and again, I would love it if he was be, if he would be nominated, but he's totally not going to. Right. So, but anyway, Man. yeah, number six, waves. Cool. Maybe he'll be nominated in some other smaller awards. Yeah, yeah, like you know, the Emmys SAG or, this or is whatever. Us. So that would be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I meant for the movie. No, I know. I was kidding. Cool. Good pick. Brad. Brad. My number six is about a rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, good. Look out there. Out there is the perfect lap. You see it? I think so. Most people can't. Carol Shelby. Maybe. Lee Iacocca, Ford Motor. Suppose Henry Ford II wanted to build the greatest race car the world's ever seen to win the 24 hours of Le Mans. What's it take? Well, it takes something money can't buy. Money can buy speed. What in about speed? You need a pure racer behind the wheel of your car. That's Ken Miles. I don't trust him an inch. We heard he's difficult. No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. No. Whatever it is, Shell, no. Trust me. You're gonna build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. 
you tell them that you needed? Two, three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> This isn't the first time Ford Motors has gone to war. We know how to do more than push paper. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. Thank you, sir. Do you think you can beat Ferrari? Not control. We're lighter, we're faster. That don't work, we're nastier. History. You ready? I was born ready, Mr. Shelby. Hit it. Uh, yeah, so uh, Ford v. Ferrari is my number six, and like I said before on the episode we did it for it, um, you know, I'm not an auto guy, but this made, movie made me way interested in auto stuff, and um, uh, I, I just like seeing, you know, these two actors, they feel like experts in their field in uh-huh. this movie, and um, the, uh, the the racing's intense, Um and just the story of Ken Miles and how tragic it ends up being. Um, just, yeah, it blew me away. I did not expect to enjoy this movie as much as I did. So. And it's funny, too, because the rivalry isn't actually between those two. It's really Ford and Ferrari. Right. Because they work together pretty much throughout the whole film. Yeah. The, the trailer we played wasn't the one that, like, like sold me on the movie at first. Uh, and that one sells. It is a mm-hmm. rivalry between Ken and Shelby. Yeah. Um, but this is more accurate to it. It's really just about... That, the title's just about that part aspect of it, but it's, uh, the movie's really about Shelby kind of goading Ken into yeah. being pushed further and further um, into, you know, displaying his excellence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely check it out. It's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's one of the few that I didn't get to see and I'm very anxious to watch. Yeah, and the sound yeah. design's amazing, so definitely watch it at the theater and not on at home. Okay. It, I will do my best. Yeah, I I, I was I, so, I also have big speakers. I was so blown away. Like I went back the next day to watch it again. Oh, that's oh wow! Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, awesome. Feels weird that Matt Damon's top build because it's Mary. It's very. It feels like it's more Christian Bale's movie to a large. Yeah, extent. but Shelby's like the more recognizable. Yeah, Shelby. Yeah, name. yeah, yeah I guess right. so. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Good movie. Good pick. Oh, me. It's your uh, turn. My number six is a pretty obvious one. Um, this is a sequel to one of my previous number one films. And so, it, I mean, as long as it did okay, you knew it was going to be here, right? <laughs> my number six is... Once, everything was awesome. Now, everything is bleak. Hey, Lucy. I brought you coffee. Coffee. The bitter liquid that provides the only semblance of pleasure left in these dark times. Oh my goshness, did I interrupt you brooding just now? Times have changed. You need to change with them. We have to be tough and battle ready. Look, a shooting star, make a wish! (gasps) Oh no. Run! (laughs) Hurry, the door is slowly closing! The pain. It's getting so cold. Emmett, what are you doing? Hooray! See, that wasn't so bad. Nothing got in. Ah, something got in. I'm General Mayhem. Bring me your 
Yeah, so my number six is the Lego Movie 2, the second part, um, which is not my number one, mostly because I think this movie is almost too smart for its own good. Like, I think this movie is, is actually a, a better written, more mature, and more intelligent uh, movie than uh, the original Lego Movie, um, especially in some of the things it does. Like, I mean, it, it, it takes everything is awesome and kind of tells you, hey, that's maybe a bad lesson and the the lessons of this movie are i think are a lot more mature i think the story that it's telling sort of reconciling um the kid with her uh, his brother or with his sister i mean is so well done and great um and sort of takes that reveal from the first movie and grows that part of the story um but also at the same time i feel like it's almost less fun at the same time like the pacing is a little bit more hectic the um there's the plot to sort of get you to all of these big emotional beats and to sort of give you those, those lessons mean that like the fun is a little bit missing. Um, as good as this song's going to get stuck inside your head. It's just not quite as fun as it should. You know, the credit uh, song the is pretty movie. great though. The credit song is great. Yes. Um, as I is mean, the Batman one. Yes. <laughs> there, the movie is fantastic. It's just one of those things where it's, it's interesting. I, it's it's like a Raiders of the Lost Ark versus Last Crusade. Like this is a better written movie, uh, but the first movie is way more fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, and so I I love it. Uh, obviously, you know I have some bias there too. But I also just think this is one of still one of the most intelligent kids movies I've seen in a long time. I never show bias on my lists. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just got a call um, from Sony. They want to put your quote of movie of the year on Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yes, <laughs> I do it no, 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 no. I think you read, you misread the email. It was for Venom Two. For oh, Venom Two. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. They want to promote that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, my number six, uh, the Lego Movie Two, the second part. I'm gonna miss those films. Yeah. I know. I don't know where you could go from here. Well, they sold the rights, so they can't do that. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Oh, I missed so, that. Yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Was, I would love. To have seen, um, uh, uh, what's his name's version of it? Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. cool. There we go. Uh, my number six is 
you don't realize as an audience member, you are a part of this movie as very early on the lead actor breaks the fourth wall and tells you that you're a part of this movie when he explains to you what the movie is about. Hey, I'm looking for Fred Rogers in here. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Hello, neighbor. Mr. Rogers, I'm here to interview you. It is so nice to meet you. You okay? I'm profiling Mr. Rogers. Boyd, please don't ruin my childhood. This piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? We are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. Yeah? Like what? There are many things you can do. You can play all the lowest keys on a piano at the same time. broken people like me sometimes we have to ask for help and that's okay i think the best thing we can do is to let people know that each one of them is precious six is a beautiful day in the neighborhood um like i said early on you think it's a biopic about fred rogers and it's really you're in an episode of his show Mm -hmm. that you don't know that you're in uh because the reporter that's tasked with doing a profile on him is a really broken person due to his relationship with his father and um there is i cried a lot in this movie not the most that's later on but um there is uh a moment where it's flashed really quickly in the trailer where he hugs this little boy who has some sort of disability or has some sort of disease. And um, he says, you know, you're really strong, but I bet you're even stronger on the inside. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, and just uh, the way like Tom Hanks doesn't necessarily look like Fred Rogers, but his mannerisms, his cadence, but he wants to hug you like Fred. Rogers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And every time I saw this uh, movie, I saw it twice and I go, man, it just, tugs at your heartstrings and because it's not a movie about fred rogers it's about how he helps people mm-hmm. and it's the idea of fred rogers it's the, exactly and you know there's even a great moment where they says uh, you know the reporter asks, so what's he really like and people are like what are you talking about like that's him mm-hmm. you know because they, they, they like, we don't even understand what you're trying to say I and like, yes fred rogers yeah. that too and i like how like in the beginning he like like there are people on the crew who are still mad at him for being so nice yeah <laughs> like we need to fucking go steve <laughs> or uh, fred like, <laughs> yeah yeah uh you know, they, even his flaws, he's showing that he's trying to build a tent and he doesn't do it right. And he's like, no, that's good. <laughs> that's fine. And it, um, 
And then he explains that like, not everything's going to go your way. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be willing to do that. And it's uh, a freaking beautiful film. I love that Mariel Heller, the director, um, allowed the movie to go into dark places without oh, yeah. explicitly like just there. There's a there's a version of this film that we're seeing through um, the um, the other uh, the, the main guy that he's that that is broken quote unquote mm-hmm. but he's not because he's no one's broken ryan yeah um and we're just if you're seeing it from his perspective it seems weird but since we're tailor made to know fred rogers from pop culture and just our mm-hmm. childhoods it's interesting to look at it from a different lens and see how she kind of plays around with what could be a dark situation but is actually a very sweet moment yeah um, it, i mean because there's even moments where um, Fred Rogers called. I, I can't remember the reporter's name, but like he calls a reporter and Lloyd. He, yeah, Lloyd, yeah, and he Lloyd. ends up talking to his wife because yeah. Lloyd talked about his wife, and it's it's really uh, it's a really sweet film. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the it's one of the best biopics I've seen in a while, hands down. Yeah. Matthew Reese plays the reporter, and he's one of my favorite actors. Oh right yeah, he's one. great in it. Yeah. Yep. Cool. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Number six. So my number six. Um, s- it must have come about when someone in England heard that I liked The Post and they were like, oh, she likes The Post? We're going to make a movie that she will like even more than The Post. We're going to make a movie for Corinne. <laughs> so I uh, happened to see the poster for this movie when I think we went to North by Northwest. It was on the side of the Shea Artis. And I was like, I haven't heard about this movie, but it looks really good. I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm watching this movie. So I finally did, and here is the trailer. Catherine Gunn. What were you employed to do? I translated signals intelligence, and I reported anything of interest to my clients. You're a spy. Did you get this email? The Americans want us to help them get a UN resolution for war. So, you work for the British government? No. No? This proposed war is historically unpopular. I work for the British people. I do not gather intelligence so that the government can lie to the British people. Intelligence may be being manipulated to take this country to war. I could get you a copy. You're asking me to collude in a breach of the Official Secrets Act. Some call that treason. Someone has betrayed their government and their country. You might need our help. If we do not go public, we would be conceding that no one can ever tell the people when their government is lying. Your marriage will be interrogated. My husband had absolutely nothing to do with this. He's a Muslim. I'm sorry? You chose loyalty to your country over loyalty to your government, your marriage and yourself. I think that speaks rather highly of you. Catherine Theresa Gunn, who charged with an offence of the Official Secrets Act. Do you want to risk it all? How do you plead? Oh, 
So yeah, my number six is Official Secrets, mm. which is a movie starring Keira Knightley, Ray Fiennes, Matt Smith, Ooh. Matthew Good. It's everybody. I mean, it's like literally all my favorite British actors. Um, it's your Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> yep, yep, pretty much. Although, I mean, it's kind of depressing, but it's all. I mean, well, it, it has a happy ending at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not dissimilar. Yeah. yeah. Okay, then. I don't know. I didn't see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. but is this based on a true story? I yes. can't tell. Yes, okay. this is absolutely based on a true story. Yeah. Well, um, That's how Brexit happened. Oh, I, <laughs> I would bet. Um. So yeah, this is set during like the early days of the Iraq War, and it's it's really weird because when I watch the Post or you know like all the President's Men, like those are events that. From my perspective, they are historical events because yeah. they didn't happen in my lifetime. But this is something that happened in my lifetime. Like, I remember when this stuff was going down. Like, I don't remember it really well. And yeah. I was like a kid when it happened. But, like, I remember my family talking about how, yeah, like, Britain is not, you know, like, we're like most Americans were for the war, but most of the British were against it. And so it just it's this very interesting take on real events. And it has like both like the journalism side of it but also like the actual like acquiring the top secret information that is then released through the press and even though the bulk of the film isn't about the newspaper and like that process it still is it carries this kind of idea of journalistic integrity that even the the main lady who is the one who leaked the top secret memo she is not a reporter she ends up kind of working with them through a third party to get this information out, but she still has this this responsibility that she feels to the British people, mm -hmm. as she says in the film, and that's a great scene where she's like, I don't work for the British government, I work for the British people. Mm. Love that scene. And I did not know the story, so spoilers for um, real life. <laughs> right. um, she goes to trial and they're the very like they set it up it's a framed uh narrative so that first scene is her being charged and then at the end you kind of see everything that um leads up to it and you see the trial which uh she gets off basically because the british government admits that she uh she's right yeah so that's cool and it also has um crap i can't think of his name but uh, Jeremy Northam. Jeremy Northam's in a couple of scenes, but he's really good. So, great movie. I recommend everybody go see it. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry, I love that. And they, I think they even had like a little like shout out in one of the scenes where, you know, the the reporters are talking about like gathering this top secret information where they reference the um, the Vietnam Papers and what yeah. were those called? Yeah, the Vietnam Papers or whatever. So, it's cool. yeah, really good. Okay. Zach, five. All right. My number five uh, is a film that um, really made me excited about a genre that I like watching of movies from the past. <laughs> you motherfucker! <laughs> uh, no. If I could pause... Why are we doing all this? Let's back it up. The family has desperate motives. And when good people get desperate, the knives come out. You know something. Spill it. I suspect 
foul play. Just Google that. I did just Google that. You gotta do this more often. So yeah, my number five is Knives Out. And the only reason it's number five is because Frank Oz doesn't burn trees down. <laughs> uh, like he did in The Last Jedi. Now, um, uh, I, I like how Ryan Johnson managed to change, uh, not change the game of the whodunit, but just kind of reinvigorate it a little bit, give it a little bit of a uh, Kickstarter. You know, he kind of does because he tells pretty, you what yeah. happens. Yeah, early in the movie, it's ah. like it's like an episode of Columbo meets an episode of like <laughs> David Suchet's Agatha Christie. Ah. Like, uh, is it kind of like the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, where Moriarty gives his entire plot up at the front in the five first five minutes of the movie? <laughs> so, well, except he, the, yeah, he reinvigorates yeah. the Who Done It with a little bit of extra juice. What I appreciate about this film is that I think Daniel Craig is among my favorite performances in a movie this year, primarily because. Johnson and Craig um, managed to do the sleuth correctly where they mislead you on the sleuth. And then that final moment when he talks about her shoes, Mm -hmm. I think is an amazing reveal uh, that helps you realize how smart Craig's character is. And it reminds me of, again, the adventures of Sherlock Holmes from 1939 does something very similar where you tell the the plot up front and you're kind of seeing Sherlock Holmes figure out the story backwards or like he's behind everything. And this film kind of corrects that, um, that thing that can, that can happen in a whodunit if you don't write it correctly. So, um, and on top of that, the ensemble cast is fantastic. I think the mystery, even though we know the plot and kind of the reveal, ha- like a good, por- not, not too far into the movie, I think it still helps with the mystery and oh, yeah. kind of trying to figure out mm-hmm. who is really behind it. I like, think I mean, it plays on your expectations yeah. because they tell you what happens and then you expect something else. Well, but they tell you a person's perspective. Of yeah, what that's happens. what I mean. And that's like, really the difference. And it's it's why I think the movie is is absolutely brilliant because, and yeah, I have it a little higher, but not, you know. Um, because what he ends up doing is showing you all these different perspectives and having them pieced together. And what happens is that the movie itself bounces between styles of whodunit. And so it goes from being a traditional, like, Agatha Christie kind of, of movie to then being, like, kind of a Columbo-y one, where, or, or, more, or more like a Pink Panther, where, like, this guy's really dumb, and we have this person sort of avoiding being caught. And then you go to a sort of a Columbo where you're like, oh, he's kind of playing dumb and actually knows the whole time. Yeah. And so he's taking, you know, a hundred years of whodunit stories and sort of weaving that, that all of those techniques in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's, the, the performances are unbelievable. It's like the first third is the question, who killed him? The second third is the question, is she going to get away with it? And then the third question in the third in the last act is who is after her? Like yeah. who who knows right. the truth? Yeah, that that twist when you find the I, I I won't spoil too much, but that twist when there's a another body 
is really unsettling. At least it was for me because I kept thinking I knew what was happening, mm-hmm. which is, I, in my opinion, the sign of a really great whodunit, is that I always knew what the story was, and I was never right. Like, I was always very certain that I knew exactly what was going on, and then it was never the truth. Um, I think that's amazing. Um, yeah. No, it's a, that's a good one. That's a fantastic movie. Ryan Johnson is incredible and has only made fantastic films. Yep. It's almost like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, it yeah. really does. Yeah. And Holy I, shit! And I appreciate the story he's telling with the class war, the the, the class, the class division, and oh yeah, uh, addressing people that have been extremely rude to him on the internet in a fan, in a really funny character trait that is is oh yeah is a rightful place of abuse. Sure. So um. And um, yeah, uh, number five knives out. I I want to see it again, and I just haven't had time. But I, it's pretty wonderful. I adore that the the like statement at the end of that movie is that a Colombian woman is living in your house, and you better get used to it. I, I just think that's awesome. <laughs> is um, she Colombian? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, she's Cuban. And a, oh, sorry, not Colombian. Sorry, I meant Cuban yeah. in my head. Oh, I, I, I was thinking. I know Cuban. that that's like one of the running jokes. No, in the they never like say he... what a race is, but honestly, Armas is actual. Is yeah, 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 yeah. Anna de Armas is, is Cuban. Yeah. yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Nope, it's great. That's a great movie. Yep. And Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic. She is. She's always awesome. Mm-hmm. My number five is a documentary. Oh. Nothing you're seeing is real. Can you trust anything that a magician does? Do you remember the first email you ever sent to me? No. It's very short, very simple. So it ends with if we just stick to the truth. What's your point to this? What are you saying, Ben? Put your hands together for Amazing Jonathan. The Amazing Jonathan sort of deconstructed magic. He was like a rebel magician. I loved him. I performed in over 100 TV shows, made millions of dollars, and everything came crashing down when I was told I had a year to live. It's not a joke. So, my diagnosis with a heart problem was years ago. I'm overdue. Do a little speed now and then. He's never going to quit. I want to go back on the road and do some more shows. He associates the success with the drugs. What are we telling him to go back to? It's not a good idea. What if he died on stage with people laughing because they thought it was part of his bit? Do you think there's any chance he's fabricating his diagnosis? The amazing Jonathan setting off a little bit of a comeback tour. Is he still sick? You know, you just never know with him. Is this a joke? Every morning I wake up worrying that he's going to not be alive anymore. Everyone thought that the whole dying bit was a prank. I feel dizzy. You need answers, buddy. Why are you even asking me that? Are you disappointed that I'm not dying in your time frame? Don't, don't go. You're wasting my time. What is really going on? This is way out of my realm. It's like private investigator work. Access might be cut off. I feel bad that I'm using him for his death. It's been going on for too long. He's been working on this for years. You need to finish something up. You're dealing with a mess. And they don't want to be filmed. (laughs) What is the story here? I want you to smoke with me. If I was in your shoes, I would smoke with It's Gonzo Journal. Keep telling yourself that. Absolutely not. You have to. I'm making a documentary on you. The other documentary team was there. So is it a race to get yours out first now? Why don't you see how weird that is? We do. We both gonna kill each other. Uh, 
yeah, so... Uh, Still a very interesting movie. Yes, yeah, so my number, whatever this one is, is uh, <laughs> um, the Amazing Jonathan documentary. Yep. Um, it's a very fascinating documentary, and I always when I recommend to people, like, without spoiling like too much of like the twists in it, it's a documentary that's not about Amazing Jonathan really at all. It's like he's what the film originally is focused on, but it's really about the director. And it follows more of like the director's life and kind of like how he became a director, right? how he started making, how he got into documentary and why he got into documentary. And it really shapes the idea of the philosophy and the ethics of making a documentary, especially on someone who's going to die. Um, and kind of like, what is that exploitation? What is the purpose of doing it if you're just doing it just to promote your own career? And it really analyzes that idea. Um, and it's just a fascinating documentary about multiple different layers. Uh, and it's also a very funny documentary. There's a lot of really good bits in it. I saw him about 15 years ago in Vegas. Really? He's funny. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a film that I we were talking about it on the streaming Showdown, episode yeah. this year. But it's it's fascinating regardless if it's – I mean, I wasn't the hugest fan of it. But mm. like regardless Wait, who if, got that one? I did. And I got the Harvey Weinstein one. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a it, it's a it's a challenging film and it's a challenging doc that like you're right. It it poses a lot of ethical questions that I never considered. I think mm-hmm. that the strongest part of it is that it yeah. poses those questions. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Yancey Ford's documentary on Netflix, Strong Island, I think it was called, where yeah. she's yeah, very yeah. much the focus of the story. And. That was my only, like, big issue with this documentary, even though I know that's the point. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, uh, it's definitely one you should watch. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's, if you're into documentary film, I would almost say it's a required viewing, because it really makes you kind of look at documentaries in a different light, I would it, say. It's very essential in today's world where do, uh, documentaries are strewn about the place, whether it's Netflix, Hulu, yeah. or uh, Amazon Prime, so. Yeah, but anyway, that's number five. I, I also like the other one, too, because I like... Oh, I haven't seen the other one, yeah. Oh, you should watch the other one. Yeah. Just, just like throw it on because it's still kind good... of like shits on the other one. No, I know, but and the other so, one is also just a fine documentary about yeah. the amazing Jonathan, yeah. and you get to learn his story and you know learn about him, yeah, which is nice too. This, the scene <laughs> in this film when he goes to the screening of the other documentary, yeah. he's just like it's it's so awkward. Like, yeah. Anyway, cool, Brad. My number five is the most charming film I saw this year. There's sheep in this world, and there are wolves in this world. And I know that you two boys are just two weary travelers who lost their way. So, we're going to clean you up right with a baptism. I'm more of a baptism by fire type. Okay. Come to my wrestling school and become a badass. That's what he wants to do with the rest of his life. Yes, it is. You let a half-naked boy with Down syndrome who has no idea how to get along in this world just slip out from under your nose. You two are close. We are. Well, then you'll figure out where he's at and you'll bring him back. Are you following me? Maybe we could be friends and buddies. Bro, dogs, and chill. Have a good time. So the wrestling school is made? Yeah. One long road leads all the way down. I'll drop you there then. I'm looking for a missing person. Have you seen him? A little man on a lamb. Make your girlfriend back there, Eleanor. Two bandits on the run. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah. Rule number one, don't slow me down. Rule number two, I'm in charge. Hey, what's rule number one? Party. No, not party. Me. 
You have a young boy with Down syndrome in the middle of nowhere. All right, well, while you've been doing paperwork, we've been doing something called living. Oh, man! Tyler, I'm gonna give you all of my wishes for my birthday. I made a promise to him, give him that wrestling school in Aiden. No, we're not gonna hop on your yeah. little raft and cruise around down the river. Hey, Eleanor, I don't wanna go home. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So, how far is it? About that far in the map. Are your fingers to scale? Yep. I think it's time for us to go back now. We could be a family. Friends are the family you choose. Wrestlers got alter egos. You need a name. Falcon! Peanut Butter Falcon! So yeah, my number five is the Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, cool. A boy with Down Syndrome who wants to be a wrestler. Uh, he's an orphan. He escapes. Uh, he's in an old folks home because the state just doesn't know what to do with him. Um, so he escapes and he crosses paths with Shia LaBeouf who is... Uh, his brother's recently died, and he's just kind of lost in the world, and he's got uh, John Hawks and, a, uh, I guess, they're, they're creditors, basically. So he's on the lam from them, so they cross paths, and they just kind of teach each other how to cope with life. Um, and Dakota Johnson's just trying to get him back, and uh, she falls into their little adventure, and it's it's sweet and tons of fun. So I regret only seeing it once in the theater. Yeah, this is that one that, like, I know, I know if I had gotten a chance to see this was would would fuck up my list. Like, it, yeah. So, <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Well, in, in, in 2029, when I get to redo this <laughs> list. <laughs> we'll look back on it. My fondly. new number one is. <laughs> I don't know why you're old in my little sketch there. It's <laughs> crazy James died right before he announced it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Number one is. Ah! Oh, uh, right. Me. Um. So my number five uh, is not the fifth movie in its series. What? There what? we go. Here's my number five. What? Why am I alive? <gasps> you are a toy. You belong to Bonnie. These are your friends. Oh, Woody, I have a question. Um, well, actually, not just one. I have all the questions. Who wants to go on a road trip? Me! Vacation! You need help with that. No, no, I got it. <laughs> I know, this is a little strange, but we all have to make sure nothing Woody! happens to Forky. Woody! <gasps> uh, something happened to him. Buzz, we gotta get Forky. Roger that. The panic is attacking me. Change of plans. Jesse, Ham, Buzz, Bo, Rex, Potato Head. Hey, watch it, Where buddy. Where do we go? Let's go save a spork. Do I need to be worried? Well, my guys are veterans. They'll hang in there. On my way, Woody! I know the perfect toy to help. Duke Kaboom, Canada's greatest stuntman. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yes. He's posing. Yeah. Duke, we need Hold to... Hold on. One more. Oh, yeah. save me i've known that guy my whole life two days 
Is that how we look on the inside? There's so much fluff. We have to find him, Mom. Bonnie needs Forky. Aw, Sheriff Woody always coming to the rescue. That's gonna be quite a jump for you and Duke. For me? Let's kaboom. Go! That's where Forky is being kept. How do we get that key? What about the old plush rush? There you go. Oh, where did you two come from? Well, we're not doing that. Yeah, so our number five yeah. is Toy Story 4. Which is a brilliant movie. Oh, it's so good. Just uh, when that trailer started, I'm like, this is a children's movie that asks the question, why am I alive? Yep. That's what we're talking about here. And it, uh, Woody is my favorite character throughout the series. Yeah. And so that a movie focuses on him mm-hmm. is, is always going to be on my list. Yeah. Um, I feel like they almost intentionally dumb buzz down in this movie yeah. in order to make it to make you like, oh, hey, this is about Woody. Yeah. Because, I mean, Buzz had his moment in the first one. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. now it's Woody's and, turn. And kind of yeah. the second one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just amazing. Like I love Bonnie so much. Like they've made Bonnie into more of a character than yep. I feel like Andy ever really was. And and except for maybe three. Great about Pixar yeah. is they keep on questioning after like Toy Story two is like, do you really need another Toy Story? Yeah. Then after Toy Story three, you go, come on. Well, and I mean, the last scene in Toy Story three is pretty. Well, but it's also up. because like the the stories they're telling actually just keep getting more mature. Yeah, and like I mean, this is this is a movie about being an empty nest parent. Mm -hmm. Like this is about watching your kids go to college and how much that hurts. Like, and that's just crazy. And you know, of course as a kid, you're going to watch this movie and be like, Oh, what a great fun adventure. But this probably hurts parents way more than like even their kids will ever realize, you know, know, even Woody Um, realizes at the end that, um, you know, he, he deserves to be happy. It's not about making someone else. It's, What about him? And it's it's kind of like the sister film to to um, Toy Story three in yeah. that like the end of Toy Story three is very much about like that time where you have to grow up and leave your toys mm-hmm. behind, and this is the one about like well yeah but what about when your toys grow up and they yeah. have to leave you behind? Ah man, it's just incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible um, film. It's yeah. also and an unofficial sequel to Keanu. <laughs> <laughs> it's also just beautiful. Yeah, oh, like yeah. that that those opening scenes in the rain. Like, <laughs> Brooks and I started the movie because this movie came out the same week that my daughter was born, so we didn't see it uh, in theaters. So um, we started playing it at home and just, Not like, an excuse. just got silent. Because mm-hmm. those opening shots, you're like, holy shit, what are we looking at? How is this happening? This is great. So Yep, love that movie. Disney's yep. really good at animating things. Yeah, yeah. they are. So, cool. Great. Uh, yeah. My number five also has Keanu Reeves in it weird um and is the best rom-com of the year without a doubt john wick here's the trailer you're gonna be late all right i look good yes water that came from your thigh gap no thank you thanks for calling it a gap we are hatching up with celebrity chef sasha trent and her fiance brandon Choi. what a great cause huh We're opening a new restaurant, and I need you in San Francisco. Uh, hey! Hi, Marcus. Yeah, hi, Sasha. Hi. Hello. Hi. Long time. 
Yes, yes, very long time. What's up? Sasha Trash! Mr. Kim! You're like our own Asian Oprah. How much money do you have now? <laughs> He's serious. Oh. I'm surprised you two lost touch. You used to be so close. So, when's the big wedding day? He wants to travel a bit before we settle down. It's really for the both of us. I finally realized that I don't want to get married. Are you kidding me? You're a piece of shit! I can tell you're a little... I hope you get malaria and shit yourself to death, you shitty piece of shit! A little softer, please. You are scaring the goats. I guess I have to start dating again. Ugh, is there anything worse? You and Marcus are so cute. Mm. No, no. Remind me why you never got together? There's way too much history there. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You still have the Corolla? What are you looking at? My backseat? Because we had sex back there? Oh my god! So what do you think? That it might be even smaller and grosser than I remember. Yeah, you better still be talking about my backseat. You don't want to wonder what if. Tell her how you feel, son. I have some news. So do I. It's big. Mine's big too. Okay, look, um... Okay, I want to go first. I met someone. Wow, that's, that's so great. We had the most insane, freaky-ass sex. I can't even talk about it, otherwise... Yeah, let's stop habit. talking about it. Oh, there he is. Oh, my God. Hi, baby. Hi, Mr. Flash. Hi, Mr. Thighs. Mr. Beard scratching my thighs. Hi, Mr. Taste. And Mr. Thumbs. You're so good with your thumbs. Fucking hilarious. Cool. Uh, yeah, there's like a... Oh, it's always be my maybe, by the way. Um, it's I mean, it's funny throughout, but there's a sequence in the middle when they go eat at a fancy restaurant that's just absolutely gut-wrenching. I think I had to pause and just like laugh because I was laughing so hard that I just couldn't... I was like, oh, need to take a minute here. Awesome. <laughs> But and it's heartwarming. I think it has like a good amount of heart and humor to it. So, and that's what you you want in a rom com. Cool. Yeah. You know, you want it to be romantic and comedic. Definitely stands <laughs> out on the Netflix as you mentioned it before, and that's why I watched it. Hmm. And it definitely stands out in Netflix's original movies yeah. of not goodness. It's better than uh, Christmas with the Prince or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Christmas Prince, Prince one, two, Christmas and three. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I forget the main gal, uh, Allie, Allie Wong. Wong. Yeah, and I've seen her, some of her stand-up, but she's she's great. She needs to write and act in more stuff. Because she wrote this movie, right? Yeah. Or she, I think oh, she wow. co-wrote it, at least. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Check Fun. it out. Always be my maybe. Cool. All right. Zach, you're number four. All right, my number four... Um, I should have said, like, my one through five could have been my number, like, any one of them could have been a number one for me. Um, that's all, That's often true. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, for me, like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. This particular mm. one, um, it's a film uh, with a sense of humor that I didn't really think I'd see again uh, in films. And uh, oh, it's it's a film that I wish that I had, uh, again, another one that I wish I had seen more, but it was so strong. And uh made me laugh and terrified all at once. <laughs> <laughs> okay, goodbye, everybody.
Das machst du, Jojo. Ja, top man. Prepare to leave the house. Today you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, ambush techniques, the blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Was? Of course you can. Aber dann kommst du. When I was your age, I had an imaginary friend. Got me in so much trouble. Kids, it's time to burn some books. Yeah! You're growing up too fast. Ten-year-olds shouldn't be celebrating war and talking politics. Hi, Hitler. I wish more of our young boys had your blind fanaticism. <laughs> Did you know Jews can read each other's minds? But how would you know if you saw one? They could look just like us. Hi. You know what I am? Say A Jew. Gesundheit. Sheesh, that was intense. What am I going to do? No idea. Got it! I will negotiate. Burn down the house and blame Winston Churchill. Or negotiate. If I tell on you, you'll be in big trouble. They'll never win. Love is the strongest thing in the world. Your mother took me in. She's kind. She treats me like a person. You two seem to be getting on well. She doesn't seem like a bad person. I'm the enemy. You're not a Nazi, Jojo. You're a ten-year-old kid. Who likes dressing up in a funny uniform and wants to be part of a club? Yogi? Oh, God. Nothing makes sense anymore. Yeah, I know. It's definitely not a good time to be a Nazi. So yeah, my number four is Jojo Rabbit. Um, I know this is going to be talked about by others, so I'll be brief. At least um, it wasn't his number seven. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Henry. Um, yeah, no. Um, Jojo Rabbit um, takes on Lubitian and Brooks qualities that I think are very hard to pull off today. Um, even when something comes very close, it doesn't always hit the mark for me. Um, YTV has shown through most of his filmography, whether it's What We Do in the Shadows, Hunt for the Wilded People, or even Thor Ragnarok, that he has found a way to evolve uh, what Brooks uh, did in the 70s and 80s and in late late 60s and what Lubitsch was doing in the studio era. And um, it's to tackle tough subjects in a satirical form that uh, treads very dangerous lines. And I think this film... Uh, walks a very thin line and within the first five minutes you you are either on board or you're not um, and I feel that I, I, I said it on the episode and I'll say it again I think Waititi's performance is both hilarious and terrifying because of how it actually grows and turns into just straight up like scary shit Hitler um, yeah and uh, and um He's eating a fucking unicorn. It's almost like he turns into Hitler. Yeah, and um, the kid who plays JoJo is fantastic, and you know he's he it, the character grows and evolves um, uh, through that script, and uh, everybody in this cast is fucking fantastic. Sam Rockwell still has th- one of my favorite jokes of this year is 
a joke that shouldn't work today, which is, you know, when I asked for German shepherds, I didn't mean German shepherds, and then it cuts to a group of people who are shepherds. And then he has the line where he's like, don't worry, it's a stupid name for a dog. That's a joke. That's a Brooks joke that doesn't work. That shouldn't work today, but it absolutely works because YTD knows how to craft it correctly. So, um, and I understand that, you know, it, 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 it because it treads those lines it's it's a it's a polarizing film to a certain degree but i really appreciated what it was doing what the message is uh and the the effort by ytd i think is worthy of merit so cool it's a good movie it is a good movie <clears throat> so this is my number four it's another documentary the sport is beautiful you train so hard, no matter how bad people are treating you. Because you want that Olympic dream. Not just physically, but mentally, you have to protect your athletes. Hi, nice to meet you there again, sir. For me, he was like a friend that I could go to. I really thought that Hugh had been helping me. He was so good at being who he was. I would text him almost daily. We really loved him. This is the Olympic doctor. Wow. What have you done? I was brainwashed to believe this was a valid medical procedure. He would talk to the parents while he was doing this. Who goes to their doctor's basement? Every organization had a chance to stop. So many people came forward. Judge, I would ask you to grant me five minutes in a locked room with this demon. They're taking back their voice, but they shouldn't have had to use it. I just signed your death warrant. How much is a little girl worth? Look around the courtroom. Remember what you have witnessed. Because everything is what these survivors are worth. All right, yeah. My number four is at the heart of gold. Bring the house down, Henry. Yeah, uh, it's uh, no Hitler doesn't really... seem so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, a it's joke. a great uh, documentary. Uh, just following the whole Larry Nasser scandal and situation. Uh, it's horrifying, like how they describe like how he was able to get away with it because it's something like he like sexually assaulted over four hundred people, <laughs> like uh, in his lifetime, and it's just like a really like. It's really haunting, like, one, how he was able to do it and how he was able to convince people it was okay. Uh, and it kind of follows, like, the scandal from, like, day one to the end. Uh, it's just a... It's a hard watch, like, obviously, but it's just a... I don't know, just... It's a very... Like, I remember I watched it, and it was like, I wouldn't... When I have a daughter, never... I'm never allowing her to go into gymnastics. <laughs> so, like, it seems like it's way better made than the Harvey Weinstein one. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I've seen both, and like this one, like everyone's one didn't open any doors. Yeah, this one is like horrifyingly shocking. How, mm. like, because I think like cause everyone knows that the situation happened basically. Yeah, but no one knows the details, and the details are where it gets really disturbing. Yeah, it sounds um, like it makes uh, Finding Neverland or Leaving Neverland kind of feel like a Marvel movie. Yeah, <laughs> like in a way. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's very very well done. Like how it's made as well. Yeah. Um. Uh, there's like one part in it where like they're interviewing one of the girls, and I and I was the uh, the coach for the Olympic coach for one year, 
uh, and they how they introduce that character is they ask the this uh, gymnast who is I can't remember his name who is this person and without hesitation she goes the devil um, and it's just it really shows just how fucked up that entire like sub like that entire sport basically is yeah. uh, and how you have to physically break yourself before you turn ten in order to yeah. actually succeed in it even with taking the Larry Nash stuff out of the film and how yeah. Like, the gymnast scene is so horrifying. Um, but uh, it's a very well-done film. She also... The director also made another HBO film that was, like, my number 11 of the year called uh, uh, I Love You, Now Die, which is uh, a documentary on... You probably remember it. Uh, there was a situ- There was a lawsuit where a teenage girl text... Basically, like, texted oh, yeah, her yeah, yeah. boyfriend oh, to kill himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's an... It's, yeah. That's also an incredible documentary. It, it keeps getting, like, you know, popping up on Netflix as like, hey, you should watch this. And I, I'm like, ah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know that I have it. That's right another now. HBO doc that's, like, in two parts. That's, oh, that's right. It's on HBO. Yeah. That's right. And it's incredible. I Both these John Oliver on HBO. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Number four. Okay. Thanks. Henry. <sighs> Are we all okay? Yeah. We get through it? Brad? Don't worry, guys. I have the antidote. My number four is a repeat. It is Toy Story 4. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, that's a good place. Um, yeah, my number four is the fourth movie in this saga of <laughs> toys. What a good joke you made. Yeah. <laughs> um, three is probably still my favorite, but I'm impressed with like four finding new ways to push the story forward. Yeah. Um, again, like asking the toys to examine like how they exist. And then also, you know, looking at uh, like Woody's loyalty uh, to his career, I guess. Uh, and why, why does that matter? Um, and giving him freedom to do what he wants uh, and breaking him away from that. So, uh, and of course the animation is amazing. Um, probably the first time in the theater, I got theater. I got emotional <laughs> over a scene, yeah. like watching him say goodbye to the toys. Yeah. Uh, although I'm pretty sure they'll find I each other know. again for whatever. I would really hope they don't. I always say that, but here we are at four, so they, they well fair. I, yeah, I, another ten. And then yeah, because even if they did, it'll be really good. Yeah, it, it, right. if it whatever takes another ten do. years, yeah. great. That's hey smart. Bonnie, remember that carnival we went through that one time? <laughs> Let's go back. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, we left something behind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Toy Story Four is great. So yeah. it's funny. Even you introducing the idea of like picking a favorite among Toy Story movies just stressed me out. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, but remember Jesse's song? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's yeah. With each one, it, two comes along. The whole Jesse's song, yeah. and three like they almost just die. You're like, right. I would have been fine if the series ended with them dying. Like, it made sense. Toy Story yeah. 5 will be about how Buzz joins a legion of uh, toys who are also spies, mm-hmm. and they have to go around and solve the environmental issues. Sure. That's the plot of Cars 2, in case I'm you didn't aware. pick up on that. Uh, <laughs> what a god-awful movie. Hey, my, hey, number cool, four, <laughs> my number four is a repeat. Wow. My number four is Knives Out. Um, Tag team! Oh, yeah. hey. oh. My number four is Knives Out. Oh, cool. Wow. Man, that sounds like a good place to put it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, obviously, I, I love this You'll movie. I love Ryan Johnson. Nice this was one of those that, like, I just desperately had to make, get to the theater as quick as I could uh, to see it. Um, he left Leona on top of the car. She'll be fine. I did, yeah. Um, Sorry, you're not old enough to see Ryan Johnson's greatness. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just it blew me away at every turn. I, I just think this movie is incredible. Um, 
Yeah, and and honestly should be my number one of the year, but it's not. For reasons. For reasons. <laughs> it's not because it's a bad movie. It's just that no, there are a few just there's other that, things. Are, uh, that are better. Yeah. More important. Yeah. yeah. Sort of. Yeah. It's a it's a fun movie on first watch, and it's a fun movie on second and third yeah. watch. Yeah. Um, I Like I said, I think this has rewatch re- value. Um, I love how tight the dialogue is and how mm-hmm. things that come up before come back. The line that um, Harlan says early about Ransom and how he's like, kid couldn't tell a real knife from a stage prop. And then, of course, that comes back in that final showdown at the end. And, you know, the whole book ending with the coffee mug, like I mentioned on the episode. Um, If I had, like, a few, like, little things about it that kind of irk me, it's that we don't find out what happens to Great Nana. (laughs) <laughs> I'm died. like uh, she old. lives forever. <laughs> well, I mean, like, is she gonna live in the she's... house with with um, Marta? No one cares. No. Uh, yeah, I think she stays there because she's a vampire. <laughs> um, so, and I know Zach mentioned earlier about like the blood on the shoe, which I mean, that is kind of a cool moment there at the end where he's like, "Yeah, I figured you were involved when I saw the blood on your shoe." And yeah. like I said on second watch, I noticed that he. <laughs> looks her up and down when he meets her the first time and spends oh. a second looking at her shoes. Yeah. But I'm like, um, she's a nurse and a person. She could have just gotten that blood on her shoe from literally anything else. Ooh, like yeah. That could be a stain that's like a month or two old. Well, but, but she's no, a but nurse she's just the, for him. Yeah, she's, she's just his, his nurse. nurse. She's yeah. not like a goes into the yeah, hospital. Yeah, but she's also like. just a person. What if she was just home making something? Oh, likely okay. story. Yeah, her, you know, whatever. This is a good setup for in the future when suddenly Corinne's got a lot of blood on her shoes. <laughs> you know? And she shows up at work and somebody's like, well, what's going on? Well, I'm a reporter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to go to the blood factory today. <laughs> I'm just saying, sometimes you get blood on your clothes. Uh, also, what happens? Did you, what did you know? No. <laughs> I should have brought it up when I did mine, but um, uh, the Alamo Draft House uh, for its No Talking, No Texting video, Four Knives Out. Oh yeah, spoils, a spoiler spoils the whole damn movie. Oh really? No, yeah. no. A okay, well, not the a, whole damn. It does movie, not but. spoil the whole damn movie. And B, it's a perfectly fine, fun joke that yes. After you includes, see the movie, you, you just, see the yeah. movie, you go, oh no, uh, shit. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. ooh. You, yeah, I don't know. I it didn't paid see to go to the Alamo. Alamo. Uh, it's in in the thing like Ryan Johnson tells you not to talk, and then he stabs what's his face, the guy from uh, Dode from Brick. Um, he stabs him with a fake knife, oh. like a whole bunch of times, and then it falls apart. Right, and so, yeah. so. Oh, I thought it was going to end with like that one character going, "And I killed her." Yeah. Like, <laughs> so. Um, one more thing I'll say is that um, I saw this thing on Twitter where they talked about that shot um, when they're interviewing Jamie Lee Curtis's character, and you see like the reflection of the window in her glasses. That was something that they had to like. Like, a guy stood there with, like, a thing and had that happen because, mm. like, the where like the where the window was and the place they were, like, it yeah. wouldn't have actually shown up that way. Huh. So that was something that they did on set to get that effect. Oh, that's cool. It's yeah. just something that's just a little Ryan tiny Johnson thing. Johnson to make movies. Ah, uh, yeah. It's almost but... like he's really far gone. Movie. <laughs> I shook his hand once. He was pretty dope. Yeah. <laughs> he said I was nice. So, yeah, good movie. <laughs> I told him to make a good Star Wars movie, and he did. <laughs> 
Ryan? Uh, my number four is a tough watch. Um, it's another movie that it sucks that you're stuck with a character who's a horrible person. Uh, he's also not a reliable narrator. Uh. <clears throat> <clears throat> Can you please stop bothering my kid? Sorry. Arthur. I have some bad news for you. <laughs> this is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. world where everyone thinks they could do my job check out this guy when i was a little boy and told people i was going to be a comedian everyone laughed at me well no one's laughing now you can say that again pal it's so awful isn't it For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed, but I do. And people are starting to notice. You think this is funny? Is this a joke to you? Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? Yeah, Joker is my number four. I liked it because it uh, it's a different take on the character. I appreciate um, have me stuck with a character who's not a good person again. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes a lot of choices that I mean, as you go throughout the film, you realize that maybe he didn't even make the choices. Uh, he maybe he lives in his own world. Um, yeah, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix is amazing in the movie. Uh, it's it's a performance that's really dark, but you start to sympathize with him a little bit until you start really getting into the nitty gritty of the movie. And then you realize he's not a good person at all. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, a good, fascinating film. It's a good horror movie. Yeah. Really good horror movie. I'm really glad that someone got on their list because I really like the film a lot and I was hoping someone would. It's a movie I think that sticks with you for a little bit too, because the ending, um, not at like the very ending, but uh, when he gets on the Maury show um, yeah. and, the Murray show and I was gonna say he goes on Murray. Yeah, he gets on the Murray <laughs> is show. Is he the father? And uh, <laughs> and he has he has a great monologue during it. And I mean, spoilers. Um, he does something horrendous on the show. Yeah. And uh, you know, when this film was coming out, people were worried about the violence. There's actually not too much violence in it. Mm-hmm. I think the violence is shocking though, because mm-hmm. um, the way it's shot, the way it's staged, the um, I don't care that I did this attitude towards it. 
I think is what makes it horrifying. Um, scene in the apartment is one of the one of the oh, yeah. scariest scenes in a movie this year, hands down. Yeah, and I just I I always like um, I know I think I kind of went dark this year in my list, but like there, there's a lot of movies that I, I think when you're stuck with a character that isn't a good person, mm-hmm. make a really fascinating character study for the film. Mm-hmm. You don't always pull it off, but when you do, like the Joker or with Uncut Gems, I think you have uh, special films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach, number three. My number three is a film that uh, features one of my favorite themes, which is uh, regret. Uh, And also, it's very fucking long. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's my three, too. I was going to make a joke. If you have three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Tag team review between Zach and Henry. Frank Sheeran. Am I saying that right? Yeah, you said it right. Uh, Under the contract... Management can only fire a driver on very specific charges. So, you ever show up late? No. Do you have any moving violations? No. Do you drink on the job? No. Do you ever hit anybody? On a job? Yeah. I don't think so. All right, then. We don't have nothing to worry about. I want you to meet my cousin, Russell Buffalino. How are you? Hi, nice to meet you. It was like the army. You followed orders. You did the right thing. You got rewarded. A friend of ours is having a little trouble. Friend at the top. Back then, there was nobody in this country who didn't know who Jimmy Hoffa was. You always charge a guy with a gun. With a knife, you run away. So you charge with a gun, with a knife, you run. Hiya, Frank. Would you like to be a part of history? Yes, I would. Big business and the government are working together, trying to pull us apart. Something's got to be done. What else you say? Now's not the time to not say. We're going at war with these people. War. Things have gotten out of hand with our friend. You gotta sit down, everybody says so. I'm not sitting down. I can't do it. It's what it is. What it is. I know things. They don't know I know. It's going to happen. Either way, he's going. You know, I don't, uh, I don't care whether you did it or not. That makes no difference to me. Yeah, I know. I'm here to defend you, right? Right. What do you want to know? You want to know if I did it or not? (laughs) So, yeah, The Irishman, or as it is titled at the front of the movie, I Hear You Paint Houses. So he was able to get yeah. his actual title. Yeah. In that, that was a weird choice. Um, yeah. I think it's yeah, because I thought there were going to be chapters. Like I thought, I, I basically thought those were episode names, mm-hmm. and then you I, know they I have, never happen again. I have a feeling it's because the Irishman is a more marketable name, and I hear you paint houses doesn't. But he's Scorsese, and it's for net. I understand. Yeah. I, I like I said, I don't know exactly why. Like I've never, I haven't heard an interview it yet. Sounds where he, like he's he'll... just stubborn. And just wanted to name it that. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, The Irishman, or I Hear You Paint Houses, is from Martin Please Like Me, James Scorsese. Um, and uh, I I love the film primarily because 
It's a movie that, in to my estimation, asks a lot of people who think they like Scorsese movies, hey, why do you like these movies? Because the last third of this film spits in the face of people who admire Goodfellas for the wrong reasons or Casino for the wrong reasons. Um, on top of that, it is, I think, a, sprawl, a, a beautiful sprawling epic, which I think Scorsese is good at making those. And in this particular one, I like that I'm sitting with those characters for as long as I am, because when the final act hits, um, it's it earns that I to my to my mind, it earns the runtime because of those that final act um, and the ability to live in uh, De Niro's regrets throughout the <clears throat> the preceding two acts and. What is life like for a person who lives that lifestyle? What are the consequences of that lifestyle? Who do you affect in that lifestyle? I understand that the fact that Anna Paquin is in it for one line and like kind of silent throughout the rest of the film is an issue of contention with people. I Again, feel that's the point. Yeah, exactly. Really? That's the point well, the, of the, the movie. The point is that they don't have that he doesn't allow her to talk. And then she, yes. she has like one line. That's the point. It's like that. Right. And her line is the most important line. She, he never. Con- yeah. He never connected with her once, and that's the consequence that he has to live with: is that he never got to really know his family because he was stuck. You should in his be life careful. Story. Anna Paquin's boyfriend and husband is a vampire. Ah, yeah, yeah. That show. Also, if you kiss her, <laughs> she, uh, she sucks all your abilities out. Yep. So be careful. Also, yeah, the piano. Also, I've only seen daughter. forty-five minutes of this. Also, movie. she has a trained flock of geese, and she can use them to attack you. I'll, I'll fly, fly away. away home. And she's really good at playing the piano. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, um, and I think all the performances are incredible. Um, I actually think that Pacino in this film is, uh, uh, I, to my mind, it's a little reserved compared to what he usually does. I obviously he has the freakout scene. And um, he has a little bit of bombacity, but Jimmy Hoffa was a bombastic figure. Mm. So it actually fits. But when he's quiet, he's quiet Um, or just, you know, soft spoken. And I think this is an amazing Pesci role because he's not running around like Tommy in Goodfellas, Mm -hmm. just doing the same thing you expect him to do. Like he's he's a psychopath in a different way where he just understands that this is how things work. And he's just lived to accept that. He doesn't react. He's just going along with it. Mm-hmm. He that the one of the greatest lines in the movie is it is what it is. It's just a great line because of what that what it kind of says about the entirety of not just this film but this genre. This is just how the these guys live their lives, and I think that the uh, uh, it's just a small thing for me, but the fact that. Uh, Scorsese and Rickles, Don Rickles were friends because he was in Casino and they just knew each other throughout his life. For him to do an homage to Rickles in the movie, just a tiny thing I thought was a very nice little treat. Um, obviously, it's not an affecting factor for the being on my list, but I just thought it was nice. So, uh, yeah, uh, Henry, why did you like it? I wrote a review. You can go read that. <laughs> <laughs> and your it's review a, is awesome. I mean, the, the, in short, like, it's a film made for old white guys, but that's the point because it's critiquing old white guys. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, like, it's not going to be for everyone because it's not critiquing you, and you don't, you don't need to see it. Yeah, old yeah. white dudes need to see it. And if you so. and if you walked out, of the, and it, I mean, this is not to say anything against Ryan because I know you haven't finished it yet. You're not an old white dude, though. No, 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 no. But if you watched the movie and thought it was boring because nothing violent was really happening, because this movie's very viol- very violent oh. from a distance. If you thought that that uh, it wasn't as exciting as like a Goodfellas or anything like that, you watched the movie wrong, 
or you just don't understand what well, good and evil are. Yeah, I don't no, think the movie is boring because no, it, I'm not it, saying that for you. No, I understand yeah. why you. No, I just the movie is fucking boring. It's, it's, way, yeah. it's really long. It's way too long. Yeah, it, no. it, there's a lot of fat. So I, I think that if you trimmed the fat on this movie, it would be my second favorite Scorsese movie. Yeah. I, I think this movie fixes everything it's that's terrible about Goodfellas and Casino. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of the story that it's actually telling is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, I said this during the trailer, the fact that it's about a real story um, not redeems the characters, but makes it interesting to me, even though it's still about characters I don't like. Well, Goodfellas is based on real people, too. And this one in particular, it's not important if he actually killed Hoffa or not, because that's oh, been no, no. a part yeah, of contention. Yeah. But uh, that, That's actually the part that I love is that he just he makes that the least interesting part of the movie, yeah. which I think is fantastic. It's yeah. it, like um, the assassination scene is yeah, the best scene of the film. Because it's so blunt. Yeah. If, so... You, if you want a he's buried in Yankee Stadium movie, go talk to Oliver Stone and he'll make you some dumb shit. But <laughs> like this is actually a really good movie. It's just an hour and a half too long. Right. Um, well, so, I don't yeah. have to worry about seeing it because Henry just told me I don't have to. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. And again, I wasn't or, trying to insinuate that you. I mean, well, you pretty much did. I, I didn't. It's like <laughs> you should probably see it. You should probably see it before season two comes out. <laughs> I mean, I imagine people who like no. stupid people who like Spider Man aren't going to yeah. like the film. Or, but. I mean, people just want to watch for uh, violence. And Ryan, like you, because if you're missing the violence, no, I don't uh, like uh, it. Uh, tea and crumpets no, uh, yeah, no. uh, going downstairs. <laughs> uh. No, I'm talking about people who like. When they watch Goodfellas, they want to be those characters. Yeah, yeah. No. it's that's the people who have about. Goodfellas yeah. posters and Scarface posters on their wall. Exactly, yeah. the and people this who, movie is not for those. The, that's the people who watch trash. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you didn't like it because it was boring, that's a that's a a bit of a valid criticism. But people like that who have those posters yeah. on their wall and admire. No, I'm, I'm just teasing. Tommy and I just, Henry. I just can't get into it. Yeah, no, I feel you. Yeah, yeah. slow. Brad. Brad. Uh, my number three is a repeat, and I think a tag team review. Oh, is this? Is this? Is this? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you mean? You, you mean? This guy? Yeah. I made these way too long. <laughs> yeah, Joe. Oh, Jojo. Yeah. So tag team between me and Ryan for Jojo Rabbit. Um, yeah, this movie's great. Yeah, it's awesome. That's cool. one of those movies where it's <laughs> it's a feel good s- story that has racism. <laughs> it's like, it's really weird. You don't expect to laugh and have fun with it and they they tease you throughout the film with um showing scarlett johansson's feet constantly and break your heart later. and then break your heart yeah Tino loved it <laughs> probably <laughs> uh it's just it's just really well done and uh i love the little uh tarantino's like in, jojo's friend in it uh like a porn house like uh yeah yorkie is amazing in it yeah i have nightmares about that henry because <laughs> he talks about having a paper like uniform it's sad but <laughs> yeah, but, but, what, so but what i really love too though he, he says uh you know jojo is this brainwashed nazi and he says uh you know i have a jewish like girlfriend or something he's like oh that's good jojo like his right. friend doesn't care no yeah <laughs> he's they're bigger things right now than yeah. jews like communists yeah exactly <laughs> or the russians or something like russians? that yeah <laughs> so that's, a, that's a timely yeah. joke right there yeah yeah <laughs> Yep, Jojo Rabbit is an amazing it's a good film. One. It's a good one. There's uh, the Museum of Tolerance did a screening of it, and they had like a discussion about it. And it was a really interesting discussion about how we portray Nazis, how we portray mm-hmm. Hitler on film, and mm-hmm. I'd highly recommend checking that out. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And when I saw it, and he kicked Hitler out of like the window, the audience cheered. It was <laughs> oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, cool. Uh, my number three 
is a movie that's not been on anybody else's list, which <gasps> means that it's probably not on anybody's list. This movie is not better than Knives Out. But this movie was just so perfect for me and did something really special. So my number three is... He saw him 40X, so I gave him a wraparound. Wow. <laughs> really? Oh, red flag for James. <laughs> I can't believe. Baby Bats, I choose you as a champion. Say my name so my powers will become yours. Wait, for real? Say it, okay! Say my name. It's crazy, right? What are your superpowers? Superpowers, dude? I don't even know how to pee in this thing. This is proof of authenticity. Super strength. Electricity manipulation. Hyperspeed. I'd like to purchase some of your finest beer, please. His name is Captain Sparkle Fingers. No, it's not. It's not my. That's not my name. Chosen one. Oh, you're like a bad guy, right? You literally did the opposite of what a superhero is supposed to do. You're him. You're the hero. You're welcome for not getting robbed. My bad man. Get him back in! How old are you? Basically 15. Electrocuted a bus and almost killed these people. And then I caught it! You leave tall buildings in a single bound. Sorry, uh, I didn't know I was sweeping somebody. I was just expecting I was putting this higher than anybody else would. But for me, I, I was so pleasantly surprised by this. Um, I think this is the best DC movie, period. Uh, and the the reason why I ended up putting it higher on my list than maybe it should be or whatever um, is because this movie actually did for me something that I think everybody else got with Iron Man. Um, there is a moment near the end where it sort of breaks traditional superhero movie rules um, in the same way that I think for other people when they got to the end of Iron Man 1 and he reveals who he is and everybody was like, holy shit. And I remember being in the theater and everybody was like, wowed. And I heard people like stand up and leave the theater and talking about it. And I went, oh, you all thought like you didn't know, like because I knew going mm -hmm. in, like, well, everybody knows who Iron Man is. Like it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And so that was such a special moment for everybody else. For me, I didn't realize until the moment the movie does it. Like, oh, we're going to break this traditional rule. And so when it did, it was one of the most joyous movie moments I had in a theater this year. Like, that was just such this wonderful release. Are you um, talking about so the family? I'm Yeah, right. Um, that yeah, was that, a great moment. That moment for me is just so great. Um, so, yeah, it's my, uh, it's my number three. Yeah, no, Kellen watched it, and uh, all 
like few hours afterwards he just kept on running back and forth going shazam yeah <laughs> and i realized that you know as a kid that'd be, be the coolest thing if you could just yeah. say a word and turn into like superman right you know yeah it's a great wish fulfillment yeah story um you know there's things i my biggest critique about the movie is i wish the monsters were less monstrous because this should actually be a pg movie sure. like they should have yeah, made this mean, yeah, a movie pretty, i mean they're pretty scary and violent right yeah that, that scene, scene in the, the boardroom the scene in the boardroom is really really a little over the top and if they had just brought that back a little bit and made them feel a bit more cartoonish um, I think that would have done the movie like a, gargoyles. A, a Just make them like yeah, gargoyles. Exactly. It had uh, yeah. it was David Sam- it was David Sandberg, the director from Animal Creation, did it and Lights Out and yeah. the huge horror director. Yeah. Oh. So he's got like he he puts a little bit of a horror flair in there where he can. No, no, but that's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. That shouldn't be there. I, I think. Well, I think. An- I think. Annabelle I think creation. he wants some tension. My de- my, yeah, my defense of that is Mark Strong's villain is such like a cartoon villain that I, the boardroom makes him feel like a, like there's more stakes to it. Like he's Maybe oh. a little. I, it, it gives them like more to be feared, I guess. Yeah, and I think I agree. For an adult, what I'm saying is, I think this movie would be so great if it was just a fa- a family movie. Yeah. And I think because that the imagery itself is a little more. I mean, look, it's, you're splitting hairs, but yeah. Well, it's, um, it sucks they got to like play to two audiences. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love too where Mark Strong is revealing his evil plan, and he's saying, "What? I can't hear you." <laughs> oh, it's so great. Yeah, <laughs> it's, awesome. it's so wonderful. That movie's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. Oh, right, because Ryan already went. Cool, yeah. Corinne. So, uh, my number three. Oh. I, was... oh. 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 I was gonna say, I expected the sweeper thing. Sorry. God, seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave, became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. The world has changed. None of us can go back. All we can do is our best. And sometimes the best that we can do is to start over. I saw all these people die. I keep telling everybody they should move on. Some do. Not us. Even if there's a small chance, we owe this to everyone who's not in this room to try. We will. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. it takes
I like this one. <laughs> cool, so, Zach, your number two? No, that, that James. So obviously my no, number three. We're going to talk three. about this a lot later and how wrong <laughs> you are. Shut up, Ryan. Zach this is, is my now entry. Out of the, Zach I is get now to talk about it. House. You heard it on the show. <laughs> Karin, okay, tell people so, what we just watched. So yeah, my number three is Endgame, which before you all jump on my ass, <laughs> I will say this was the most fun I had in the theater this year, period. Yeah. Okay. This was unbelievable. I remember going to the premiere with most of you guys and my friend Jerry was sitting next to me and as the credits were rolling, he was in tears mm -hmm. because yeah. of how much this movie meant to him as a comics fan. And I mean, I was in tears throughout different parts of the movie, even rewatching it the second and third time in the theaters. It was just, it's, it is a, a ride. And going back and rewatching other Marvel movies, it, this makes the other Marvel movies better. Amen. Um, I think I told you guys that when I, like I saw it on the Thursday, then the Friday I watched Iron Man and then I watched Endgame again the Saturday and holy shit, Iron Man is a better movie because of this. That line that um, Yeltsin, I think, says to him of, um, you know, don't waste your life. Mm -hmm. And that is just such a beautiful moment and this movie makes it even more so. Mm -hmm. And... It's really fucking good. The one problem I have with the movie, and it's a big one, is the fact that they killed off half the world's, half the universe's population and left them dead for five years and then decided to bring them back. Like, without really thinking about the repercussions that the of that. I heroes won at the end. No, 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 no. <laughs> you mean... Not like that. You, not, mean, you mean because they... Because... They, they because, left the time stream the way it is but brought everybody back. Right. Because that means that everybody who was alive during those five years has, has gone through the worst trauma possible. And then, like, everybody just comes back to life. It's yes, like, those, probably, but, like, once they were getting over everyone, they, or half of everyone they love being dead, right, everyone comes back. But, and, you know, hold on, but, you but you're, you're completely movie. ignoring part of what the whole point of that was, which was that during those five years, those people also lived lives, and you're... You're I get that. Writing off those people's lives and their ability to move on in that time if you undo it entirely, which is why Tony tells them that mm -hmm. they can't. Right? Because and he's got a very obvious example of like, hey, I have a life here that I moved on to, and yes, it's not what it's supposed to be, but I have like even in the dark stuff, like there is something here worth preserving. And I I will argue with you all day long. That is a hundred percent. I just don't think they gave the weight to that decision that it needed, and that's one of the reasons I did not like well, Spider Man Far From Home is because they just gloss over that as like a joke almost of like half so like four billion well, people were dead for five years. And then they just snap back to life, which great. Also, that's awesome. Who were but flying in planes, that got snapped back to life and then fell to the ground. Well, yeah, I mean, they, oh, sure. They, what I about think, all I those? I read that they explained that yes. in one line where they said, like, and they were conveniently on the ground. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, so... hey, it's we're talking about magical wishes. Yeah. They can be ex executed, however magical people make them happen. Um, but I mean, but what I, about I think those? That they, what... I think that they actually drive that home pretty clearly with him having a daughter. Like, I, I think that that is a. Um, 
a very deliberately handled part yeah, cause, of the story. I mean, and Tony even says, yeah. we go uh, back and bring them back. We don't change what's happened. And I would say, I but agree with you that Spider-Man walks But it's horrifying for the people who come back. And it's sure. like, you know, what if sure. some of their relatives died in those five years? Well, sure. I mean, to be fair. For them, all, it I, wouldn't feel like five years. But also for, for Spider-Man, yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home, <laughs> Spider-Man isn't about that one. Like, they may deal with that in the future. Um, but I, I think that's a... I, yeah, I like think I said, I think this deserved like a Twilight Zone esque, like way to handle this because this is such a huge situation. That's mm. like bringing those people back would have economic repercussions, government, to, like well, political I, I, repercussions. To, to be fair, I think like one thing you need to start doing as well is this isn't a movie anymore. Right. This is a series, and I'm yes. pretty sure that Phase Four is going to be all about this. Like I think every single film is going to be somehow yeah. tied to the. I, we, it so is, I don't. You it mean is like very likely? No, 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 no. Like okay. it is very likely that some of the things we're talking about are what WandaVision is about, or yeah. what Falcon and uh, Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier is about. Like you have a you have a universe here set up that has a lot of repercussions that I'm sure like, we will explore. Phase somewhere. one through three is basically all about how Tony Stark decided to become Iron Man <laughs> and the repercussions right. of that. Yeah. So now that he's gone, we can now do repercussions on this film. But yeah. so. given what we have right now and with how it's addressed in Spider-Man Far From Home, I don't think that something of that magnitude should be written off the way that it is, sure. at least at this point in time. Okay. Yeah. The greatest but it's still a really fucking good movie, okay? I can't believe you hate Avengers of all time. <laughs> That's my number three, Henry. I make it ten. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I can't believe it's yeah. not even on your list. Yeah. Yeah. Who would do that? All right. <laughs> Zach, uh, what's your number two? Um, My number two uh, kind of came in late in the game uh, on a platform where I was able to rewatch it multiple times. Um, it's from two of my favorite writers. Um, and the star of this film unexpectedly made me cry. It's showtime, y'all. You love him and I love him. Put your hands together. Dolomite is my name. Hey, you know, Auntie, I was thinking about putting out a comedy record. Comedy? You've been a singer, a shake dancer? It's real hard to break in. I do whatever it takes to get in. I come up with a new character. Dolomite is my name and... Fucking up, motherfuckers, is my game. Oh, what you do to your hair? You look like a pimp. It's all pretend. I just created a character. <laughs> you true. Pull on that. Oh, oh that's a wig. Yeah, that's right. Whatever it takes, I'm ready to do it. I got to be totally outrageous. It's filthy. You've got a product here that you can't sell or promote. All my life, people been telling me no. Really? Sometimes our dreams just don't come true. A man slam a door in my face, I just find another door. I want the world to know I exist. You can write. This ain't funny. And it ain't no brothers in it either. If I get up in that light with my own movie, I could be everywhere all at once. Let's bring Dolomite to the screen. The actors we hire, you're a bit doughier than them. Doughier? Hey, that's Durban Martin. I'm offering you a role in my new motion picture. You think you could just walk up here and hire me? No. What if we let you direct? 
In storytelling, it's always best to write what you know. You ain't nothing to talk about my personal life. I deal with the nightlife, club owners and mobsters and lots of pimps and kung fu. Do you know karate? No, but I'm a fast learner. I can learn how to chop me a motherfucker. Action. God damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know Cut. Was it good as shave? That's a great one. They really need to make some money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Dolomite yeah. is my name. Um, yeah. Um, I'm a very, very big fan of Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski. Um uh, Ed Wood was one of those films when I was younger that really, um, really kind of helped define how I approach looking at film. And a lot of it has to do with hanging out with your friends and having a good time. And that's kind of what Ed Wood purports in this, in the respect it's about a guy who like probably shouldn't be making movies, but has so much fun aspiring to it. Mm-hmm. And the ending of Ed Wood, even though it's kind of triumphant, it's also kind of a fallacy, which is intentional. Mm. Intentional in that film, because um, Ed, Ed Wood died in obscure, relative obscurity, an alcoholic. Dolomite is my name. Kind of does the flip side of that, where something very positive comes out at the end. No. Um, if you don't know, um, it's uh, it's it's Eddie Murphy plays. Um, oh my God! Why am I blanking on his name right now? Dolomite. No, yeah. don't, no, don't. <laughs> fuck. Oh he plays God. Dolomite. No, it, well, he plays Dolomite, but Dolomite. Uh, fuck. God damn it. That guy. Yeah. Eddie Murphy's character. Mr. Dude. I don't remember his oh, name either. I got it's fine. I'm trying to remember. Um, this is the thing. Like, I know, I know who the guy is because like Dolomite is an exploit is black exploitation film at the latter end of black exploitation films. Yeah. Um, that was kind of a. A, uh, a send-up of them. Rudy. Rudy. Rudy Raymore. That's right. Rudy Raymore. Sorry. Um, I'm kind of blanking. It's been a long show. Um, but Rudy Raymore, he's a comedian who was kind of going through the Chitlin circuit. Um, he wasn't really go... He didn't really go anywhere and, t- and was working as a, as a record, uh, record, record store clerk. And then he picks up uh, a routine of just all these old stories from these guys who are homeless on the street and adapts it into the Dolomite character. And he plays that Chitlin circuit and it's kind of like an underground sensation. He produces his own records and he decides to make a movie because no one else is going to make a Dolomite movie. And he's got enough of a following where he could feasibly like, he feels like he could feasibly do it. And he puts together a ragtag group of people and, I mean, I'm not the biggest Dolomite expert. It, Dolomite is a movie that I saw like once way back, but this made me have an appreciation for that, um, what it talks about about the end of the black exploitation era, but also just the the amount of positivity that flows through the film 
despite it being a very under underdog story, like Alexander Karzewski are very good at that. And this is one of the, my favorite, one of my favorite performances of the, of the year is Eddie Murphy. And for my money, he's the one I think should win an Oscar this year because he does something in this film. There's a moment where we're left alone with him and he's kind of just reflecting on the fact that he's about to star in a movie that granted that he's making himself and he's kind of just like talking to the people in his past and kind of going like, fuck you, but in his own way and just getting ready for the first day of shooting. And then Divine Joy Randolph, um, her moment near the end of the movie where she thanks Dolomite or thanks Rudy because no one was putting people like her in movies. <laughs> and instead of it being like a super gushy emotional moment, Eddie Murphy just keeps going, doing what he's doing. Yeah. Like Rudy, Rudy just keeps on being Rudy. And it's a wonderful film about showbiz, a, f- a wonderful film about what it is to be a comedian that's kind of working in a circuitry that's dying and then also trying to just how do you survive on your own. And um, I found it to be very um, uh, uplifting. And uh, it was a movie that uh, re- really made my heart feel good. And that's why it was there. It's, it's, I think it's the most enjoyable film I've seen this year. Um, and just, yeah, I, I love it. I, I love it so much. It's a great movie. I, yeah, I, I think it's really well. And I feel bad that I forgot Rudy Ray Moore's name. That, <laughs> You're good. Uh, just, we've been here for a while. He's rolling yeah. in his grave. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Uh, my number two is this film. <laughs> <laughs> great lead in. What I love about Nicole she is a mother who plays, really plays. What I love about Charlie, he loves being a dad. He loves all the things you're supposed to hate, like waking up at night. She knows when to push me and when to leave me alone. He never lets other people keep him from what he wants to do. Dad, you're too far. I know. It's not easy for her to close a cabinet. He's incredibly neat. She's brave. He's brilliant. She's He's very, very competitive. I'll tell Charlie what's happening, and Cassie, you then hand him the envelope. I just get nervous. Can you unserve? What do you mean, like take it back? Charlie and I are getting a divorce, Mom. You can't be friends with him anymore. Gina! Charlie Bird! (laughs) Mom! (laughs) Mom! What? You know, most people in my business, you're just transactions to them. I like to think of you as people. Oh, okay, good. You remind me of myself on my second marriage. Baby, I'm amazed the way you love me all the time. Part of what we're gonna do together is tell your story. Did you dye your hair again? No, this is me. You don't like it? Is it shorter? I prefer it longer, but... How are you doing? I realized I didn't ever really come alive for myself. I was just feeding his aliveness. I'll never get to really be his parent again. He needs to know that I fought for him. It's not as simple as not being in love anymore. Eventually, it'll be the two of you having to figure this out. Together. If we start from a place of reasonable and they start from a place of crazy, when we settle, we'll be somewhere between reasonable and crazy. See, I'm a number two is marriage story. Um, it's in my mind, 
From my point of view, Adam Driver deserves to win Best Actor. <laughs> From my point of view, the Jedi are yeah. evil. Um, no, he it, really does. He's really good in this he film. He disappears um, into this role. The, both of them do. Yeah, I think both of them are deserve to win Best Best Actor and Best Actress. And Laura Dern also should definitely win Best Supporting Actress for the film. Um, it's easily, I think, the best screenplay of the year. There's so many small, nuanced type stuff that's really important in the film. And the dialogue is just beautifully written and very realistically written I think too like throughout the film you understand that Adam Driver hates his father but you never talk about his father uh, and then at one point she compares him to his father and you see just in his performance and his voice how insulting that is to him without ever meeting or even talking about his father mm. um, it's a beautifully crafted film uh, and yeah I mean like another example that I use for screenplay and why I think it's the best I've read the screenplay as well I got a screener of it um Mr. Show Business oh my goodness um like there's like halfway through the film or whatever there's a courtroom scene that's the first like opening arguments basically type thing and both uh Laura Dern and Ray Liotta representing the two lawyers bring up these super small throwaway lines that were said by them earlier in the film as though they're these giant plot point type films, type uh, moments. And it really shows just like how well crafted and how expertly meticulously crafted the, the screenplay is. Um, yeah, I guess they couldn't improv or anything. Like, yeah, like they, they had they to, had stick to, to like, the... go to exactly like the word basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's really great because neither of them are the bad guy in the film. Like, uh, I, when I saw it, there was a Q&A with Noah Baumbach there afterwards, and he said he really wanted to craft to make sure, like, there's really no bad guy in divorce, usually. It's all just circumstance kind of stuff. And so he said when he crafted it, if you notice, and if you watch the first 20 minutes or so, Adam Driver's not really in the first 20 minutes, because uh, it's all from Scott Johansson's perspective. So by the time he shows up, you fucking hate him. Uh, and the next 20 minutes is all with him, and you're like, oh, he's actually good, too. And, it, like, it makes you really think, like, it is, like... Both of them are trying to be the best person they can be. They just can't be good together. Mm. Uh, and I think, and, they, and it ends with them not hating each other either. Like, not to spoil anything, but like, it's a kind of bittersweet ending. Uh, and I think it's just, it's in my opinion, like, it's even though it's not my number one, I think it is one of the most expertly crafted films I've seen this decade. And I think it's beautiful all around. Mm. The only issue I have with it is uh, there are some editing choices that I'm not a fan of. Uh, that like kind of fuck up the flow for me a little bit, but that's about it. And if you see the film, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. I imagine the fades and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's a good one. My number two is Marriage Story. Cool, Bren. Uh, my number two is a repeat. My number two is Shazam. Ah, Ooh. so I didn't do you that bad. Yeah, it's close. <laughs> I, I I actually expected that like it to only be on my list, so. Oh, the fact that it was even your third was... Dude, it's awesome. Nice, yeah. Uh, I really wanted it to be my number two movie. I, well, <laughs> we'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah, um, so when it came out, I, I told you uh, I saw a sneak preview of it with Zach and then took Zach home and immediately went back to the theater to watch it again because <laughs> uh, I just love the sense of humor this movie has. I love uh, how it pokes fun at superhero tropes. Um, it was just so much fun. It was the first movie of the year. You know, this is exactly a month before Endgame comes out, and uh, it was the most fun I had at the theater uh, at that point so far. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Shazam's great. Yeah. Yep. It's a good one. 
Uh, my number two is also a repeat. My number two is... Hold for dramatic pause. Hold for dramatic pause. A tag team review. Oh, oh cool. With who? Oh, yeah, me. With you. Me. Oh, great. <laughs> it's Jojo Rabbit. I wasn't sure if it was like an end game thing. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, what? Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I think Jojo Rabbit is incredible. It was one of those where like I saw the trailer early in the year and was like, well, fuck, this is going to be high on the list. Um, and sure enough, I mean, I... I I had very few criticisms about this movie. I think it it rides that line between when to be funny and when to be dramatic really amazingly. Um, and in the end, I think the story that it's telling is is uh, is really important. Um, more about um, growing out of your your current perspective more than it is about necessarily the big ideas, right? Like, um, so yeah, I, I think it's incredible. So. Yep, that's pretty much why it's my number two. Above Endgame is that I think that... Well, now you're just being mean. <laughs> well, I've, you all got all my case, so now I'm justifying it. Uh-huh. The, I think that this is the mo- the best well-rounded movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie that made me think, made yeah. me feel, <laughs> feel yeah. things. Um, I neither felt nor thought during Avengers Endgame. <laughs> you're right. I mean, like, <laughs> after, like after, you know, I was, I was like in a weird state for like hours after I saw this movie, I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And like the fact that they do the bold thing where they kill the mom, I was like, Holy shit. I mean, it it really is like springtime for Hitler meets grave of the fireflies or some shit. (laughs) It is like weird. It, it, It balances that tonal shift so well that you start off with this like weird, like Wes Anderson kind of thing, spring or summer camp. And then by the end, it's like, You've gone through so much. You feel like you've gone on a real journey with these characters. And I said it when I called in for your guys' episode that the the idea that the line between good and evil passes through every human heart is so well portrayed in this movie. Mm-hmm. You cannot paint anyone with broad brushstrokes. No mm-hmm. one is totally a villain. No one is totally a good guy. Except for Kylo Ren. <sighs> Shut wow. up, Ryan. We're talking about Jojo Rabbit here. I mean, yeah, sure, some of the side characters, like Rebel Wilson, or but, like, the main, like, four or five characters, and the fact that Taika Waititi's Hitler is, like, one of the funniest characters of the year is a little disturbing, but yeah, also... I think he's I think he's I mean, a yeah, 10-year-old Hitler youth would Yeah, Hitler like, it's being. not, yeah. like, him being yeah. actual Hitler, it's him being, like, he's, an imaginary... He's idea but, like, that one moment where... You know, he's like getting on to Jojo and he's like, what are you doing? Like becoming friends with this Jew. And he starts going off on this like speech that sounds like something Hitler really said. And I'm assuming it is because I'm like, yeah, Jojo being a fanatic like he is probably listened to Hitler's actual speeches. And so that way his imaginary Hitler also sounds like the real Hitler sometimes. Yeah. And as as Jojo's perspective changes, his imaginary Hitler goes from being a friendly guy to being hitler right you know? um i think that's what's so brilliant about it and i definitely both times i watched it but definitely the second time around that scene with sam rockwell there at the end yeah. um where he takes the jacket off and call you know spits on him calls him a jew tells him get away god i just yeah. i broke it's down just so good man. um and the fact that two of the four leads or five leads of the movie are kids yeah Holy shit. Like, so much of this, they carry this film. Mm-hmm. Them and, I mean, the other adult actors do a great job, but the fact that the, yeah. I can't remember his name, but the guy who plays JoJo, 
he he does a lot. Yeah. So Agreed. really fucking good movie. It's good. Ryan? Uh my number two is a film about how um young kids deal with uh catalyst catalyst catalytic they say it cataclysmic thank you event. Everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him. Yeah, I miss him too. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. You going to be the next Iron Man now? Well, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy doing your jobs. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, keep up the good work because I am going on vacation. Heads up. Nick Fury's calling you. I don't really want to talk to Nick Answer Fury. Phone. Why? Because if you don't talk to him, then I have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? I gotta go. You do not ghost Nick Fury. What up, dorks? What's up? We're just talking about the trip. I'm here in St. Marco Polo's. Oh, I think MJ really likes me. I reminds me when I first fell in love. You're a very difficult person to contact, Spider-Man. This is Mr. Beck. We could have used someone like you on my world. New world? Beck is from Earth, just not ours. The snap to our hole in our dimension. You're saying there's a multiverse? We have a job to do. And you're coming with us. There's gotta be someone else you can use. What about Thor? Off-world. Captain Marvel. Unavailable. But I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Bitch, please, you've been to space. What do you want, Peter? I want to go back on my trip with the girl who I really like and tell her how I feel. MJ, I am Spider-Man. No, of course I'm not. I mean, it's kind of obvious. You're right, you may not be ready, but this is my responsibility. Saving the world requires sacrifice. Sometimes people die. I always feel like I'm putting my friends in danger. The world needs the next Iron Man. Are you going to step up or not? I gotta get you guys out of here! Get on the jet! Who are you? I work with Spider-Man. You work for Spider-Man? I work with Spider-Man, not for Spider-Man. New plan. Uh, if you didn't hear Spider-Man's name a lot in the trailer, uh, <laughs> my number two film is Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, yeah, I actually think it handles the fallout well because I think you need a movie like that after a movie like Endgame mm-hmm. where it's really heavy and then you have basically a summer vacation Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Um, even though I knew Mysterio wasn't a good guy, I love the play of Mysterio because uh, Mysterio is always a sleight of hand and... Uh, watching it again, there's little tells throughout the film that he's not a good guy. Uh, and referencing back to Civil War, um, uh, where he's pissed at Tony Stark, that Tony Stark still has this, yeah. uh, is still affecting everybody in the Marvel Universe, even mm-hmm. after he's dead. And the fact that, like, the it, it ties in all this like tech and all these like j- actually just fun things yeah. that the movies that the movies have done before where it makes more sense They've for Mysterio to be like that because yeah. you know I mean you can't have him like in the comics where he does hallucinogenic gases and no so that doesn't make any sense so by having it drones projections um, him constantly uh, 
toying with people and you know, I, I love when Nick Fury finally catches on, and it makes more sense when you find out it's really not Nick Fury. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they always say that Nick Fury is always a step ahead. And in this movie, you're like, well, why does he not recognize that Mysterio is up to no good? And uh, then you find out why. Yeah. And, I mean, the end credit scene bringing back uh, J.K. Simmons has... Shit. J. Jonah Jameson is <laughs> yeah. amazing. Um, no matter what anybody says about Spider-Man films, they will never, ever not be on my list. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, people are saying, well, you know, it's not number one. Technically, Spider-Man is number one on my list because um, <laughs> he does show up. What about Italian Spider-Man? Would that end up on your list? Uh, if, it, if it came out and we were doing this on um, uh, cranky old time radio, then yes. Because <laughs> would they have rec- digital recorders back then? Probably not. That's but a, It's a parody. It probably, I mean, it looks old, but I think they probably made it in the last decade. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> but it's fun. And I, I think that they do. It's interesting because... If you look at it from like a teenager's perspective, you know they even say, "Yeah, my younger brother came back, and now, or my older brother came back, and now I'm older than him." It's just right. weird, yeah. and I think that's an actual natural response to it, right? Because um, you wouldn't know how to cope with it, and um, yeah, and Ned's re- re- romantic relationship with Betty Bryant is really fun. Yeah, um, it's just a fun movie. I'm surprised like no one was able to pick up on Mysterio being evil when like towards the beginning he was like Spider-Man. I'm gonna break bad. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yep. Did you say you're the bad guy? No, that was an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> and Jill and Hall is fucking amazing. He's so good. Oh, he should have yeah. been in a Marvel movie. I a really, I really hope that they undo the end of the movie. I'm sure it is like, because I just feel like that's there's there's something happen. to it. Well, because what as a big Spider-Man fan too, there's moments when he when Spider-Man shows up in Germany. And it's a trap by Mysterio. There's like moments from comics with the big Mysterio hand coming up and yeah. like the army of Mysterios. And then when he catches him and he webs him up and pulls him up and punches the globe off of him, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's from Spectacular Spider-Man number 50. <laughs> and uh, uh, those are the moments that get me. And um, and Tom Holland is amazing as Peter Parker. Yeah. yeah Some might say great. spectacular. Some might say sensational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A uh, fun quick story about this film. When it came out, I was uh, on assignment in a set in Connecticut mm-hmm. and uh, I couldn't see it opening night and so uh, I basically like just started like gaslighting everyone being like hey we should just wrap early and go see a movie I don't know maybe Spider-Man uh, that's the only set I've been fired from <laughs> so, <laughs> really? yeah like oh, so shit. like, like, oh, like shit. I did oh, convince them to go see Spider-Man but then when we had pickups they're like you're good like, we, we'll get someone else <laughs> so. oh my gosh wow well, that's funny Spidey didn't save the day that time <laughs> nope <laughs> alright that's so number good. one is that alright alright uh, my number one is from the Academy Award winning writer of Keanu that's a classic right there messing with that no what does I got five on it mean? It's about drugs. It's not about drugs. It's a dope song. Don't do drugs. Get in rhythm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Can't believe how big Dave got. You hear Gabe got a boat? He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Where's Jason? 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 Where were you? I didn't know if you were lost. Stick with me, and I'll keep you safe. 
There's a family in our driveway. It's probably the neighbors. But y'all scared of a family? Hi, can I help you? Zora, put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. And we kill them. Already like twenty minutes late. Uh, talk like a normal person. Sorry. Where, uh, <laughs> where can uh, half the population of the world find a, a gold scissors like that? Because there must be a really profitable <laughs> factory going on. I like how violent I, I this movie I, was. I don't know. Uh, why don't we go back to our conversation about Endgame earlier about plot holes, and then you can just kind of diddle with that. Um, Wait, what's the plot holes? Well, because she ha- was bringing up a point about Endgame. Never mind. Just yeah, move so, on. Anyway. Otherwise, I'm going to start talking about how much this movie sucks. Okay. Um, I. Uh, this was on my li- this was number one on my list multiple times and kind of kept switching around with other ones, but it keeps sticking with me. Um, I understand that there are plot holes and that there are issues that other people have with it. My ultimate argument for it is not even a great one. It's just I just kind of dive into the world and enjoy it for what it is. Um, and I think Peel is very good at sucking you into that world and... I trust him on the journey that he takes me on. Um, I mean, Get Out, obviously, I was very high on it. There was never a guarantee that Us was going to be as impactful for me because that's a high bar to live up to. And I walked out of Us for um, the first viewing uh, with a terror and hilarity on my face because the final shot of that film is very disconcerting about where the world is. Um, I... My the thought in my head as the Hands Across America song is playing with all the people, um, the tethered up uh, on mountains with their hands uh, hands with each other across mountains and valleys across the U.S. Completing that useless gesture from the '80s is like, oh, we're fucked. Oh, that's oh, we're screwed. Um, but uh, it, it's I think it's interesting how it utilizes its. Uh, it's it's environment and it's lore. It's very horror heavy in that respect to talk about um, different class divisions, political divisions, race divisions um, in a way that's ultimately accessible to my mind. Um, I think Lupita Nyong'o gives the best female performance. Best <laughs> She's better in Little Monsters. Um, I haven't seen Little Monsters yet, so I think she's she- happier. Oh well, that's I- pro- I'm sure that's true. 
I think she gives one of the best performances of the year in this film. Um, yeah, she's good. Winston Duke is fucking incredible in the film. Um, I think yeah. he does good at playing a uh, dorky dad, and then his tethered side is good at being kind of more the not in Mimbaku mode, but like tougher. Um, this one of the scariest moments for me is the scenes where Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss are slaughtered in their house, mm-hmm. um, and it's primarily because Tim Heidecker's um, uh, tethered. Uh, reaches out to help Elizabeth Moss in the real world or, or the, on the above world and then just does the psych and then rubs the side of his head. And I'm like, oh, that's terrifying. And that's also something that Tim and er- a guy from Tim and Eric would do. Um, and I I was just enamored by it. I kept I keep going back to it. I mean, this is a film where I had to have that limited edition steelbook because I loved that artwork because I love this movie so much. That thankfully Brad was able to find it, like after it had been long uh, on the shelves, off the shelves. So um, I, I think it, uh, I think it, I would be fascinated to see how it holds up years from now, um, because I think that it's a, it, I, it feels like it's a movie of a moment, but it also feels like it can transcend beyond that. Um, but anyway, that's my number one. Us. Never forget that Film Explosion isn't about the best movies of the year. It's about our favorite movies of the year. So you don't have to apologize yeah. for making yeah, that's us That's not what you one. have to apologize for. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my number one. Um, <laughs> apologize and, for this. And for not even having Parasite, or I mean Endgame on your list. I like Endgame a lot. Rude. It's like uh, we all it. know it's a film that Zach said he wasn't going to put on his list last week. <laughs> no, I said I, I said I did, but... Anyway. Uh, so yeah, is there gonna be a video at all? No. no. All right, cool. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, my number one is Parasite. Uh, it's by far the most enjoyable experience I've had in a the theater. Uh, sitting in front of me when I saw it was uh, Willem Dafoe and. Uh, oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> it was uh, Willem Dafoe and I Patrick, mean, Patrick Stewart and hanging out together. And, <laughs> and, he's, and he's like, "I go to the bathroom." Out am I? <laughs> <laughs> all the way around to Spider-Man. Yeah. Though. Uh, I mean, to be honest, like, I could actually see that happening. It was not, like, the North American world premiere of the film, so it's not that unusual, but, like... um, But anyway, it's great. Uh, The one thing I'll add when Zach... big time. (laughs) When Zach talked about earlier, obviously. Um, And um, (laughs) one thing I'll add that he didn't bring up... Six uh, hours ago. I think the... What the film is really analyzing is less about class and more about philosophy in that it talks about the downfalls of why... Not narcissism. Uh... Nihilism can never work, uh, but nihilism is inevitable if you are from a uh, such a low class scenario. Mm. Without spoiling, obviously, the it's hard to really explain why exactly that is without spoiling the last shot of the film. Um, but it's all about like the idea of having no plan and how you're you're forced into that most of the time uh, if you don't have time or if you don't have the resource to make a plan Mm. uh and i think it's a very beautifully done film uh it's one of the most tense for a film that's not very violent it's easily one of the most tense films i've seen this year Hmm. um and it's just it's the most expertly crafted film i think by far that i've seen this year uh but yeah it's my number one parasite go see it cool uh before we get to brad's number one i just want to point out that (laughs) The real, real nerds are oh. always in agreement, <laughs> and we understand what true cinematic achievement is. Wow! And that's speaking why of, it's speaking of elitism and class. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to see Brad hit the button. I already know how to do it anyway. I already know how this is going to play. I'm going to say, out. bring it in, nerds. Nerds assemble. Yeah. Yes. Triple tag team review, guys. For- <laughs> ah! 
the best movie of the year, Avengers oh. Assemble. <laughs> well, to be fair, we cheated. It's the greatest cinematic achievement of all time. Yeah. I like how this is happening literally like, what, 45 seconds after you said it's about not what's the best, it's about our favorite. <laughs> unless, it, like, unless it's yeah. the Triforce of nerds. That's right. a, that's We're actually reference. sitting like... That's why yeah. the other three. Yeah. yeah, we flanked you. Yeah, yeah. And none of you are leaving. And this we're room all one hundred. <laughs> we're one hundred percent right. Yeah, and you three yahoos are thirty three percent wrong. Hey, it unlike is, those two, I at least had it on my list. It is insane. I cannot, that you could make twenty two films yeah. mm-hmm. and have them tie together like this on its own. This movie is the greatest thing that happened this year if it had been bad. <laughs> that is how ridiculous. They could have had a like like a cold fart but all of the things tied together at the end and it would have still been unbelievably <laughs> impossible for this movie to happen. You can, you can point to so many moments in this film and there's way too many to talk about. But I even I also like the character of Thanos because in this one he's not 5 year, he's 5 years younger. Right. So he's different. So he's more of a warmonger. And people point out, well, I like him more in Endgame. Like, yeah, in Endgame, he's more war torn and he's right. more weird. You mean Infinity War? Infinity yeah. War. And, um, Better movie. No, no. It's all one movie. So <laughs> I, I talked about this last year because I did not put Infinity War on my list last year because I said these movies are really one giant thing and are going to, in, in the end, have to be sort of seen together and i think that's still true when you look at those two films together and the unbelievable story that it tells and how little fat there actually mm-hmm. is on that film when you compare that to something like the irishman which has <laughs> way too many establishing shots and then you look at this yeah. and how much work it does to develop these characters and move them forward it's incredible and um i said to end game is three hours but it doesn't feel like three hours because it's literally three acts that are an hour long each yeah it's the realization that everyone's gone right it's the how we get them back yeah and then it's the end and right. it, every moment and i i mentioned this before we recorded the, the the moment where you know you're on your left everybody knows what oh, you're sure. talking about that that moment is going to be cinema history forever that, like, it, it is it is one of the greatest finales in a film there's a fun thing you could do if you go on youtube and just type in avengers endgame audience reaction and you just watch it, and I just reliving that moment, like yeah. I get teary eyed thinking about it because I love Spider Man, and I mean that's no joke. But when he comes in, like one of the most gratifying things ever for me is because I, I know like all these other characters are really big now, and Spidey comes in and he drops, and the audience goes crazy, and then he comes up, he's like, "Mister Stark, what's going on? Um, we're on this pen that I felt really weird, and then Doctor Strange said we went away, and he did like this, and then the orange thing stood, and he jumps in, and like how he explains it to him is just amazing, and." Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s reaction to him being back to hug him. Uh, is Robert Downey Jr. is phenomenal in this film because if you go back mm-hmm. another moment is at the very beginning when he's chewing Captain America's ass out and uh, yeah the movie's awesome it should be everybody's number one it so when you go back to Iron Man 1 mm-hmm. and there is that throwaway scene at the end that of course has all of this promise for like what people would dream of Mm -hmm. the truth is it wasn't just that you could one day have an avengers movie the wildest dream of any fan sitting there in that moment where they say avengers initiative is the splash page of all of the superheroes Mm -hmm. fighting all of these villains and most importantly that you would love all of those characters yeah. and that everybody reading that book, which is traditionally how it worked, or in this case, watching the movie, would have 
one of them they loved the most. And that's there. There are people who saw this movie where Black Panther or the Wasp or whoever yeah. that's their favorite one, and they got to experience that's that's that's. Uh, I got in an argument with a friend who said that the the uh, Avengers woman team that assembled was like this leftist a force the a force yeah. was like a leftist like liberal Hollywood or it's a comic book splash page where it's like <laughs> look at all these cool like superheroines who just line up or it's the greatest moment of my day 10 years from now when my daughter watches that and that's what it's i'm amazing. saying and i i so think, honestly if that's where you're coming from you can fuck right off i agree i think you, it's you don't understand stupid. it's also it's also uh, at the end of the day it's also 15 seconds yeah. so let's right. calm down yeah. right <laughs> that, and, but I, I my favorite line of uh, the whole year is in this film and it's pre larson he says hey peter parker i fucking love that delivery because spidey realizes he's kind of overwhelmed but what i love about spider-man the character is he's going to keep fighting yeah you know and it just hey peter parker he's like oh hey and the, the fact that you <laughs> have you're a moment say, that is america's ass <laughs> no no <laughs> that's the fact fine. that you have a moment <laughs> on film where captain marvel talks to peter parker exactly is unbelievable or 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 how they they spit in the face of stupid people when they have captain america say hell hydra i'm like oh my god <laughs> my head's like and and maybe at the end of the day a movie about overthrowing tyrants and empire is really important i agree that's the the other part of this is they didn't just make a movie that ties up all of this crazy fandom and shit mm. and all of these there's people who are dead and all at the core of this there's a small team of characters we followed for 22 films that we love and they're telling us a story that's important for now mm-hmm. and that's more than we could have asked for yep yep which is insane sorry brad yeah? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ha- how many times did you see this in the theater? Like 13? Okay, so it's 2011. <laughs> June 2011. I love it. We've just started this podcast. And these two guys are going on about how great this Marvel universe is going to be. So far we've had two Iron Man movies and a Hulk movie. But we could not have believed it. And I'm and I'm and I'm like excited about next year's Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> oh, 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 this is the saddest story. I can't be more elated that there's this hopeful future for DC because right. no one's crushing it. And I'm like, okay, a Thor movie, a Captain America movie this year. I'm sure it'll be okay. And they are okay. And then cut to 10 years later, and I'm like, this is the most amazing movie of the year. I have to see it 16 times <laughs> in the theater. I drive to Wyoming to watch it in overnight uh, to watch it um, and to see stuff that is like a throwaway gag in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. And it turns out to be like the most rousing moment when Cap uh, can actually hold uh, Milner um, and yeah. fight Thanos. And um, <sighs> and finally, like I'm sitting there in the theater, theater like, like Captain America strapping on the shield and you're like, how the fuck is he going to get out of this situation? There's no way they're going to like leave this on a down note again. And then I've forgotten that you know, like everyone's been back <laughs> for about yeah. 10 minutes and like, yeah. yes. Um, yeah. And the, 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 the crowd at the theaters was cheering. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Seeing uh, that opening night was awesome. Yeah. yeah. That crowd was, and you want to talk about like, over there, <laughs> like wrapping up a story. Um, you know, it's no secret that I'm a little disappointed at the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> like, that's another. Like, it's not 22 movies, but it's still like finding a resolution to a lot of characters all at once mm-hmm. in a single film. And uh, it's just amazing that this is the one that's the more impressive one. 
Um, really, you could argue that the best arc in uh, Endgame is Brad's. Yes. <laughs> so. yeah. Converting Brad to the MCU was but the end game. Badass Captain America is where he had that huge cut on his arm and he tightened his shield so he wouldn't bleed out. Yeah. And then he grabs Milner. Although, in, in uh, Winter Soldier, doesn't he have like a magnetic thing that brings the shield back? So why is he using a leather strap again? Five years earlier. It might be uh, the, but it might be the old one that Tony. Well, no, because yeah, Tony made shield. it for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a different shield. Okay. Um, yeah, that's right. He wasn't but Tony using starts working with nanotechnology anymore. and he gives Cap a new shield with leather straps. No, the leather strap is just in case. He needs to fasten it to himself so he doesn't lose it while he's fighting with it. It's I'm a, still it, a little mad. It's a cool you. shield from a comic book movie. He can do whatever it wants. Hey, Tony, but it's you vibranium. Can... You can't make vibranium like change shape and shrink into a necklace or some shit. <laughs> ah, fuck you. Um, hey, Tony, you just gave me a new shield with leather straps. Yeah, it's going to look really cool at the end of this movie. Totally. <laughs> I know I didn't put it on the list. I'm sorry. I do have You're to mention, fine. though, that final shot in the movie with Cap dancing with Peggy um, still That's brings me to tears. Um yeah. Because awesome. that, I mean, that character, like, I know that Tony, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is incredible in that film. It's it's one of the best performances of the year, hands down. Um, but the journey that Cap goes on throughout this whole series, to me, has been the one that I've stuck to the most. And to give him a moment of peace yeah. was very gratifying for me, to the point where... I I really fought to keep this on the list and try to find a way to not sweep and make it number one, and it just didn't work out. But that final shot is undeniably, I think, ballsier even than um, uh, Endgame's ending was, where it's to end uh, this gigantic epic on such a small human moment. Hmm? I think is incredible. Yeah, yeah also, going throughout all the movies and being trained to think that only... Thanos and the Hulk or Thor can snap the gauntlet yeah. and then having it come down to a mortal man having to do it just like broke my heart oh yeah and the way that that happens like the having the nanotechnology be a part of how so he great. how he outsmarts him is so smart like especially every, in infinity where I'm like turn, oh really nanotech come on right but every every little turn like there's so many little details that are there for a very specific reason um, and it's so satisfying, pretty much every beat, you know. Um, also, yeah. the credits. Gosh, how it's like a curtain call. I love oh, that. Yeah. As oh, a fan yeah. of Star Trek Six, that was <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was Gosh. awesome. Yeah, it's just so good. Yep. It's unbeatable. It was unfair because when I finally got, you know, like a couple months ago, when I finally started like putting the list together and figuring things out, and I remembered. And not that I forgot the movie. I just mean, like, I hadn't thought about a top mm. ten list. And then I saw it on there, and I was like, well, fuck. All right. This isn't a hard list to do. <laughs> like, the bottom nine is tough, but there's not a whole lot of conversation. So, yeah, man, it's a great one. Yep. Well, Corinne, I'd like to see Corinne? how you're going to follow this up. <laughs> no, right, take us no home, Corinne. <laughs> no shit. Oh, man. Fuck, why'd you make me go last, Brad? This is working out the best that way. Um, <laughs> this is what happens. I don't know. Totally unintentional, but I don't know I'm, how I'm to intro my this. decision right now. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to intro this because I don't know what's going to happen. Should I just do it? Um, well, here, let me just say my number one is going to be probably controversial, sure. but it's definitely going to be different. Certainly controversial. Hit it, Brad. Is it, is it us? <laughs> so my number one is nothing what 
I have no number one. And I'll tell you why. Because we're your number one. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Actually, fuck, That'd Henry, I like that a lot oh, better. <laughs> That's really the reason, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I did it, everyone. <laughs> um, so, if you guys have been paying attention to the articles I've been writing about Star Wars in the last year, you'll know that this was going to be my, my number one. And then the movie came out. And I was so disappointed at how it it brought a conclusion to the the new characters from this trilogy, the old characters from the from the prequels and the Ridge Tridge, and the Ridge Tridge. <laughs> yeah, um, this is this was my end game. It was supposed to be, because Star Wars. <laughs> Fuck! I don't know why I'm crying. Sorry. Star Wars means so much to me. I don't even remember when I saw the first movie for the first time. I was I was that young. Imagine the five-year-old me playing on the playground in kindergarten. Playing Return of the Jedi with the other kids. This was... This was something that means so much to my family that I had to be there to see it with them. Growing up in a divorced household, Star Wars was the one thing, one of the few things that my mom and my dad loved. And I watched those movies with both of them so many times, I have them memorized. And I loved these characters in the new trilogy. And yeah, it wasn't the ending I wanted for them, but it wasn't even a good movie, in my opinion. It was rushed, and it was forced, and it just slapped in the face of the things that The Last Jedi brought to this franchise that I loved, and I felt so disappointed, And I, I, but I love this franchise. I love this story, fairy tales in space. That was my shit. So I couldn't put it as number one. But I couldn't put anything else as number one in its place. So that's why I don't have a number one this year. I, I totally get where you're coming from. It um, was, and, and honestly, this, The Rise of Skywalker, makes Endgame a better movie. Because Endgame knew how to give those characters a final, proper send-off. I agree. And Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker fucked the landing. So over Christmas... Um, we're sitting around and we were watching movies and, and uh, just killing time. My my father-in-law put on The Great Outdoors, uh, which I, I joked was a Christmas movie because I was like, well, it's also a John Hughes film, so yeah. it counts. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so a couple of years ago, uh, I think for Christmas, yeah, Zach asshole. gave me a Blu-ray copy, but like a nicer, weird edition of um, of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And so that meant I had two copies, and so I took one to the cabin and left it there. So after we watched Great Outdoors, it's like 9 o'clock at night, and Joe goes over, and he puts in... He's like, oh, I'm going to put in Indiana Jones. I was like, great! That sounds great! Let's watch Indiana Jones on Christmas night. What a fun idea. And it starts, and I realize it's Crystal Skull. Um... (laughs) And I realize it's also my fault because I'm the one who brought it to the cabin. (laughs) 
And we're sitting around and watching this movie. And at first, like, it starts, and Brooks is like, I don't even remember this movie. And, like, I kind of explained real quick, like, yeah, that's because nobody ever watches this one because it's pretty shit. And it kind of fucked everything up. And I watched the movie, and it was fine. Like, yes, there's a fucking nuke, and there's monkeys, and all this dumb shit, and Ryan's going to have to watch it again because Kate Blanchett's in it, and her performance is <laughs> That's stiff right. and it's awful. Like, it's yeah. it's actually a really disappointing Kate Blanchett. And it, Never! Yeah, all this stuff that's just not good. But there's but still it, enough there. But it was fine. That you can enjoy but, parts that's, of it. But where I'm going is, that was mine. Like, when I walked out of Crystal Skull, I was like... Not only not only was that a movie that took a character I loved and just like shit all over him, but it was made by people that I really admired and people who I trusted and who told me they were going to do a good job and they shit all over it too. Like Spielberg told me I'm not going to lean on CG and we're going to make all this stuff practical. And then I had to sit through him lying to me for two hours and that sucked. I hated that so much. And I, you know, I thought uh, back to like our '99 film explosion and how I put *Phantom Menace* as number as my number one. Yeah. And I was like, if I can justify the *Phantom Menace* as number one, I can justify the *Rise of Skywalker* as number sure. one. Yeah. Except uh, I can't. Uh, part of me can, part of me can't. Yeah. So, I I would just tell you. And plus, it was like a ringer. Like I wanted to put that on there so that I had an opportunity to talk about how much it disappointed me. Sure. But also how much it means to me. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, like there are good parts of the movie. John Williams fucking brings it. Adam Driver is amazing. Yeah. Daisy Ridley does great with what she's given. And yeah, I don't like the Ray Palpatine thing, but it's like it's so proper in space. Like oh, yeah. if you go back to the original Tridge, like there's six main white <laughs> characters and. <laughs> Like, five of the six of them are related or something. I totally hear you. What I'm trying to encourage you is that when you give this a little time to breathe, you're going to realize you still have that kid standing at the end of the last movie ready to go rebel some. Like, this shit moves along. I and, know. And, and there's going to be other things that are oh, coming yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious to see, what one, what the novelization is going to bring to the table, and yeah. two what the blu-ray like the deleted scenes and everything are gonna oh, yeah. be yeah because there's um, probably a better version of this movie that probably. just wasn't released in theaters or at least that's what the internet rumors are saying yeah i, I don't know that i believe that there is a jj cut i i think that that is um well i, I, I mean we know problem... that they're deleted scenes the oh, question agreed. is how late in the process were they deleted yeah. I, again I, I would just say the problem with that movie comes out of the end of the last one not because of ryan johnson because of how people reacted to it uh, if there is a lesson here to be learned it's actually about it's actually that you everybody's got to go back and w watch last jedi again because the whole point of that movie is about letting your deep ties to what you think this is supposed to be die off and letting this stuff kind of go. Because if you don't, you end up here. And the whole reaction to Last Jedi was people not actually listening to what that movie was saying. And, and that problem is a pervasive problem in all of the reactions to movies that you see on anything that people love. People take ownership of the things they love, and that it totally makes sense. But 
it also puts you and that thing in a box and you don't actually get to you don't always get to really enjoy it the way you want to yeah I, like i, I said totally it's get. not yeah. the star wars i wanted yeah and yeah. i, I get, like I, get. I can understand like people were upset with the last jedi because it wasn't the star wars that they wanted mm-hmm. but from my point of view it's a good movie the, this in my opinion was not a good movie sure i can't even watch it and be like but like I said, is, I've seen it the four times. Is Last Jedi was the, was the Star Wars that everyone needed, right? But didn't necessarily want. This is what happens when you try to make something that people want because it's it is. Um, it doesn't have it's a, a, it's a clear horse, identity. It's a horse designed by committee. Yes, it is. It is a yeah. little bit hodgepodge. Yeah. I, I think it still works, uh, Corinne. Like I, you know, we've been going back and forth for a couple weeks now. And I will always tell you, and I told you this before, because you actually, I think your ending to our film explosion is beautiful. Yeah. However. Kind of a downer, though. Okay. No, 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 no. That's you're, what you're we valid. do here. We still have emails to read. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, so, yeah, so, my mom's going to bring it back. So, so Karim, what I will tell you is how I look at things. Because you know, you cut me, red and blue comes out of me. I am a Spider-Man fan till I die. You are wearing it. I am literally wearing it right now. Yeah. And if you talk to anybody in this table, is Amazing Spider-Man 2 a good movie? Um, it it's pretty good. It's not the worst Spider-Man movie, and you know it. Yeah, <laughs> I will, but I will I will say I defend Spider-Man three and Amazing Spider-Man till I'm blue in the face. Agreed. Because oh, I can always find something in them that I can latch on to. Well, and I can latch on to things. And, 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 and here's the thing: you don't. Um, does Amazing Spider-Man two deserve to be number one film? Fuck no. <laughs> but, to, but to me... And the Ark of Brian also concluded here. That, that it will, nothing will ever replace But it replace means a lot them. to you. It means a lot. Yeah. I, I feel your pain. I grew up in a divorced family. And I'll tell you my Spider-Man story. I'm sure everyone has heard it. God my, damn it. It'll be quick, I promise. <laughs> my, mom, my mom and dad were divorced. My mom didn't have any money. So I couldn't get the stuff I wanted. My friend uh, Jimmy gave me Spider-Man versus Green Goblin card when I was in kindergarten on the playground. I still have that card, and nothing will ever replace that feeling I have for Spider-Man. And I don't care if someone if they have a movie where Spider-Man shoots webs out of his ass, I will still say that is the best movie of the year. And you, it's because you're passionate about it. But I would always just say I would block out whatever um, the the moment, like James said. Yeah. And if you watch it away, because I th- I think Phantom Menace is way worse than The Rise of Skywalker, like way worse. And, um, uh, yeah, it's worse. I mean, it, it, Phantom Menace is a lot better, better than bad. Revenge of the Sith, but yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we go down that road again, but it, I'm just saying. <laughs> we're just, we're too like close to it right long. now. Yeah, yeah. In, in think, five months, yes. I might feel differently, yeah. but and, for and, right and now, we're too close. It was close. okay if it was your number one movie, because yeah, okay. no, nothing will ever replace Spider-Man from me, and yeah. Spider-Man will always find a way to be number one movie for me. If Spider-Man shows up in the post credit scenes of The Eternals next year, The Eternals will be my favorite movie of the year. Wow. Okay. Well, just, just yeah. for the listeners and for you <laughs> Man, guys, I'll just gonna say I'm going to do like a I'm going to do like a full review of The Rise of Skywalker sequel trilogy sure. all that here in the coming months. So yeah. mm-hmm. keep a lookout for that on Sweet. the website. And and uh Corinne, I, I feel your pain cuz nobody's made a good shadow movie that's officially a shadow movie. Hey, there's hey, only hey, unofficial that good movie shadow. That movie is movies. good. It's called Dark it is Man. A good, no, it is a good movie. <laughs> it is a good movie. But it's it's let's be honest with ourselves. No. It could be way better. But like I said, Ryan, like I tried to justify it, but I was yeah. like, I'm just, I can't. See, oh, yeah. th- th- I, that's fine. The difference between you and me is I don't give a shit. I'll justify it all day long. I'm like, well, the Green Goblin shows up. He's not really the Green Goblin, but I mean, fuck, he's in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Re- re- oh. Remember, remember well, when they're like on their date 
and Spider-Man has to save people in Times Square, that's the best moment of the year. That's why it's the best movie of the year. And remember when he has, like, lightning bolts on his sleeves? That's stupid, but I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm, I also say on the flip side of it, on the upside end of uh, Ryan, James was there uh, in the Alamo lobby when I described to him why, lore-wise, I was so excited for Transformers the last night. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Only to be disappointed. And right? then I got out of that film and I was like, they're not medieval creatures. What the fuck are you doing, Michael Bay? <laughs> so, um, uh, great yep. moment. I do this. I had literally um like an hour and a half late picking up Kellen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, do you want us to just read? Can we read, read emails? Read please? emails. Yeah. Yes. All right. But good, go first? good film explosion, everyone. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, I'm going to read through this as quickly as I can, so I'm going to flub, flub words, but I apologize. All right. Uh, from Carol Hart's 2019 film explosion. Happy New Year, real nerds. It's been a big year for our family, second year in a row where we added someone new. Rich and I are now semi-retired, so we Yay. have more time to go to the Alamo. Well, I finally did it. I started working on this list weeks ago, uh, and still I'm sending it to James almost last minute. Uh, I worked at it little to, or a little by little, or a little at a time. Uh, this is really hard work. Putting them all in order is difficult, and I'm much better at talking them than I am at writing, so come on the show. Um, <laughs> Rich and I couldn't believe how many movies we'd seen this year. I'm thinking we might have been to the theater more times than James. He's a little busy. Yeah, I think she was. Um, <laughs> and we looked at it and it seems like we, uh, sh- oh, we looked at it and we, f- we feel like we should do a top 15. Therefore, I added some special awards and there are some really good ones and very disappointing one at Astra. Which what the heck was that anyway? <laughs> Agreed. Uh, once again, no, garbage. I did. I watched that thing on on a on uh, a plane, and it was I was so disappointed. I was yep. like, "How did you make even me not like this?" <laughs> um, uh, difficult to oh oh. Uh, once again, the process is really difficult because how do you compare JoJo Rabbit and Endgame? That's insane. No, it's really easy. You just put Endgame right <laughs> above JoJo Rabbit. Um, <laughs> so here goes number ten: The Lego Movie Two, the second part. Lego. Uh, and the story and characters are too much fun. Number nine, Downton Abbey. This was especially fun for us because we were huge fans of the show. Uh, they did a great job continuing the story and didn't waste time bringing people along uh, who have not seen the show. Ryan, there is so much more to this than j- people drinking tea. I know. I'm not they're picking out, you. That's what they're, they're picking out silverware. Um, number eight, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, because I am, right. because I'm not a comic book reader, I was completely taken by surprise at the reveal of the villain. Love it. Uh, as with most Marvel movies, I have a lot of fun and adventure. Uh, number seven, Captain Marvel. She's just going down the line, just knocking him out. <laughs> um, Captain Marvel. Yep, uh, more fun and adventure. Rich said this was his number one. That's oh, cool, cool, man. Um, number six, Knives Out. I really enjoy a good mystery. Loved the way this one unfolded. Uh, a good taste of Columbo. Daniel Craig was so much fun, and, I, and good to see him doing something other than uh, 007. I'm sure he agrees. Uh, great characters. Number five, Ford versus Ferrari. Loved this movie so much, um, not just because I love cars, the story... Uh, not just because I love cars. The story, the way it was told, acted, everything about it. Contrary to other opinions, I was very happy with all the details. I knew about the Shelby Mustang, but didn't know about uh, anything about the uh, Carol Sh- or about Carol Shelby himself. Um, just that he was very influential in the car business. Good to catch a potato chip bag. Good catch on the potato chip bag, Brad. Whew. Um, I bought a Shelby 
car calendar for our gas station bathroom for 2020. Uh, number four, the peanut butter Falcon. Love this story so much, and it was beautifully told. It's a story that you want to be true. Shia LaBeouf was wonderful. Totally fell in love with Zach Gottsagan. I think I, I hope I pronounced that right. Number three, The Rise of Skywalker. This is my favorite Star Wars movie. No. Is this my favorite Star Wars movie? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I read oh, that wrong. Thank goodness, Carol. <laughs> Uh, is this my favorite Star Wars movie? No. Did I love it? Yes. I have mixed feelings about Ray's story. I love the story that she was nobody, but I also love the story that she came from the dark side, but that she chose the light. Uh, wasn't happy with the story of how Palpatine came back with his final scenes or, or, or his final scenes. The fight with Ray, Ben, and Palpatine was what I refer to as a pod Ray scene. Oh, fuck. No, it's not. Um, she refers to the Padre scene as this really long, boring thing that she doesn't <laughs> care about and doesn't and matter to the story. What? Um, so, ah, shit. Um, uh, was what I call a Padre scene. Just went on way too long. Sorry, Corinne, but Ben had to die. Redemption does not mean that there are no consequences. I think it was beautiful that after he came to his senses, he gave up his own life to save Ray. Number two, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, my goodness. How do you talk about a movie like this one? It made you feel everything. Heartwarming, heartbreaking, sweet humor, anger, crazy. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> there was a moment that took my breath away. I, I knew that moment was going to happen, but the way that it was revealed was stunning. There were so many beautiful messages that they wrapped all around in a, the insane sense of humor. Uh, I Oh, a very difficult movie to explain to anyone who hasn't seen it. Simply amazing. Number one. Avengers Endgame. Uh, it was number one because I know I will watch it over and over. Uh, so much to t uh, we could talk about. This Marvel movie is so much more than just fun and adventure. So many wonderful messages woven into the story. All right, special awards. <clears throat> Best surprising comedy. Uh, Jumanji: The Next Le The Next Level. We enjoyed this the first. Oh, we enjoyed the first of the new version, so we decided we should go see the second one. Uh, a chance, despite. Oh, give the second one a chance despite concerns about sequels. We were delighted to find that this that we love this one even more. Uh, using the new characters was a clever way to add something new to the sequel. We laughed out loud. Best comedy romantic comedy. Best Christmas romantic comedy last Christmas. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, we were in Taos, New Mexico, sort of stuck in the snow. Thought it would be good to see a movie, but we're limited in, on choices. Asked Ryan for help deciding between Charlie's Angels and Last <laughs> Christmas. Not near as good as as Love Actually, our favorite in this category, but three out of there are three and a half stars. Um, and it stars Corinne's hot heartthrob. Who's Corinne's heartthrob? I don't Is know. I have a lot of them. Oh, oh, okay. Um, best, we talk about Henry Golding a lot. Uh, oh, that's true. Best, <laughs> best quote-unquote Christian movie. Uh, it's a movie called Unplanned. Uh, I was very nervous a bit about seeing this after I saw that it was written by the same writers as God's Not Dead movies. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, they only write the screenplay of the uh, biography, and they stuck to the book. Oh, I see. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Uh, this is a very powerful true story, and it was very well done. Uh, best movie no one saw. The Best of Enemies, which I don't know. Does anybody here see uh, that? Yeah, okay. my, my family also um, saw and They liked it. So. Okay, gotcha. Uh, the movie is based on a true story, a wonderful story on how to learn from each other and if they will listen. Taraji P. Henson and Sam Rockwell were amazing. Uh, okay, just, just one more. Um, uh, best superhero movie not Marvel. Shazam. 
Lots of uh, good fun, except for the monsters. Good to see Zachary Levi again. We loved him on Chuck and more recently on Miss Maisel. Wish they hadn't had the had the creatures be so scary, though. A bit too much for little kids, I think. I, my mother has never sounded more old than when she says, we love him on Chuck. <laughs> uh, honorable mentions, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Toy Story 4, Where Did You Go Bernadette? Where Did You Go Bernadette was my number 11. That movie is unfairly really? maligned. I love that movie. I can't wait. I think it's great. It'll be a part of my uh, Kate Blanchett Oh, yeah, it will. Filmography. Um, there you have it. I still think I could move the order around, but uh, you have to stop sometime. I mean, isn't life? It's, it isn't life or death, right? Uh, love you all. Remember, I'm still listening, so behave yourselves. Hope to see you again someday. Hugs. Carol, a.k.a. James's mom. So Hi, Carol. I, I'm glad she brought up that last Christmas thing, because I'll tell real quick. She sent me this text message. She said, we're stuck in Taos, and we were thinking about seeing Charlie's Angels. I'm like, don't do it! <laughs> um, not that dramatic, but I said, it's yeah. not that fun. I said, it, I, I told her to see Jojo Rabbit, and it wasn't playing there. Oh, yeah. And uh, so she said, well, we have a choice between that or Last Christmas. Like, At least Last Christmas is cute. <laughs> Last Christmas is a good movie. Yeah, yeah. That's cute. Are you going to cool. do Jake's uh, I don't have Jake's. Do you have Jake's? Uh, I can do it. I'll do it. Or, it's right, right I can do it. Hi, all. Jake Hart again. He's Sa- right, by the way. Saw your request for list for 2019, and it turns out I've seen a whole 14 movies. <laughs> uh, 14 of the movies that came out this year, and I liked all of them. So, presenting, drum roll please. Not the four worst movies I saw this year. <laughs> Cue fanfare. Number 10, Missing Link. Leica beats yeah. out Pixar and Disney by a hair. Number Ooh, 9, Detective good. Pikachu. I know nothing about, po- about Pokemon, but that was fun. Yeah, that was great. Number oh, 8, good. Alita Battle Angel. They crammed too much in so that my wife had to ask me what the plot was after the movie was <laughs> over. But I do feel like they got the characters right, nice. and yeah. I've been waiting for this since 1999. Uh-huh. Number 7, Shazam. DC made a fun movie. <laughs> <laughs> Number 6, Knives Out. Both a fun mystery spoof and an actual mystery. Number 5, Avengers Endgame, boom. Number four, Captain Marvel, more boom, now with Flurkin. Number three, The Lego Movie 2, the second part, I Heart Legos, along with practically every line in this movie. Number two, Spider-Man Far From Home, there is life after Endgame. And his number one movie is Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. People say this is a bad Star Wars movie. Oh, people who say this is a bad... (laughs) Sorry. People who say this is a bad Star Wars movie are dumb and wrong. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Shots fired from the Star Destroyer. I guess Corinne I'm dumb and wrong. Corinne, I apologize for my brother. <laughs> I guess I'm you know, dumb and wrong, my, too. My dad mm. and my stepmom loved it. My mom and my sisters were like me, so... Divisive. It is divisive. It's like, it's like The Last Jedi, but in reverse. Yep. Well, except that The Last Jedi yeah. was the greatest Star Wars movie ever made. Yeah. All right. I got one from my friend Ian, whom Ryan has met. All right, top 10 list of 2019 in descending order. Number 10, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Andre Overdahl and Guillermo del Toro come together to make a horror movie from the nightmare fuel of our childhoods. Number 9, John Wick 3. Hard to beat the action and atmosphere of a John Wick film, plus dog foo. Number 8, Ready or Not. Frantic, fun, bloody. Number 7, Crawl. I agree with Tarantino on this one. Crawl is a terrific horror film. Number six, The King, which I don't know what that is, a brilliant adaptation oh. of Shakespeare's oh, Henry V. Timothy Channel Life film. Yeah. Number five, Knives Out, excellent twist on the classic Agatha Christie formula. Number four, The Irishman, proves once again that Martin Scorsese is one of the greatest living directors. Number three, Tigers Are Not Afraid, deeply twisted and imaginative, which I don't, I've never even heard of that movie. I've heard it's very good. So. This is number three film, so you should check it out. Number two, Us. 
masterful horror classic from Jordan Peele's sophomore film. And number one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, absolutely the best film of the year, Tarantino proves he is still the undisputed champion of storytelling. James is shaking his head. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Yep. Uh, just a quick Facebook stuff. Uh, my buddy John sent in, said The Irishman was his favorite. Cool. That's it. Uh, somebody named Quincy sent one in as well. Uh, Jojo Rabbit did a real magic trick. It might, <laughs> it, it might be my favorite of the year. I really like Knives Out as well. Hot take choice. I think Alita Battle Angel might have might be the underappreciated action adventure movie of the year buried under the likes of everything Marvel and The Rise of Skywalker. Fuck yeah. Uh, Jay sent in Joker, John Wick 3, Ford v. Ferrari, Rise of Skywalker, Shazam, Missing Link, and Men in Black International. Oh, that's a choice. Man. <laughs> I'm not using their last names. I don't know if they want me to. So. Sure, sure, sure. No, <laughs> okay. I think that's fair. Sorry, sorry, who was that? I was looking something up. Um, uh. That was um, the Facebook ones. Yeah, yeah, I have two more Facebook ones. So I put in that glass disappointed everyone, and then some guy named Glenn said glass was amazing. So you know, so Glenn likes glass. Uh, movies are interpretive art. Yeah. Right. And then uh, Evan scented one uh, has ten favorites in no particular order: The Rise of Skywalker, Avengers Endgame, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Four V Ferrari, Ad Astra, El Camino, Knives Out, Booksmart, and Dolomite is my name. Thank you, people who sent those. That's what I got. Did I miss somebody? Um, you read Ian? Yeah, I read Ian. Oh, hey, I got sure one from Jerry. Uh, hey, guys. I'm Jerry, long-time listener, first-time participant. I'm Yay. sorry a bit late with uh, with my list. I did five instead of ten. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of films this year. So That's okay. We, delay, we love you right now, Jerry. <laughs> here they are. Um, uh, he's got it number one first, so I'll read it backwards. Number okay. five, Fast Color, Three Generation of Women of Color Dealing with Their Powers. It's a small indie film that came and went. It's a different take on the genre and f- refreshing. I'd say more, but I... Uh, but I might spoil it. Check it out if you can. Number four, Sabrina, 1954. <laughs> yeah, he and I watched that New Year's <laughs> Eve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not a 2019. I saw the remake, and then I saw the original. The original wins by a mile. The cinematographic uh, cinemat- cinematography was amazing. Long shots that allow the actors to showcase their skills. Audrey Hepburn is amazing to watch, and her charm just radiates off the screen in a way that Julia Armand couldn't match. Number three, Shazam. This was a film that I never imagined I'd see in my life. Shazam, really? I mean, wow. It was fun, and it's slowly turning into a Christmas classic for me. Now there is hope for a question film. Oh, the question. That character from DC. Uh, Number two, Charade. Also not 2019. Yes. Simple, clever writing, colorful characters, and charming. After I left this film, I found myself a little bit sad that I lived in an age where we didn't have a film like this all the time. Hey, that's fair. He saw it in the theater with us. Yep. So yep. Yep. he's doing like movies he saw this year, not necessarily they came yeah, out this year. Yeah, it's just Tammy and the T-Rex. I get it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and it's charade. Uh, number one, Joker. One of my favorite lines in cinema is the line that Thomas Wayne gives Barry Allen in the Flashpoint Paradox. You'd be amazed at the monsters this world can create. In this case, you'd be amazed at what society creates, and it's because we lack empathy for those less fortunate than us. The tragedy in this film is that Joker didn't need to exist if we cared about one another. If we choose our words carefully, it made me pause and ask questions of myself. How do I treat others? I couldn't stop talking or thinking about this film. It's the one the world needs to see. It's very thought-provoking. I so, love it. Uh, and then my girlfriend sent in uh, her favorites were Marriage Story and Booksmart. Very so, cool. Yeah. Cool. 
Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to our extremely long film explosion. Yeah. Next week, we're seeing 1917. Oh, um, man. So that should be a fun film. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, Saturday the Grudge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about fun. It's not limited release, though? Yeah, it's the wide release. It comes out yeah, it comes out yeah, the 10th. Yeah. So thank you, everybody. Appreciate cool. it. Great seeing you, you James. Yeah. Good um, film explosion. Now I'm going to go get yelled at by my mom. So, um, uh, right. Well, she has, Where she's like going, leaves? she's going out drinking with her friends. I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> she's I'm like, I'm like, mom, yeah. you're in your sixties. Yeah. <laughs> she's required to love you though. So you can always get away with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Take that mom. All right. Thanks. Cool. Bye. Right, bye. bye. Love everybody. You waited all year. Here what the nerds have chosen. Will it be Joker or maybe Frozen? I'm telling you all it's a film explosion. Film explosion! Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.